Friday, March the 4th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Loaded episode, tons of racing. But before we get into anything, I have to give a little shout out. I'm actually recording this late on March the 3rd. And I have to say happy birthday to uh, my grandma, Helen, uh, looking down from uh, up in heaven. I had a great relationship with my grandma. She was probably my favorite person in the whole world. We, I was very lucky I lived with her. Today was uh, the third, March 3rd would have been her birthday. So happy birthday, grandma, and uh, thank you for uh, for everything. Now we will get into That's What G Said for this week, where we'll talk some NBA with Eric, we'll bounce around everything going on in the world of NBA, but this is going to be a really horse racing heavy episode. We'll have this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper and uh, NBA, who's hot, who's not, but lots of racing. Samantha Perry joins me to talk about the Saturday Gulfstream stakes. We have a Chappie, Jeff Chapman, joining me to talk some Santa Anita Saturday, but I'm going to go through Gulfstream Friday full card. I'm going to go through Sam Houston Friday full card. Then we're going to get to Saturday. I'm going to go through Saturday Full card, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Sam Houston, all three. There are 14 graded stakes races on Saturday between Santa Anita and, Gold, and uh, Gulfstream. There are all kinds of promotions from first bet. They're calling it first Saturday. There's an all dirt pick five. There's an all turf pick five between Gulfstream and Santa Anita. There's a free contest where if you pick the winner of all 15 of the stakes races, you could win the $5 million jackpot. There is a huge ultimate betting challenge, $3,500 entry fee that is a massive contest that you can win a ton of cash and then qualify into all these other bigger contests over the next year, year and a half. Just crazy opportunities. So we'll hit on all that racing for Friday and for Saturday. They canceled Friday's racing for Santa Anita because of the rain, and they they, uh, pushed that card back to Monday. So... No Friday for Santa Anita because there's not Friday racing at Santa Anita. So we'll get you Gulfstream, we'll get you Sam Houston, and we'll talk everything going on in Stable Duel. Yeah, there we go. I've been kind of bouncing all over, but uh, NBA horse racing for Friday, Saturday, and wrestling with Chad Cooper on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow on Twitter at BTV Bets. This schedule right now for all the free content there. It's a website. It's full of different handicappers and gamblers that want to help you make money. We preview big games, big sporting events, big horse races, and just try to share our analysis. It's always free. It's great background noise before a big night of games. If you're going to make any plays or if you're just curious to see how other people are playing, what's their approach, some of the reasoning. There's giveaways all the time. If you go to the website betterthan.vegas, you will see videos posted from all sorts of different handicappers and gamblers around the world that just want to help you out. Everything's free over at BTV. Let's see, right now, Monday, you get at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Mohawk Mania preview for the Woodbine Mohawk Early Pick 5. Tuesday, 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time, 6 Eastern Time. You get the NBA show where we preview the Tuesday night NBA slate. Then on Thursday, it's Mohawk Mania again. Saturday, you've got cutting nets early in the morning, pitches and pints right before that. So we talk about everything going on in the world of soccer. Then we preview the college basketball slate. Sunday is another NBA every single week over on Better Than Dot Vegas. Let's get into our first interview. It'll be... Eric joining me to talk about everything that's going on in the world of uh, NBA over the last week or so. 
who's looking good, who's not teams to target, who's struggling right now. Only about 20 games left in the season, so important time in the home stretch of the NBA season. Eric joins us to discuss. NBA. Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? Time to check in again and see what's going on in the the association. That's what a lot of us, like what Reggie Miller and a lot of the the players, you know, when they talk about the NBA, Eric, they'll they'll call it the association, you know, to yeah. make it seem like it's, you know, in the uh, the National Basketball Association, in the association, in the association, we head into the NBA. Man, we've only got twenty games ish left for everyone right now. Not a lot. I know everyone kind of thinks the all-star game is kind of like the midway point, but if you look at it, like there is like <laughs> not that much basketball left. There's only 20 some odd games, and you know, teams trying to put everything together and make that fu- one final push, uh, push for the playoffs, trying to get everything right. So we're going to discuss all of the major storylines, uh, news, everything that's been happening over the last week or so. I think one thing that we can kind of begin with right off the bat, because it is very important is that we did see Kevin Durant play tonight. You and I are recording this on Thursday night. As we are talking, the uh, looks like the Nets the Nets are down by four with about 35 seconds to go. They're playing Miami. And Durant played for the first time in a few weeks tonight. He played 35 minutes. He scored 31 points, uh, five rebounds, and four assists. So this is win or lose this game tonight. It looks like they're going to lose. This is very big and very important for them because they were starting to get in a real precarious position, Eric, towards the bottom of the East where they did not have a lot of breathing room down there just to keep themselves in the plan. No, and I mean, like, even if you look at it right now, they they have a lot of games to make up. And like you said, there's only like 20 some odd games left for each team. Right now, they're sitting at the eighth spot. You know, for them to make up five games and get to that six line is pretty unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's playing. It looks it's, they're, it's, they're in the plan. Um, they're and if they have to play at Toronto, that means no Kyrie, right? Yeah, Kyrie can't play there, but we don't know. I mean, stuff's changing. Like, yeah, you're right. That could be a lot. Like, like teams could move, but that's what's funny right now. If the game, if the season were to end right now. The Brooklyn Nets would have to play a play-in game at Toronto mm-hmm. where Kyrie wouldn't be able to play. Yeah, and then, like, hypothetically, let's say they lose that game, just hypothetically. You know, then they may have to play the Hawks. And, like, Trey Young is showing, like, in the playoffs, he can go off for a couple games. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so, it's yeah, not so like I a cakewalk. It's, it's not a cakewalk down there. not a cakewalk. I think a big blow for their overall depth. Um, Joe Harris is done for the season. That's yep. a pretty big blow for them. And we keep um, hearing these setbacks for Ben Simmons. You know, we've yeah. I think we've had two of them. It's it's more of a fitness thing, I think, for him and a I mental think he just thing. Doesn't want to, I just don't that, think he wants to play in Philadelphia. That March 10th game. Yeah, I think you will find out right over. afterwards that he's starting to feel much, much better than, you know. It, but I it, mean, like, I would rather want to get it out of the way. I would too. Get out of the way. And, um, you know, my friend that played in the, played in the league. He, um, you know, works for a team right now. He made an interesting comment. He just is like, he goes, Eric, when you and I were growing up, we liked to play. A lot of the people in the league right now, a lot of players, they just don't like the game as much as we did. You know, they just, if they have a chance to take it off, they're just going to take it off. So, I mean, I found that, you know, kind of, kind of interesting. I think Simmons is kind of in that, just a talented guy who really doesn't, 
crazy as it sounds, like like the game that much. No love. Um, that's one thing that uh, uh, Bill Simmons, who he nowadays, I I used to love listening to Bill Simmons, and I think like anyone, you sort of get uh, you you can tell that he just doesn't watch as much basketball or just doesn't pay attention as much. You get bigger, you make a little bit more money. You don't have to do the same kind of work you did when you were young and coming up. You know, you don't have to put you don't have to put those hours in quite as much. But you don't have to grind as much. No, but he still has some fun. He he still will have some good takes or some good insight uh, sometimes, and he kind of hit this with he 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 will try to mention this about players early on, and he's been on this with Ben Simmons for a while, where it's like, does he really like basketball? Yeah. You know, think about when he came out in LSU towards the end of that year, like they weren't good, and and he didn't play a lot of those games too. Towards the end, he was banged up, and we don't we haven't seen him. Do what a lot of the other great players do Man a few years ago In his first couple years People were talking about him like a Magic Johnson kind of guy Yeah, He had great passing ability He was like 6'9 That can handle the ball um, He'll drive, he's quick, he's got really good Court vision, he's a fantastic defender But he never Now I again I don't know what these guys are doing During the summer, during the off seasons Behind closed doors, I don't but all I can say is on the court, his game never progressed. He, he never all. looked like he was doing a bunch in the offseason. Like you can tell when other guys come back and you're like, where the hell did this guy get a three-pointer from? Yeah. Or like, where did this dude learn how to handle the ball? You 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 see it on some guys, you know, when you they come growth. back from year and growth. and it's all work. It's all work, Eric. You see growth. I mean, like I read some stat um like in his last like whatever this like this year like he's shooting eighty percent. Giannis shooting eighty percent three throws. I think is in his last like seventy five attempts. He's like seventy two from the season compared to where he was last year. You can tell that he's working on his craft with Simmons. It's you know it's just constantly been the same issue after issue after issue. You know he just hasn't mm-hmm. got that reliable jump shot down. And like some of these guys, they just are so. I can get by with my athletic ability. I'm so much better than everybody else. And then when you get to this higher level, you know, it eventually catches up to you. Some people are just, you know, their, their talent ceiling, you know, you look at a guy like Harden, a guy like Embiid who really don't have that great of work ethics, but they're just so talented. They're already one of the best players of the league, but. And where you're going so far. Well, and what you're hitting too is you see it in sports. It's funny because. The difference between the regular season and the playoffs in all sports, I don't think how much people realize it is and what it does. Because all of the guys that you're just talking about, like even Ben Simmons, we weren't really having any problems with him during the regular season last year with the way that he was playing. And that's because when you play a different team every night, you travel around, you move around, you catch some teams on backs to backs and stuff like that. It's not as easy to, you don't have. Like great game plans for every team Every night right it's just harder To do that you're you're worried about The three games you've got coming up When you get into the playoffs and you play The same team in a row seven times And they watch you and they know Every single thing you are doing they prepare For you for a few days and then They play you and they see all of Your your idiosyncrasies Your body language the things you do And they know what to take away From you it's and that Vice versa when when you play in a series or when you play a team and you just have a matchup against them 
And there's just nothing they can do And you just attack them over and over And over again It's it's almost like uncomfortable sometimes To watch Eric you know when you see it out there And you're just like stop the fight Stop the fight like oh my gosh They're just gonna and that's sort of That's what happens with players Weaknesses you don't Really notice it Until the playoffs until a series When someone can just attack you over And over again and it's like Uh oh well Ben Simmons is gonna be Left alone from 20 feet Out if he doesn't hit that Shot he's not even gonna have any room To drive yeah it's NBA is all about spacing And if he can't hit a shot you know it just You know it is what it is And you were talking Harden and and Embiid They look fantastic right now they look great But when things slow down for them When they gotta guard somebody on the other side When it's not quite as easy When they have to play a couple more difficult Teams that have a good coach A good coach and a good scheme Let's say let's see if things Are going to be as easy for them at that point Exactly exactly And I mean like you mentioned the 76ers I mean who have they played the Knicks twice The Timberwolves without uh, Edwards you know, it's like, so everyone's saying it's all, you know, roses and everything there. I would just kind of calm down and wait to see how it looks until they play an actual Pump team. the brakes. It, you know, it's and, good that it looks, it's better that it looks this way than if it was look like how the Lakers have looked this year, right? I mean, it's obviously better that they look good than they look bad, but don't go circle them in the NBA finals quite yet. Yeah, and you're already seeing that. You, like, I mean, like, I don't even know, like. There's that video circuit around the internet where, you know, Harden's right there clapping for the ball and, you know, Green doesn't pass it to him. He passes it to somebody else, you know? So it's just, I don't know. Like, I could see with Harden's personality stuff going a little awry. Um, there's a lot of questions with that team. I wouldn't anoint them all that yet. I mean, they definitely, I think they're going to miss Drummond. Drummond for the game against the Bucks. Um, he proved how valuable he can be. He had some they, good blocks. He's a good. They just signed center, DeAndre Jordan today, which is just awful. He can't. I mean, he awful. cannot play at all. There's a reason why the Lakers cut him. The Lakers need anyone that can even remotely play at all on the court, and they tried to give him opportunities, and he just can't. I mean, maybe it's just like, hey, we need him for five minutes a game to go in there and to just be a body that can take Embiid and give him a rest, and but. He he will get attacked. He will. I, I don't. Yeah, that was not like he's going to be a major minus. This that's what happened when Philly had the good Philly team with Butler the year they lost to the to the Raptors in Game Seven with to Kawhi with that shot. If you look into the numbers from that series, the only reason why Philly lost that series was because in the non Embiid minutes they were so bad, and there were only like eight, ten minute, ten of those minutes a game. Embiid would play as much as he could But in the few minutes that he would be Off the court they the drop off was So bad to their backups That 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 could Really really hurt them this year Yeah you gotta make sure like you You have the pieces and Everybody is right and kind of Everyone knows their Role and accepts their role You know mm-hmm. and that's kind of like A hard thing to do Um, You know I hate to mention the Bucks again but we kind of Saw with Portis like Portis Portis, you know, first-round pick from Arkansas, um, always saw himself as a starter, you know, and last year the Bucks had, you know, it's kind of a wake-up call for him. The Bucks, you know, signed him to a $1 million, like $1.5, $1.75 veteran, mini, veteran minimum type contract because no one else wanted him. 
they're not winning the title without him. And he didn't even play in the Nets series. I mean, he was he mm-hmm. accepted his role, and now he get now he's like the mayor of Milwaukee. Everyone loves him up here. So you know, those fringe players need to accept their role for my for Philadelphia to take that step. But at the end of the day, like there's been one coach that has blown three three to one series leads. You know what I mean? Like that just to me, like I don't think Doc's the guy. I, I no, really don't no, think and Doc's that, the guy. I'm um, more and when we talk about how like players can or can't win, I'm actually more inclined to be like, I don't think this coach can do it. And I'm I'd be more I'm more worried about Doc than I am about the them as players. I do I do think that if these guys play well, like the good version of them is a is a pretty good fit. I mean, they might be they could be such a miserable team to play in the playoffs if if they get officiated kind of similarly to how they're getting officiated right now. They could be miserable to just have to but defend. You, you and I both know that the it doesn't called it doesn't. It I mean, doesn't. If you take out now, Embiid's having a great season, but if you take out his three throws, he's averaging nineteen points a game. And and That's I do, it. I do think Harden does won't get as many Embiid. Kind of maybe he still does But I, I just I mean I, I have some concerns With them um, it, When it gets into a series When Doc has to make adjustments against another good Coach and another good team Exactly. Can, can yeah. he do that can he do more Than just hey I've got Some good players I'm going to roll the ball out There and let them do it exactly and I really feel like um, not Having Curry there to knock down the three That's going to be a big blow to them um, They're relying on Who's the guy, Maxi and Harris? Like Maxi's had a good couple days, but he's this is why Maxi's playing good and like scoring points. It used to be like there's no hard in there. Okay, you, this guy's on the on the on the the uh, dry erase board. This is what we have to watch out with. Now Harden's there, and Maxi's kind of been pushed to the side. That's why he's been playing well the last three games because he's the fourth, the play- fifth option, and he's wide open. Yeah, but in the playoffs, not going to happen. You know Everyone's I mean? gonna know yeah. where you are at every moment, exactly. and exactly. it's going to come down to, I mean, like it comes down to for honestly for a lot of the teams that win, everybody has a stud or two, or or yep. your Maxies and your Danny Greens and your Harris is going to make the big shots. If they do, this team will be really tough. If they if they make their wide open shots in big games and big moments. They're going to be tough because they're going to be getting wide open shots because you're going to focus on Embiid and James Harden. But how consistent and how much do you trust all of them? Danny Green can have, and Danny Green was almost going to be the NBA Finals MVP in that one in that one series. I mean, he had like two good games. Two yeah, good games it, he did he, well. You he know, had the two, the first two yeah. games of that Spurs series where he was going nuts, and then the next couple he just falls off. And that's he is one of the funnier. Good shooters like when you're when you end up Looking at his numbers at the end of every year And you go through like his career year By year he's always been a pretty good shooter But it's funny because a lot Of times it doesn't feel like that You know he's a smart player and he's good and, and Hell I'm I'm saying all this and as a Laker I I wish we had Danny Green back this Year <laughs> he would be a major upgrade over a lot But he's he's not As automatic Probably the best way of putting it as You kind of feel like a lot of good shooters Are you, you know, yeah, I don't. He like in one series, I remember he had the worst percentage of wide open looks. Like he just ever, didn't throw it in ever. And I mean, ever, it, yeah. and he can't yeah. really 
He's not really like a 35 30 like that kind of a minute player anymore. Like he's about 25 minutes if you really want the best of him. And he he's smart and he's nice. He's a nice option to have, but he's not necessarily someone you want to be depending on. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want to rely on him to come up with the goods. But I mean like if you look at their schedule, like they this is their schedule coming up starting tomorrow. Cleveland, Miami, Chicago, Brooklyn, Orlando. Okay, that's an easy one. Denver, Cleveland, Dallas, who's shockingly playing really good defense. Toronto, Miami. You know, we could reconvene on, like, the 21st and kind of see, like, where they're at. Because that's a pretty dangerous role of teams that are pretty good defensively with only one kind of cupcake there. So, I mean, we'll get a good feel for them in the next two weeks. We'll have an idea where they are. But, I mean, you know, to say... You know, they're the clear cut. This is working. You know, two wins against New York, who is done for the season, and a win against Minnesota with no Edwards. Uh, I'm kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. Now, the team I'm getting a little worried about right now, they've been a, a really fun, cool story through a lot of the year, but they're maybe hitting a wall for a young team. They've been without Garland for a while. Now he should be back, and that will help them out a little bit. Is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're currently in the five spot right now They're four and a half games out of the one spot But the only problem is They're only a game and a half ahead of Toronto And only one game up on Toronto In the loss column Ahead of the seven spot And I think for Cleveland You really want to get a series For this young team That would feel like a real good get this year To finish in the top six To get a playoff series You don't want to fall down When you're, when you're in a situation where Oh no, now you you might be in a play-in game Against Brooklyn Who could possibly have everybody back at that time That That is not what you want to be But heck, if you're Cleveland And you are able to hang around In the 5 or 6 And you get a, a matchup Where you're either playing The 76ers or the Bulls I don't think you could You would feel like you could feel like you could win a game or two In there, we've talked about how Cleveland Because of their size Could actually be a really good matchup for the 76ers because they'll have like three guys they can they can throw at Embiid and give Embiid different looks defensively and I just I'm a little worried about where they are right now they've lost a few and it seems like where a lot of these eastern teams are in the eastern conference towards the top they're they're starting to get in playoff mode and kind of flip the switch it seems like Cleveland's kind of hitting a wall well I think it has more to do with injuries I mean you yeah. look at it we like when they started the season They had the three-headed monster in the backcourt of Rubio. He's out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, Colin Sexton, I believe he's out for the year, if my memory's serving me right. Yep. And Garland, who's been hurt. They brought in Rondo, who's hurt. They traded for LeVert, who's hurt. And, you know, they have all these sides, which is great. I think Allen matches up great with Embiid. But at the end of the day, you got to have, like, some sort of wing player, that guy that can go one-on-one and create a shot or when you run twos on him you know, hit the guy cut into the basket or that's wide open in the corner. Um, I really think that if Garland is healthy and LeVert is healthy, I think this team's very capable, depending on the matchup, winning a season, a series. But for them, it's all health, health yep. related. Yeah, and, it, and it's been, that's what's been such a bummer for them because they've been a team that probably we, they may not be in the situation where we, we were even really talking about it. They were up in the one, two, three spots for a lot of this year when they were healthy as one of the better teams um record wise in the Eastern Conference and now 
it's just you know you look. I think they've lost what five of their last six, and they're just they're just struggling to to find the right combinations of players. Like you said, when you're down three ball handlers, it's really hard. Four in some spots they were four, down like four. Like what do you honestly? What do you do? Not there's nothing you can do. I don't. People just sort of assume like, oh, it's in basketball. Everybody has these same overlapping skills. No, most teams have two, three, four guys that can dribble the ball and help set up an offense. And the other two thirds of your team are wing players and bigs. Yeah, and Garland's good. Garland, is- he's good, man. He's really good. Yeah. He was having an incredible season. He's back now, and he's gonna. They got crushed the other night, even with Garland back. But it's gonna take a little bit for him to knock the rust off. I just hope. I'm with you. I'm rooting for them to get at least to get a series, even if they get blown out, even if they end up having to play Milwaukee in a playoff series and they get swept four games to nothing. It's a good learning experience for a team with young guys who felt like they take they took a step this year that was a little ahead of where they were. You don't want to see them fall back and then be one and done. I'd feel bad after. Well, look at Memphis. I mean, look how good they're doing this year. Yeah. You know, they got the play in tournament, got that series in against Utah. I mean, you know, and we talked about it last year, just the whole playoff atmosphere. That's when the growth really happens. So it'd be great, you know, if they could not play in the tournament, not play in the play in tournament, but have, like you said, like a series, you know, get a couple of games. And, you know, if, like I said, like if they have the right matchup, I mean, I think they're very capable of winning a series. And we, those, like we were talking about, those playoff struggles, that's when your some of your younger guys kind of look in the mirror and realize, okay, this is what I need to do now. You see what Jaw has done, and I think it was because in in his, some of his weak, mo- weaker games, he'd realize, you know what, I gotta be a better, I gotta get a be a better shooter. I gotta do this a little bit more. I gotta be able to hit knock this shot down with more consistency. I have to do that, and he he did. And you do, it was like Michael Jordan. He kept losing over and over to the Pistons. In those teams that were beating him And, and you, you, you realize okay I gotta do this I gotta improve it it motivates you Sometimes you don't get there and you don't even Realize some of those weaknesses that you need to work On it's a great great learning Experience for young teams I'm rooting for uh, the Cavs To stay out of the play in They uh, gotta start winning though They're only uh, about a game and a half up on Toronto Right now So on the bottom of the uh, The Eastern Conference The Hornets they've it's been similar for them They're they're a fun team But they're just not Even a good team without Gordon Hayward He literally is the glue that holds them All together, he like leads them He does a lot of things for them And then when he's not there They have some exciting young players But they're just really, really Average to even below average Just nothing special, they're not deep enough Hayward is the maturity In the room, he's the adult in the room um, Ball came into the league Everyone annoyed him, everything. But like I said from the get-go, this guy has never won anything at any level of basketball. The only time he won everything is when he was a freshman and Lonzo was the star at Chino. That was it. That was literally the only time in this guy's life where he's won anything. And that speaks a lot to me, to what type of player he actually is. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, with what the Hornets have, this is this is it for them, you know, like battling for the ninth, battling for the tenth, trying to get in the playoffs, or you know, being like team thirteen in the lotto. To me, this is the team they're ceiling right now. Yeah, the bottom of the East, 
that, that that's the one thing that does help Brooklyn a little bit is that nobody, but, did, you know. But I mean, like, even if you're Brooklyn, like, this is just me, okay? And I know, like, teams don't think like this. But if I'm Brooklyn, okay, and I'm looking at this, I would probably much rather want to play the Heat than have to play the Sixers, the Bucks, or the Celtics in the series. I agree. I mean, I've like I've been saying it for a while. Like, I really thought that um, just lose that, that first game, that, lose that first yeah. playing game. You never want to yeah. lose, but because you don't know, you come back the next game. Somebody gets hurt, something weird happens. It's basketball. You can just go cold. But you, I know what you're oh. saying. I did, know. Did you hear? Did you hear Giannis's quote? Like, this is a quote that's been completely brushed under the rug, and I'm amazed it hasn't gotten more mainstream publicity. He said, his quote was, I felt like if in a normal situation, it wouldn't have ended up like that. But at the end of the day, I felt like Miami was built to be an NBA bubble team. You know, that was his quote. (laughs) But I mean, like, the thing's right. Like, you know, I have, like I said, you know, one of my closest friends, he works for an NBA team. And you like you remember like and maybe you've heard the story, I may have told you. Um, Duncan Robinson was just going off in the bubble. Like just mm-hmm. off. Jimmy Butler was doing the coffee. And, he was selling oh, the yeah. coffee. And he like he was just going off and it got toward the end of the bubble, you know, like for the finals. Um, you're allowed to invite friends and friend like friends, like close close friends or some family. Duncan Robinson just invites his boy. Okay. Duncan Robinson has been lights out since being in the bubble you know like you remember like literally the kid could not miss at all anything you put up was going in brought his close friend in they're at the you know they're eating him and his buddy lebron walks by and is like hey what's up dunk or like duncan what's up you know just just like a small greeting like they exchange pleasantries and you know my buddy was there he saw this whole interaction happen he goes duncan's friend looks at him jaws open to the ground duncan's like what He's like dude lebron knows who you are you're friends with lebron and ever <laughs> since that moment came like that's when he stopped missing that's when he started missing it yeah he like so realized like, yeah and you take that like that's why like if you look at it like the teams that had the structure the heat and the lakers that's why they thrive there you know because like they had good internal structure and you take mm-hmm. all the outside distractions like someone like TJ Warren, like he was balling out of control. Now he's not going from city to city club hopping or whatever. You have all those outside distractions out. Like this whole NBA, like traveling with the playoffs is a completely different animal. And that's why I really feel like Simmons is missing the boat. Even if it's for five minutes, just go out there and play in Philadelphia. Like whatever happens is going to happen. You're eventually gonna have to do it in the playoffs. I would much rather get it out of the way now. I know. Than I would in a playoff series. Just get, that, get, get it out of the way. Take the, just pull the band-aid off. Yeah, just pull. that just like that doesn't make any sense to me why you did that. But back to my point, um Butler didn't score for the last thirty six minutes. Yeah. Last night. Um Lowry has a personal issue going on. Um hopefully which becomes okay but you know without him there they're kind of missing you know like i don't want to say the glue but kind of missing the glue um 
you know, Bam is starting to play better, but he's still liable, liable with his jump shot. Hero's been great this year, but they keep they, they put him off the bench. So, you know, that, that team to me has been playing great, but, like, I'm just not scared of them in a four-game series. You know, if I'm... If I'm no, they're not. They're not terrifying. They'll they'll be tough. Like they're gonna punch yeah. you and they're, they're gonna fight you. They're gonna they're gonna be hard. Like it's not gonna be easy for you any of those nights. But if you play good basketball and they play really good basketball, you're still gonna beat them. Like yeah, I they, think like at the end of the day, you look at it like the Nets. You know they have Irving and Durant. You know top of the key one on ones. Go to work. Um. Sixers have Harden now. That was my main thing last year. They didn't have that one guy. They have Harden mm-hmm. now. Even and um, even if Harden, if if Harden isn't James Harden in the playoffs, he's still a very good ball handler, playmaker guy, right? He, that, like that's the role that they were missing, and that we still don't know with Miami when things slow down, and you need to go get a bucket. You know, do you really? You know, is is Jimmy? Going to be enough and Lowry going to be enough when you got to go against Durant, Kyrie, Giannis, and then the other two that they have there. You know, all, all of the firepower that some of the other top contenders have, even the Bulls. If you get locked up in a series with the Bulls and what DeRozan's been doing this year and what Levine is capable of doing, well, then you got two guys there. And it's not like Lonzo is like bad. Like, He's not someone who's going to be dicing you late in the game, but he's a guy who can dribble the ball and sort of set things up for people, make a good pass, get someone involved. Like they have options for guys at least late in the game. Yeah, I mean it's they they have people that can go one on one. I mean, you <clears throat> excuse me, you look at the East, you know, from the top to bottom. Um, you know, the Celt- the Bucks have Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. Celtics have um, there two, there two Brown and Tatum. Cavs have Garland, Raptors have Van Vliet, even um, Siakam, Siakam a little, yeah. Um, Nets have KD, Hornets have Hayward or Ball, um, Hawks have Trey Young. You know what I mean? You look at all these one options they have for guys that can go one on one. You can say one through ten, the Heat have the worst one, mm-hmm. and they are again they're the number one seed for a reason because they're a good. Basketball team that has sort of a high Tough tough defense They're going to hit you every night but like we said That's nice in the regular season But then in a playoff series where Everybody's playing hard all the time now That's a little different yeah. you know the playoffs Are different because everybody's motivated for every game It's it's a, it's not quite that Way in we think that They're pros they're always going to be up it's like the, They're like a robot right no it doesn't Work that way that's why we handicap and Gamble on these games because narratives and back-to-backs and travels and look-aheads in the playoffs all that out th- is is out the window for the most part It's just who's better who matches up and your your flaws are coming out and we'll see if uh, If they will have enough scoring late in games in tough games against tough teams That's Miami who's up top of the uh, the east right now so uh, Before we head on over to the west you were kind of Touching a, a little bit on Atlanta as a team who's playing, you know, well, and maybe a team that you wouldn't want to run into in a one-game situation with what we know that that Trey is capable of. I think they had another nice win uh, earlier tonight. So yeah, they're they've been disappointing. Both Atlanta and the Knicks were teams that had such great years last year 
They played each other in the playoffs Everybody just thought that they were both going to be the type of teams That would take another step forward And both of them have been awful But it's funny Atlanta can salvage it all By probably just winning two games And getting themselves right back into a playoff series And then it would feel like They're right back where they were again last year With you know a guy who some nights Can be the best player on the court Yeah I mean they they can be right there Um, But you know if we kind of Talk in it last year like their structure of the team isn't where it needs to be. You know, I I'm, I like John Collins, but is he really like a two? Is he really like a, a max player? No. Um, they have like a lot of wings. Oh my, oh my God! They have Hunter, um, who's the Hewart, um, Herder, uh, Herder, 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 Gallo, right? Yeah. And Bogd. I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of those yeah, guys. I mean, they just have a ton of them. Um, they traded Cam Reddish, and when we talk to the Lakers, I have a, I have a Cam Reddish question for you. Um, but yeah, they just—I don't really like the structure of their roster, to be utterly honest. Like, I really think like there's certain players you need to build to have around Trey, and they don't have those players. Atlanta is uh, the last team in right now. If the playoffs were to start today. We'll see uh, where they stack up. I mean, like, if you look at it, though, like, the one thing about the East, I really don't think the Wizards are going to get in it. You know what I mean? I know they're only two out right now. No, me neither. They just don't, they don't have, they're not, they're not good enough. They're just a bunch of role players. Yeah. So I really think, like, it's these four. For the four spots. Yeah. Yeah. For the four spots. And it's just maybe the Cavs fall. It's just a matter, like, where everyone, like, shuffles in. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think anyone behind them Like the Knicks aren't playing good enough ball The other teams below them are, are tanking They're not even really trying to get in So that does feel like this is kind of it And, and hopefully Atlanta can uh, can start you know, getting into a little bit of a groove Because they're scary They are scary down towards the bottom If they uh, if they got in uh, with, uh, with what Trey could do let's, uh, let's bounce over to the West Man, I, what we're seeing just from the top of the West down, these top two teams in the West should be a little bit worried right now. They're not playing all that well, and they have major issues. It starts with health. You know, with with Phoenix, the Suns, who have been uh, excellent all year long. Well, now they don't have Chris Paul. They haven't had campaign. Their other point guard who they brought in, Holiday, has been banged up a little bit. So they've been in a situation where they had a couple games where it was only Booker that could dribble a ball, and he's not even a true point guard. So for is it you know things went really well for Phoenix for a long time health wise, and now I don't know if it's going to matter for them as far as getting the one seed. Like we said, there's only 20 games left. I don't think they're going the teams behind them would be able to catch them. But if they get into a series and Chris Paul is not 100 percent and ready to rock. And he can't do Chris Paul things All of a sudden this team Looks pretty beatable Yep. Yeah I mean Even if Paul comes back we really don't know Like what what everything's going to look like You know like how everything's going to look Like how the timing's going to be um, What happens if he gets hit on the hand again Because like we need to realize What is this is like his like, third hand operation He is his own hand doctor Yeah that's, I, that's Oh it's, not, my, it's my hand guy Let me call the hand know. guy <laughs> that's not a normal thing You know what I mean Like, So I'd be really leery about them um, The Warriors They need They need Drama they You do. know what I mean They they, they need Dre And his know, without... injury is 
he's is he if he's supposed to come back in a couple weeks? I thought I think I said mid March. I was reading, but that's back stuff, man. That's not just automatic. With oh you're you're there and you're just Draymond again. Maybe they've been being really cautious with him because they understand that. And if and if they get a good version of Draymond, they'll be a good team and they'll be a tough a tough out. But man, if he is just he doesn't bring you a whole lot offensively. So if he's not healthy and he can't run around and chase and defend multiple guys, which is what makes him so tough. And so I mean the thing he does in the offense is. The movement of the ball and him knowing what he gets the ball at the top of the key, where Curry's going to be. Exactly. He, you know what I mean? It's just the familiarity yeah. and the comfortability of Clay and Steph of just knowing where those guys are, getting them the ball. You're right. I sort of misspoke in saying he doesn't give you much offensively. He doesn't give you much from a scoring standpoint. He's a great facilitator and a great playmaker on the offensive side and a great rebounder. And him. I'm like again we're we're just going to be in a situation where we're waiting to see when he shows back up what he looks like and what he's got in a playoff series because they're super beatable without him. If they're not shooting great, we still don't know how how much Clay's body's going to be able to hold up in a playoff series, you know, in tough matchups trying to play heavy minutes right now, it might take him a few more months. It might be next year before we start really seeing him be able to do it. So I got a, I got some real concerns about those two teams right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the West is a complete crapshoot right now. Like, I really, like, you really don't know, like, what's going to happen to it. Like, you can go top to bottom with every single team, and every team kind of has a little bit of questions, a little bit of, like, you know, uncertainty. And I really think that the team, and I actually put a 12-to-1 future on them, we talked about them last week, to come out of the West. Um, Denver Nuggets, man. Yeah, you know they're getting Porter back, um, getting Murray back. So, you know that's just a team. You know you're just buying low on because right now, you know it looks like they're gonna play like playoffs are to start right now. Um, they can either play the Warriors or the Grizzlies. Right now it'd be the Grizzlies. You know you got a young team. You know you got one of last year's MVP. Um, so yeah, I could totally see the Nuggets making a little bit of a run. So, you know, I, I, I locked them in just because there's so many questions, you know, top to bottom with every single team that's going, that that's playing in the West. In the, yeah. I mean, jaw looks incredible for Memphis. They've been playing really well. They are like seven and three in their last 10. They just had a bad loss, but that be they're only one game behind golden state for the two spot right now. But they're still young in a team that we don't really know if they can do it for three or four rounds straight. We've at least seen Denver, with led by Jokic, have deep playoff runs. Utah, you know, they're playing well. They've won three in a row. They're nine and one in their last ten. But we've they seen Utah just lost to Houston last night. Yeah, and they, we've seen Utah crap the bed in playoffs over and over and over again. We know what happens a lot of times in playoff series with Utah where. Teams go small. Gobert isn't as impactful. He doesn't they don't have people on offense enough. I think losing Joe Ingles is going to be a big thing for him. You know, at the end of the day, um, Conley has an injury history. You know, there's a lot of, you know what I mean? Like, that team's got a lot of questions. You know, you, like, you hit on the head. You know, they, you pull Gobert out. He, he just can't do that much. Um, 
Yeah, the, that, and I feel losing Ingles is a big thing for them too. So I mean, I don't, I don't know, like the Jazz, I don't fear, and I really think like it spoke a lot to me last year. They couldn't beat the Clippers when the without, Clippers without didn't when have they lost everyone. Players. Yeah, so I mean that you're kind of watching this and you're like, I really be scared of this team. I know, and even. Dallas, you know, Dallas is playing better right now, and Luca is awesome, right? Luca is capable right now. Dallas is playing Golden State; they're going back and forth in this game, and Luca is capable of being the best player on the floor, carrying. He's had awesome playoff games and series so far that we've seen, but they don't they don't have a lot of bigs. If if you just if they just run into a team that's just out rebounding them and hurting them on the glass, like they could, they're not terrifying. They're not. Anything that you're scared of They're cap- they're plenty capable And they're they're playing well But there's just no one in the West Right now that is really scary At all you, you, Which was why we get to the 6th spot Which is Denver Which is a team that you, you know, Made some wagers on And I would pick right now If I had to pick one team to bet on In the Western Conference Based on their price And below them you know the T Wolves and the Clippers Kind of quietly playing pretty well Right now both of them they... I'll say this about the Timberwolves I mean, I'm spacing on the coach's name. Um, oh my God, Quinn? Is it Quinn? Is that, Let me find, I'll find it right now. It I'm was a new totally, guy from last year. Yeah, now Quinn. Totally, Quinn is a Utah guy. I'll find it right now. Yeah, I'm totally, totally spacing, totally spacing on who their coach is. No, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. Don't worry. But that's a team. Finch. Like, Finch. Okay, they are playing hard. Like I will give this guy all the credit in the world. He's got Elo playing hard. He's got out. Towns being mature. Beverly's a I'm dick, gonna... but he helps that team in yeah, that in this way. You know, like um, he just makes that, them play yeah. harder all the time. You know, in practice and early, like he he's the type of guy who you're like, oh fucking Beverly's on me again right now. But you know, like he annoys you for like, get your hands up, do this, do that. You know, he's that kind of a dude. So yeah, he and I mean like there that'd be a team. I would not want to play in the playoffs. That'd be no. another one because Towns is a big. They need to get Edwards back. I think Edwards is something special. Um, I would play them you know, as like a dog in a series against team a team. Oh yeah, that, for sure. I don't think they could win three or four, but I think they could beat like any of these teams we're talking about right now. If you're if we're talking about a banged up Golden State, a banged up Phoenix, a ba- like they beat up Golden State the other night without uh, Edwards. Yeah, on the on a second night of a back to back, in like a really tough spot. I played against them, and I was really happy because I locked the game in. I think it was a uh, Monday night they played, and they beat Cleveland on the road at Cleveland. And so Tuesday they came home, and they had Golden State, and and Edwards was going to be banged up. So I, it's dangerous nowadays to lock games in early with all the COVID stuff. But on Wednesday night or on Monday night, I knew this game was going to move, and at that point. I locked in the Warriors as a one-point underdog on the road. I, I just played them at like plus one hundred, and the next day it was Golden State minus three and a half. So I loved it. I was like, "Oh, perfect!" I got on the great side of this, and the Timberwolves just beat beat them up. They beat the crap out of them. Yeah. So they're they're fun. They're a, a team that's playing really well right now. You've got um, <laughs> you you've got the Clippers who they play hard. They're well, Lou Lou is a, a pretty good coach too. They're well coached. Um, they're just a bunch of role players, but everybody does the man. If they got Kawhi and Paul George and and everyone back together, but that's how can we say that with Kawhi? We can't. Yeah, you, can't. you, you just, just don't know what he's going to do. And I 
I don't know. Like, I've heard stories like his knee, like, wasn't like a, I don't know. Like, and it makes you think, like, his knee, what his doctors were saying, what the Clippers doctors were saying, or two different things. I don't know. Like, I just, that's another And then guy. you think back know, of all like, the stuff with the Spurs, play. right? Like, the same sort of thing happened there where he's kind of maybe been a little bit gun shy ever since then based on what happened with the medical team there. And so it's, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. Um, it's funny. It seemed with all the, doesn't feel like the two years ago with the LeBron and AD and where's Kawhi going to go. Doesn't that feel like a million years ago right now with just the way these teams are set up and now all of a sudden Westbrook's here and Kawhi and Paul George, we don't even see them playing a lot of the time. It's just, and let's not forget the Clippers don't make it. I said this last week, if they don't make it in and they get a lotto pick, that goes to the Thunder. That's another Thunder pick. The Thunder could have two lotto picks this year. And the Clippers, unfortunately, the difference between where the Lakers are right now, who are just miserable and embarrassing, it was funny because they got destroyed by the Pelicans the other night, and then they came back in a game where they they were about to win, and then they just completely shit the bed late and, and still somehow covered that game if you played. I think you did have them in that game. I saw you your post. Against the Mavs? Yeah, against oh, the Mavs. God. Yeah. They just oh blew that game late where they, they just could not get a stop and they kept turning the ball over. I think six straight possessions the Mavs scored and the Lakers couldn't after go, like getting up by six or eight. They've been embarrassing. The The one nice thing about when you think about where these two teams are is like you went all in if you're the Clippers to get these two stars because you, you needed to win right now. The Lakers did similar. At least they got a win out of it. At least yeah. they got a title. If you're the Clippers now, you start looking at your future and it's like, oh no, are we going to be in a spot now where it's like, this has been three years of this and we unfortunately haven't been close to winning. Um, no, but the Clippers are up right now on the Lakers for some reason too. They get any combination of players that play on the Clippers too. They get such, they get so up to play the Lakers. Like they, just are, they hit all their shots. They play really well. And Lakers got to be a little careful, like we were saying on the other side, if they, you know, just about dropping out of the play-in, where the Lakers are sort of lucky is just, you know, you look at the teams that are on the outside of the play-in looking in, the Lakers are three games up in the loss column on Portland, they're four games up in the loss column on the Spurs, I don't know how much either of those two teams is like... Playing hard to get in or if they Have the talent there or If they're going to rattle off You know impressive stretches Where the Lakers could really be Bad and keep losing games but still Probably finish in the top 10 Yeah with crazy as it sounds Just because Everyone else in the West is so bad I mean the bigger Question is as a Laker fan Do you think that the um, Pelicans who are 26 and 36 Lakers are 27 and 34. Who do you think is going to finish with a better record? I'd I'd still probably say the Lakers because I think with now the it's a good sort of transition because the Pelicans we've been hearing a little bit about Zion. Now we've heard a couple reports that Zion's in better shape. He's getting close to getting cleared, but I don't know if that means Zion's going to be out on the court next week or two weeks from now. He still feels like he might be a little ways away. Maybe they said he's in he's in physical. Conditioning wise he's in better shape Than he was at the start of the year But I don't know if that guy's going to be Out here playing 
And even if he does, is it going to be weird where, you know, the Pelicans are actually starting to play well? And now you insert Zion there with CJ and with Ingram, with all guys who kind of want to have the ball in their hands more. It's not like Zion's a great spot up shooter or anything, right? Like, and even down low, you're not, I mean, you're kind of posting him up where they had a lot of success last year was when it was kind of point Zion. He'd kind of run the point. And I don't, you know, that might be hard if you bring him in and you try to incorporate him. If you're just thinking about what's best for the Pelicans this year, it might be better for them to not bring him in. Exactly. Exactly. It would be better if he just said it out. I do have a Laker question for you, though. Yeah, let's talk about it. All right. So I've been playing around with this. Which trade would you accept? Trade number one, Westbrook to the Knicks for Randall, Rose, and Cam Reddish, or Westbrook to the Knicks for Randall and Evan Fournier. Hmm. Now, probably, probably the Fourn. Because I think the Fournier one would make the most sense. Yeah, me too. Because yeah, you got some. You got someone from the bench that can come off and help mm-hmm. you out. Yeah. Um, I agree. So, the only downfall is if you bring Randall back where he started his career, if you're going to have to, you're just going to have to have AD play the five. And I don't know if AD can be talked into that. Well, and, and the thing is, is I, he'll be taught, he'll play, he'll play it fine and he'll play it in spurts. The only problem with that, again, is that you're kind of in the spot where you sort of were with Westbrook, is where like all of a sudden you're shooting and your spacing isn't very good. You know, well, Randall can at least make some threes. He, he's, but he, he can. And you're right. He can. He can set up at at the three point line, and yeah. and either make a pass or attack. He's a really good passer too. Like you know, yeah. he's having a bad year right now, and so a lot of people forget he's not as good as he was last year. But he's better than he is this than he was than he is this year, from from yeah. just like an efficiency standpoint and stuff. You know, like his counting numbers are probably were probably just a little high because he he got to be the guy, but. You're not going to win if Julius Randle is your guy. No, but you if can, you go, if like he's your Randall third, there, yeah, third if he's fourth, your third or your fourth guy, and yeah. you know he he bought in when he was in L.A. He played really good defense his last year when he would play a lot of small, and he's a guy who try like he battles. He'll go right at you. He's got a good motor when he is motivated. Um, I I will say this: there are a lot of things I'd be willing to. Take less on the dollar for for Westbrook, and again, it's not even like I don't hate Westbrook. It's just such a bad fit, and Westbrook's just not—he's not aging very well, and he's been kind of stubborn. And it's just—and let's not forget, like the reports are out now. Like they—he want—they're going to work together to find a trade partner. Yeah, because I really think, like you know, you went home to L.A., which is great, but I really think he's kind of like you know what. I know what I am. I need the ball in my hand where I can drive. This isn't happening here. I just got booed in my hometown where, you know what I mean? Like, I just need to get out of here. I need to find somewhere else. But the thing is, is like, you look, I mean, besides New York, like, really, like, where other teams? I know. I mean, you know, what makes you look, sense? He's not going to go to the Wizards. You know, what nope. the Pistons are building, they don't want him there. It's the funny because they're trying to build. They don't want no him OKC or Houston. He's not going back there to either one of them. They both want to tank know. and get Sacramento's got a bunch of guards. They don't. They wouldn't need someone like him. 
The Spurs, no, it just doesn't make any sense or it doesn't seem like a fit. Portland, why? I mean, they are going to do everything they you can to try to Dame. keep yeah. Dame and build around Dame. It doesn't just like there just know, isn't the, the team. Playoff team. It's the the Knicks are like the only team that really even seem like because it's like okay, he can go there. They need a one. They they like legitimately like they don't have a guy. You bring him in. Um, you know the other team that really doesn't have like a clear cut quote unquote one. You know. Pacers, but do you really, you know, do you really see them in Indianapolis? Like, no. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it doesn't. So it just, I think New York's like the place. You can go there. You, you can put the ball in his hand. You know, you move Randall. You move, you know, Rose and Reddish or Forty A, and you know, you just, you just get it done. I really think, like, at the end of the day, like that's the place that makes the most sense for him. You know, but and it kind of like LeBron. Where he goes to these teams, he's great. He brings them the championship, but you kind of see like he I don't know, like Well, it's hard when you move around a lot. Because he, he he's like, he's a win now guy. When he comes in, you're win now. So you move a lot of the prospects, you do what it takes to win now, and then unfortunately you're not quite set up as well. And it and it, it ends up being a real it's a it's a it's a great question to ask. For a lot of teams because of of course Like right now everyone That like even people that are Laker fans are like oh trade LeBron or trade AD or trade any of that But it you know because you forget Because things are struggling right now but You you win and you don't know If they don't make the move if LeBron doesn't Come to your team and we are talking About a team that would have been just guys Like Ingram and Kuzma And Alonzo or you know those types of players is that a team that's ever good enough? I don't. That's, I don't know. You don't know. You don't. You don't know if that's a team that's gonna go over the hump. Um, so that's what's yeah, nice about Lakers LeBron is kind of he used to. I don't know if he can anymore. Even now, like LeBron can be great. Like I think if LeBron and AD were healthy and they had a couple good role players around them, I still think they'd be really good and really tough in a playoff series. It's just right now he can't come in, carry your load. Be that guy anymore That may be worthy Of disrupting your whole team over A few years ago it was totally worth it Because it's like oh shit LeBron's on our team we're in the finals Like you just knew that if LeBron was on your team You were going to be in the finals The conference finals yeah. at the least Nowadays it's different And and so you ask yourself Is it worth it um, it's, And it's and a great question It really is And let's face it like you know, no knock against your Lakers, but if they weren't in LA, like let's say them and the Suns traded locations, like the Lakers organization, how it's structured from top to bottom with the Butts family in charge, if they, that was in Phoenix, he wouldn't have gone there. He went to LA because he, his kid can play in a prominent basketball program. It opens up more, what is the, what is it called? Like film opportunities, like absolutely opportunities. Now, and that's why. He went there, which now I, I will and understand. And my my will my one sort of rebuttal to that will be: we're seeing right now, like I don't think the Lakers have have been run all that well, and it is kind of sort of hard when LeBron comes in because a guy like that comes in, and of course you're going to want to listen to him, you know. But well, that's to, my but, point. Like I yeah. don't think the Lakers are like no offense to you, but I don't think they're like when you look at the other NBA teams how they're run. No, they're not. They don't have. Ran. 
their run that smooth. No, there's the Rambus crapper in there. We hear all about. So like, I don't think the there and and we see some of the players that they brought in and even even like how their front office is overall. Now the one thing I do think that it does matter is the way that we've always the Lakers have always treated their stars from Doctor Bus down. I yeah. do think that is that did help. So I agree completely with you. Is that it, L.A. the opportunity for his son and uh, looking at a team that's got a pretty clean sheet, right? I could come in here and I could get Anthony Davis and make a lot of moves. We had a lot of young assets here, so I don't know if he was looking at the Lakers like I'm going to play with Lonzo and Kuzma as much as like, oh, I can I can go there and have a lot of opportunity to to move things around. I, I definitely do think though for some of these guys like. They do see what Jeannie did to Kobe at the end of his career, where he she took good care of him, she paid him well, and some of and so it. I don't like the word incompetent, but the Lakers aren't as just sharp as other front offices are, right? They don't have like this. The Lakers aren't run like a business; they're run like a ma-pa organization. Yeah, that's a no, and that's a good point, and that's that will have major advantages and major weaknesses. To yeah. it, the guys will like you will feel like you are taken care of if you're a star. LeBron knew that he would be able to come over here. They were going to pay him well. It'd be a good sort of way to take this next stage of his career. But they're not as sharp as like Musai Ujiri or other like really sharp. Yeah, mean, like, you know some of them. Like that's why like a guy like Presti. That's why he hasn't gone to the Knicks or um. A bigger of the Knicks or one of the LA teams, just because like he's like him and I can't even pronounce the guy's name, but the guy in Toronto, yeah, Masai Ujiri, yeah, those guys are like, okay, this is the way we're doing it. You know, Jeannie Buzz comes in, she's like, well, I think we should do this. She's like, I don't care. No, and you're right. This is what we're gonna do. This is my vision. Let me do my job. And these other teams, like the Knicks, have 15 people trying to put their name in. You know. The Rambuses for the Lakers and the buses, you know, they just—it's just a different structure. It is, and it—and you gotta be like—is lucky the right word? Maybe that, like you said, that they were in LA and that he looked, LeBron looked here, and there were a few reasons why he'd want, why he decided. Um, but it, it is another thing where that Jeannie and her dad have been just kind of likable, it, and it yeah. is, you know. So that's that's the thing is that. They're not. She's not a shark, maybe like her dad might have been. But he said maybe there are some guys when they get a little bit older in their career and they go, yeah, that's a good fit for me. They're comfortable. They're going to treat me really well. I get to be an even bigger star in L.A. You know, you play for the Lakers, and everybody freaking knows who Kyle Kuzma is. You know, yeah. Like everybody knows who the the smaller players on your team are. So there's something to it. But you're absolutely right. It's a fascinating. It's a good comparison. It's like. The local restaurant that yeah. everybody knows, you know, that's not a corporation, and they know that sort of the Lakers sort of know how you want your coffee. They sort of know how you like your steak cooked. But right now, they don't have the best top-notch chef cooking up the food. No. No. You know, it's gonna be interesting though. Like also, like I feel like teams have strategies. Like I really feel that, um, you know, that like you bring in LeBron. Like what's like do the Lakers have? An exit strategy from LeBron Like right you know what I mean like do they have a plan Of what's going on because I guarantee Like a team like the Heat They have their plans Laid out for the summer 
Butler's contract is offer is awful, and they probably have a plan to get out of that within the next couple of years. Is there that structure and that forward thinking in the Laker organization? Well, I th- I do I do think it does make it hard when it is LeBron because LeBron yeah. and Kobe they're not Jimmy Butler and Lowry, right? They're not like a good star or someone who you know that. If they leave, we can kind of be okay. And that's what does hurt about and what make things really hard when you have these all-time greats that get a little bit older because they still are gonna they're still gonna carry the weight. They're still gonna have clout. They're still gonna be able to make their own decisions and sort of pick what they want to do. So you're right. It's I don't I honestly I don't I would say no. Like I don't think they would they would have an exit strategy for LeBron. I feel like they would for Anthony Davis. I feel like they would for if things went sour for LeBron or if AD whatever happened, they would okay, we can move on from AD and be okay with that. I like AD more than than a lot of people do, but I don't he's not he's not LeBron, right? He's not Kobe. And so I think that what you're hitting on is I don't know if it's a Laker problem as much as I don't know if anybody would be able to tell LeBron what to do wherever he was. Even the yeah. even the Heat, even Pat Riley and those guys cuz he sure left and he it took them a couple years to kind of get back to where they were it, that that's what's hard we saw the same thing with kobe through those years is that the lakers were bad those last couple years of kobe because they were loyal hard. to him I yeah mean, like the reality of the situation like you said they were loyal to him they paid him his money where in reality they should have just moved on from him mm-hmm. 100% and um, and, and it was bad for the lakers in that damn for two or three years they did not win any games but in a weird way Maybe that was what was one of the other things that LeBron said. Yeah, you know what? I'll go over there because you look at how, like Anthony Davis, for example, he never was going to go to Boston because they hated the way that that, that um, you know, that was um, um, what, what's his name? He's now in Utah, right? Or he's uh, Kurt, um, uh, oh, uh yeah, Ainge. 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 It was Ainge. A lot of people didn't, didn't like, like Ainge, that. you know. So that and that's one of those things where. Boston was probably a better run organization, right? They did a lot of smarter things. They would stack up picks, they would make good trades, but he wasn't a very personal guy. So some of the bigger stars never wanted to go there. But I think that was more like they just completely dicked Isaiah Thomas. 100%. And I think you're like 100%. That was that the absolutely thing that kind of like, okay, this is how you're going to treat him. This is the guy you're going to treat who got you to the best record. He who's out here busted playing his with a bat body with for a, with you guys. Like a broken hip. Yep. This is how you're going to treat the dude. Completely yeah. I agree with that. That was a, oh. a huge part to it. And those are little things where, like you said, you wonder. Sometimes you do what's the, the business decision. Sometimes you do what you kind of feel is right from a feel standpoint. And you just sort of hope it doesn't, doesn't kill you. Because like, if LeBron doesn't come out here, what happens to the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, what, like, like we where, said, where are they at? You know, they have a young core with Ingram, Hart, um, who's the other guy? Ball, Kuzma, Lonzo. Kuzma. Yeah, like, you know, they have a nice little young core. Like, how does that develop? Where does that go? You know, and where's LeBron right now? Um, mm-hmm. Where's Anthony yeah. Davis right now? You know, all the because yeah. people, again, people are down on AD right now. Dude, this guy, when he is at his best, which his best, people forget, was. Playing every game in a playoff series just two years ago in a playoff run all the way through the title and being awesome on both sides of the court. This I really guy could feel like that was because like LeBron. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that was because LeBron is there. Like 
I still don't think you can win if, and we've had this conversation before, if he's your one A. Oh no, no, and and that's you know if, if he is teamed up with another with guy like who's Lillard or like someone who's like, just kind of yeah. driven that way. Even a guy like for him who might be a good fit. I don't know. He's getting older and they're play, but like someone like Lowry who's just yeah. like an ass, you know, and who's going to get on you all the time and make you like like bring the best out of you. I think that that's what, but people just sort of forget how talent, like how much of a talent he is and how he could move to a different team and completely impact that team and and really do it. So, man, it's crazy when you look back at history and you see uh, what's been happening as uh, we finish up in the West. Anyone else you want to mention before we get out of here? Um, yeah, I would definitely say. If you're listening to this, I would definitely bet Utah minus the three and a half tomorrow on the road against the Pelicans. Pelicans have been playing great. Um, but the, the Jazz just had one of their worst losses. So they're yeah. going to come out. They're going to be like pretty motivated. The smoothie center is always bare. So there's really going to be no home crowd. So, yeah, I mean, like most people that follow my gambling stuff know the NBA is the only league. Excuse me, I'll lay points on the road. Any other league, I won't do it. But yeah, I definitely lay the three tomorrow with uh, three and a half with the Jazz. And uh, we'll be talking on Saturday morning, cutting nets. We're gonna go a little earlier this week. Just uh, just this week, I think we're gonna go nine o'clock a.m. Eastern time, and we'll preview everything happening Saturday. This is the final slate of games them for for most teams in their regular season conference, and then as of next week. We'll be in in the middle of all the conference tournaments. Some of them have already started right now for college basketball, and then NBA. We're doing our show NBA's uh, shows on Sunday at two o'clock Eastern time. So we'll preview uh, the Sunday slate there with uh, with Eric and with Kyle. Um, yeah, you mentioned there might be a couple of uh, college basketball teams you were thinking about targeting. You want to? Uh, yeah, you want to uh, uh, tell us who you're looking at? Maybe in the American Conference, I'm definitely going to look at the um, Central Florida. Uh, they got some guards. They're playing a little bit better. Um, that's definitely be a, like prices aren't out yet, so I, I can't quote any prices. But you know, I definitely, I definitely look at them in the American, um, in the Big Twelve. I'm gonna look at Oklahoma. They're a great defensive team. They can protect the rim. I definitely look at Oklahoma there. Big East. I love Seton Hall. They're finally healthy. One of the better defensive teams in the country. So. And they kind of need to win, so I would I'd really look look to them. Um, the other one, oh my god, I'm totally spacing on it, and I am sorry. Um, oh my god, I will say whoever wins the Drake Missouri State game is going to win the um, Missouri Valley Utah State. Utah State came in; they're supposed to be the team in the Mountain West. They had a lot of injuries. They're finally healthy now. Um, I know they finished seven and ten in the conference. They're going to be a very interesting team. I'll probably lock in the future. And I'll say this, guys. Mountain West is probably the best basketball conference in the country that no one talks about it. Um, you know, you look at teams at the top, Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego, mm-hmm. and Wyoming. Those are all four teams that, if they have the right draw, could make the Sweet 16. I completely agree. Boise State as an 8 or a 9. Taking out a one seed is crazy as it sounds. So I San Diego State is real is a good program. They're yeah. every year they have good defense. They're really well coached. They're smart. They don't make a lot of mistakes. USC played them earlier in the year, 
uh, SC beat them, but it was like a tough game. And actually, San Diego State was favored in that game. Yeah, and they're um they're good. No, they're good. They're a good team. Boise yeah. State's good too. Boise State is like really like they. I know they've never won a, a conference game, but I will say this: the team that um wins the conference because I really think this is going to take a lot out of them. I'm going to look to fade in the conference tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Like, so I really hope Boise like loses in the semifinals. Um, and if you can still get a more uh, Ohio Ohio Valley future in, I'd lock in Morehead State. Um, you know, it's going to be between them and Belmont. They, I think they're a better team than Belmont. And Morehead State hung in and was up late against Murray State uh, when they played the first time this year. So I locked in Morehead State. I got them at 10 to 1. I like that one, too. Eric uh, will have great stuff all weekend with uh, his podcast. And as I mentioned, he'll be joining us on BTV Bets over at Better Than Vegas, talking college basketball Saturday, talking NBA on Sunday. And we'll be talking a lot of college basketball over the next few weeks, the college conference tournaments. We're going to have shows um, almost every day during uh, NCAA tournament uh, games, probably every day during, uh, during NCAA tournament day games. So, Eric, I'll be talking to you a lot over the next couple of weeks, buddy. Looking forward to it, my man. Stay, uh, stay safe this weekend. Have a good one. Good luck in all of your wagers. And do not go anywhere, folks. We are going to transition on over and start talking some horse racing soon. It is a huge weekend. There are 14 graded stakes races between Santa Anita and between Gulfstream Park. And there's a contest where if you can pick 15 winners in all of the 15 stakes races, you could win 5 million bucks. There's a ton going on this weekend. So stay tuned for a lot of horse racing stuff. Coming up next. Listen in as Gino and friends give you all the specifics on who to bet and how to make some money. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge by Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Every Friday we have This Weekend in Stable Duel. It is a show that previews the big weekend contest and gives out some best bets with Matt DeSantis and Barry Spears. I think Bree Mott's going to pop in and join us and help us uh, get previewed and uh, prepped up for all of the big contests for the weekend. She'll give us all the details on Friday at Gulfstream Park. There's a free game. There's a double up. There's a top 10. Also, Tampa and Laurel have contests that you can get involved in. Saturday, the Fountain of Funds at Gulfstream Park. $50 to enter. $25,000 in cash prizes. And then at Santa Anita, they have a $100 game for $5,000 in cash prizes. Sam Houston also has a game 25 bucks, 1500 in prizes. So, three different contests for you, uh, three different tracks for you, four different games. On Sunday, it's Gulfstream, Laurel, Santa Anita, and Golden Gate. And we will help you out, dishing out best bets. Come hang out with us on Friday morning. There's also going to be a, a Saturday stream thing that focused just on Gulfstream Park for that big fountain of funds Saturday contest. Yeah, there, there's a ton of stuff happening this weekend. Like the Last Chance Challenge on Friday, a $300 buy-in. You can win a $3,500 seat to the Ultimate Betting Challenge, and you can log in and register uh, from XB uh, from ExpressBet. It's a live money contest. $300 buy-in, $200 goes to the bankroll, $100 entry fee, and 100% of the entry fees are paid out. You can start registering right now, and it is involving Gulfstream Park. You must make $20 win place w- uh, wagers on five different races, one horse in five different races, and that's what will take care of your uh, your bankroll, your $200 bankroll there. So that's the contest, and the two entries will the top if there's 100 entries two people will make it into the ultimate betting challenge if there's 150 four people will make it into the ultimate betting challenge so that's a $3500 entry get involved in the last chance there and uh or you can just buy in to the ultimate betting challenge if you want $3500 uh $25000 seated prize pool 
and 100% of entry fees are paid out. So you can win the money, part of the uh, the prize pool, and an entry into the Breeder- BCBC, Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge. Uh, at entry, uh, you get the uh, NHC, the Pegasus World Cup Betting Championship, and <laughs> part of the uh, the $75,000 cash prize. That's if there's a hunt, uh, that's on uh, uh, 125 entries. So, whew. Yeah, there's a, a just a ton of stuff that we're going to be uh, pumping for you because it's a big weekend. And, and any contests that are free or any contests that you can try to qualify to win big money, I'm going to let you know about um, if uh, if that's something that is uh, in what something that interests you. And you let me know if you need any more details. I can always uh, po- point you in the right direction. So let's go in the direction of some horse racing for Friday. Let's talk a little bit about Gulfstream Park for Friday. Friday, Gulfstream Park. We're looking at race number one for March the 4th. We're going to start on the synthetic here, five and a half furlongs. I thought the the six Rafi's Venture blinkers come on today. This one had an unprepared start in a race where the winner went wire to wire. That was in a maiden special eight going five furlongs. The runner-up that day came back to win next time out with a 94 buyer speed figure. The dam of this one, Rafi's Venture, was a stakes winner on the synthetic in Southern California, also has a sibling that won on the synthetic. That race, the January 7th race, the finish, the fifth place finisher named Presumptive Closer was third next out in a maiden special way at Turfway and had some legit trouble that day. I think that's a very strong race that Rafi's Venture comes out of. Now the drop in class tries the synthetic. I'll be using with the eight, Risk versus Reward, the first time Gelding, who did not have a bad start last time out. And then, uh, you know, the logicals, like the nine street facts, the four Sunspot will also be in some exotics there for me. In race number two, not a whole ton here. Golden Bow looked uh, pretty tough. They'll go uh, a mile and a 16 on the synthetic. Didn't have the strongest opinion in this one. In the third, 20,000 claimers, non-winners of three lifetime races, seven and a half furlongs on the turf course here. I went to the eight. The North remembers. Now, the the this one most recently was going on the synthetic on February the 13th at Gulfstream Park. Now, I'm looking at the two-back race on the turf going a mile at Tampa. I thought that was a really good effort. The horse who won that day was Alabama Slammer, who was dropping out of a stakes race. And the North Remembers was bumped up uh, a bit, kind of at the start, and then had to settle towards the back after a little bit of trouble. About eighth, seven off, moved inside, and then moved into a tight spot. Then was in between, was traveling really well, and was picking them off. Then went right up on heels, had to wait a bit for an opening on the inside, got it, moved through, solid, just third that day, and and it was a a good, tough spot. I think the North Remembers makes a lot of sense in here. I'll be using in all exotics, uh, along with the the three, Wicked Finn comes out of a a good turf race, a couple good turf races the last time we saw this one on the turf. I'm going to be using him along with the eight in all exotics, three, eight, you want to go a, a little bit deeper. Aliyub John obviously is a, a super logical contender, as is Steak and Cheese. And then Triple Jeopardy might be a price for you. So I stacked him 837-49 there in race number three at Gulfstream Park. As we move to race number four, Maiden Special Weights in here, going a mile and a 16, three-year-olds. And up the number six, Rives, who is a 
son of St. John's River. The dam was a two-time winner, but nine top three finishes, was twice beaten by Royal Delta. She was a grade two winner. She was beaten in neck in the Kentucky Oaks. She actually debuted going six furlongs, and she was third in that race. In her second start, going a mile and 70 yards, she won a maiden special weight at fairgrounds, kind of a similar pattern to this one. And this guy in particular, Rivs, was in a tight spot at the start. He got squeezed back to last, and he was having a tough time keeping up early. He was still well out of it at the top of the lane, but he really got into a nice stride late and and started picking up some pieces. I think this is going to be a much better effort today from the number six, Rivs, as we move to race number five at Gulfstream Park. We're going to 35 non-two claimers, a mile and a 16th in here. The one, take a chance, should sit a, a really nice trip on the inside, dreaming of Jerry. Um, one more step forward would make that one pretty tough in here. The four, Ricochet, who's now going to enter the Michael Trombetta barn, is a little bit better than that last effort would suggest. So I'll be using those three in a lot of exotics. One, four, and seven in race five. Race number six in here, this is another one of those that I just didn't really have that strong of an opinion. So we can just kind of skip over the sixth race. Same with the seventh, no real strong opinion. That just usually means it's either chalky or nobody jumps out at me, so I won't really waste your time. I try to, I try to focus in on the races that I have a strong opinion, and hopefully that's where I can uh, help lead you in a in a positive direction. Like the eighth race, where's Paradise Lady? Where's Paradise Lay? Is interesting to me just from a way this race shapes up. On January 7th, this is a race that we're going to talk about a lot over the next couple days. It's a race where Collaborate won, and Collaborate is going to be in the Gulfstream Park Mile, right? The Gulfstream Park Mile, yeah, on uh, stakes on Saturday in grade two. So where, Para- where Paradise Lay hooks a field that seems to have a lot of speed. And you've got the one Fortin Hill who comes off a long layoff but draws the rail, so they may be forced a little bit, kind of fresh, have not raced since August of 2020. Lugamo has speed. Rough entry is pretty quick. They want to go. Quick tempo is really quick. They want to go. And they're only maybe the the two that are really true closers where Paradise Lay may not be the best in here. A horse who was 50 to 1 basically in the last two starts, but can pick up some pieces with the right kind of trip. I think they might get it here. At a big price. Let's move to the ninth race. We go back to the synthetic here. Mile and a 16th on the synthetic. I am looking at the six in here. Birdman Richie, who was slow away and was back to last on February the 5th. And the top two that day, early on, were 2-1. And they finished 1-2. There was no passing in there. Birdman Richie moved inside. He looked loaded. He closed really well, and he was the only one to make up any ground down there. Birdman Richie using in all exotics. And then we head to the 10th. We head to the final for Friday. The three board certified. The debut race was behind a horse named Radical Right, who's a multiple winner with a couple seconds, couple thirds, just beat first level allowance company at Laurel. That was the only time board certified tried the turf, and it was sprinting. The two races going long have been much better, much improved. Board Certified continues to step forward. And in that turf debut was sort of four deep in between, made a slight outside bid. I like the the pattern. I like where he's heading. I'll use along with the two. 3-2 at Gulfstream Park 
Friday in race number 10. Let's head over to Sam Houston. Race one is Arabian, so let's get to race number two. Um, I went to the 650 Shades of Purple third off. You're going to go back to the dirt here. The five-horse runaway Tracy also going to be in some of the exotics for me. The two, Love My Ride, and uh, those will be the top three. He's pretty lucky if you, you're looking, you know, that's the, the chalk, the horse to beat. I'm okay trying to beat this one on the win end and three-time charmer. I'm um, okay you know, taking a little shot against some of the shorter prices in here. We move to race number three, 5,000 non-winners of two on the year. I stacked them one, Millwood, with the two, Raisin Carter. What uh, What's wrong with a couple of those races down at Belterra? Let's just see where they stack up here. The seven-horse, Zanucci, I'll be using those three in all exotics, one, two, and seven. Moving to the fourth, 25 non-twos, going a mile on the turf course here. The Deuce, Lab, Rat, damn one on the turf. Lone Sibling with a, a couple wins on the turf course here. We'll use along with the six-horse, Rocked, who I thought the turf race was a little bit sneaky a couple starts back. Um, maybe better than it first looks on paper. We'll be using along uh, two, six, one, seven here, trying to beat King Jing Ling. In race number five, six furlongs on the main track, maiden $7,500 claimers. The six in here, Steely Caper on the cutback, I very much like, and I think should have a little bit more punch, be able to sit a nice closing trip. The five would use underneath the Super Dioro, the first time gelding. The seven Hightail Cowboy, probably the one they'll all have to beat. And then tenor from the rail I had in the fourth spot. But we'll put the six on top of the five, seven, and one in race number five. Moving along to race number six, a mile on the turf course here. The seven, Austin City Girl should get a, a real nice jock upgrade here. And this will be a one I include and in, in maybe key around in some exotics. The four, Saganaki, second time out. And it's never easy to go long on the turf. And this one did show a little bit of tactical speed that they can improve. Beautiful breeding here. The six horse looks like the one to beat. Girls got game. And the eight. You want to go a little deeper, walk softly. 7-4, 6-8 in the 6th. Moving to race number 7 at Sam Houston, the 3 Texas Skywalker. We'll be using along with the 7 Sparky Hale. I feel like we need to say Skywalker. Skywalker takes the lead in the 8th race. 10 claimers, a mile on the turf course. The 4 Messiah, second off, back to the turf. Should sit really, really nicely in there. The 3 Jailhouse Kitten is the one to beat. The 2 Lethal move, getting a big drop down in class in here. 4-3-2 in a very logical formful race. 8 for me. Race number 9, Texas bred non-winners of 2. Phillies and mares, 4-year-olds, and up 6 furlongs the distance. We'll use the 8, Salamante's Diva, along with the 9, It's My Money 2. The 2, head over boots, as a big bomb second start off the bench. And the 4, Latres Gray, probably the one... Uh, They'll have to beat one of the major players in here for sure. Because I'm going to take a swing against the six. Golden Secret off that long, long layoff. Not having race since February of 2020. If she comes back okay, sure, she'll crush this field. But she's a six-year-old mare who's only raced now three times and enters this off a two-plus year layoff. The 10th and final, 5,000 beaten claimers, five and a half furlongs, the distance, the six gradester, really, really quick. And on the drop in class, could go far in here. The eight Golden Palace will include in all exotics along with the two 
Euro exit. 6-8-2, how he stacked him in the 10th and final at Sam Houston on Friday. As we shift to Saturday, I would encourage everyone to head to first.com slash first Saturday to get details on that free contest where you can win $5 million if you pick the, the winner of 15 races. Easy. Easy, right? Pick the winner of uh, 15 stakes races on a Saturday. And follow me on social media. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter. I'm going to have a lot of videos, a lot of uh, links for you to click on that you can go right to fill out the entries for a lot of these contests and all this important information this weekend. Tons of stuff happening as we get to an interview now for Saturday Gulfstream Park with Samantha Perry. Following this interview, I will take a quick look at the full card and I'm actually going to have videos posted on my social media. If you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, we'll have one over on Instagram also. And I'm going to go through the entire card using the DRF past performances. So if you want to see and get a deeper look, uh, give me a follow there. We'll talk about the stakes, races 10, 11, 12, 13 with Samantha. Following that conversation, I'll take a quick run through the card. It's a huge weekend at Gulfstream, and we're very lucky to have Samantha Perry back to join us to uh, talk about some of the major races at Gulfstream. I mean, top to bottom, uh, 13 races on the card, uh, about half of them graded stakes. We're going to dive into the final four, which include the Fountain of Youth and uh, some really great wagering opportunities. And we're very happy to bring Samantha Perry back in. How you doing, Samantha? Good. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be back. And I, I just want to say our last time that we spoke, we were covering those two uh, stake races at Tampa and you hit a bomb on one of those, that yes. Emma Jane Wilson horse. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. That was a, a great call there. Thank you. Appreciate you remembering that. Thanks a lot. And we had a, we had a good conversation then. And I noticed that you were, go you are going to be doing some work this weekend on Saturday, talking about some of these races. And I think some of the races at Santa Anita, cause it is a huge day. They're oh, calling yeah. it first Saturday with a bunch of graded stakes at Santa Anita and at Gulfstream. I think there's 14 between those two graded stakes between those two tracks. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about when we can see you on Saturday and, uh, and what you'll be doing. Yeah, so on my Twitter and on America's Best Racing Twitter, we have the link posted for the YouTube video, and it's 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, myself, uh, Jessica Paquette, uh, Ren Carruthers, and uh, Ben, I think his last name is Sessmans, and I apologize if that's wrong. I'm, I'm not very familiar with him. The, as wo I the Wolf of Oakland. Yes, yeah, the I, Wolf I know, of Oakland. Yeah. I know all of them really well. You got a great crew there. I've, I've yeah, had uh, all of them and, on the uh, show before. Be yeah, it'll be a lot of fun and just great. You know, we, we kind of come from all different corners of the U.S. and we get to just talk racing. So you can't ask for a, a better Saturday to spend doing that. Exactly. So you'll get a, some great analysis from them, different opinions, different approaches. They'll get you all set up. Make sure to check that out on Samantha's Twitter, on the AVR Twitter uh, and the YouTube and a lot of the uh, the social media sites. They'll they'll give you links or they'll have it actually streaming right there. So we'll make sure to help share that. Uh, we love those, those crew. I've done a lot of work with, uh, I think, Chase Sessoms on the uh, the Better Than Vegas stuff. And then Ren, yes. who I've known very well for a long time and worked with Matt and Jessica. I just saw out at uh, Sam Houston a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, so. yeah. That, that's great that uh, you got to go to Houston. And um, how fun. was it? Did oh, it was fun? such a blast. I'd never been to Houston and to the track there. I've been to Dallas. I've been to Texas a few times. My girlfriend's from Dallas. And so we we go back there a few uh, every now and then to, to visit family. But 
they were so great. Everybody was really, really hospitable, very polite. Like it was awesome. They made me feel like a, a big celeb out there. They, they, they just took great care of me. And Jessica was uh, always fun. I, you know, you meet people now on social media and you end up talking to see these people now for like years. I've never met Jessica in person. And yeah. we spoke probably, I don't know, 20, 25 times. I, I used to speak with her years ago on TVG. And so it's always cool when you get to uh, to finally uh, say hello to someone in person. So that it was- a, And they're always like way better than you expected too. Way, exactly, way better. Like you, you have a, when you know that if you get along with someone over social media and that's the only way in person is just going to be even better exactly. when you have, when you can sort of feel that energy through the screens and through the, uh, through the conversations, you know, that in person, and we had a blast, we had a lot of fun, Nick Tamro over there, shout out to Frank hop who uh, just uh, does a great job with the, uh, with everything. So that was a blast, but like, like always in this game, that was a couple weekends ago. We got some business to handle this weekend. So oh yeah. We've got some, uh, some awesome races at Gulfstream to discuss, if we were to discuss all of the graded stakes coming up this weekend, um, I don't know if we'd be able to fit it on a podcast because it'd probably have to be like a 10 hour conversation. Probably. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's how much you could talk about the content that's happening. So we'll, we'll just go into the uh, final four at Gulfstream for Saturday, which begins with race number 10. And that's the Gulfstream Park Mile. So we're looking at March the 5th, Saturday, Gulfstream race number 10. They're going to go the one turn mile. There are some nice horses in here. Uh, Samantha, we have Speaker's Corner, who has been really good as of late. Just won uh, a grade three over this racetrack. You know a horse uh, like New York Traffic pretty well, who's run some good races at Monmouth and is a very classy individual. Yeah. And then towards the outside, there's a couple fun horses to look at. Fearless was right behind Speaker's Corner. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your approach to this race. Yeah, so Safi Joseph, uh, trainer Safi Joseph, who's 24% in the money of this year and uh, just lights out. He's got three in this race. And like you said, obviously, in wide traffic, he's got a lot of back class. I, I got to see this horse, like you said, at Monmouth last summer. I actually saw him before the K Kentucky Derby in uh, 2020. So I've seen this horse quite a bit, and he's really matured over the years. He's obviously uh, had some issues, so we, they've given him a uh, freshening up. We haven't seen him since late October. So kind of wonder how he's going to come back here. I don't doubt Safi at all in bringing one back. Uh, this horse is a lot of back class, but I just kind of wonder if he's going to be fit for the task here today. And if I'm going to go on a Safi horse, uh, I really like the Girolamo's attack a little bit as um, maybe a, a little bit of a bomb here. You got the inside draw with Girolamo's attack. You've got some speed here and uh, Girolamo's attack, like you said, should give you very, very nice uh, value and the price. I, what's wrong with even the other uh, Safi Joseph horse towards the outside collaborates kind of like an, like an up and comer collaborate. Yes. Was and supposed gets, uh, to, yeah. And teams up with the, uh, uh, Tyler Gaffleone, which when those two team up, we obviously saw them with that white Abarillo horse who that is now, I know they're skipping the Fountain of Youth and they're going to point towards the Florida Derby. So we're very likely to see them both in the uh, Kentucky Derby starting gate. And the thing I like about Collaborate is he has a very versatile running style. He's shown that he can win on the lead early in his career at Gulfstream. You know, Gulfstream is a very speed favoring track, but as he's matured, He's been able to sit off of it a yep. little bit. He's getting back to that one-turn mile, which he's undefeated at the one-turn mile here at Gulfstream. So it should be interesting to see how he does. And what a good position, like you said, a, a good striking position, I should mm -hmm. say, from that eight post. It's a, it's perfect because you can kind of, you can break well and then just 
you can look around and see what everyone else is doing. Exactly. Because right? you you got to assume that Speaker's Corner, the number three for Billy Mott, is going to go yep. to the front and probably try to take him gate to wire. And it's second off a layoff for Speaker's Corner. This horse is four years old. He just seems to be getting better and he hasn't done anything wrong. So it's kind no. of hard to to knock him. Here. You're right. You can't, you can't really, there are a lot of, uh, I think races throughout the card and throughout the day where you'll be able to say, okay, this is a favorite that maybe is vulnerable. I'll use a couple others, but it's, it's pretty tough to knock him. He's really quick. He ran very fast. He had to work and he, and it, the race last time out set up really well for fearless and fearless was looming up and speaker's corner just put him away and yeah. just kicked on. Yep. And, you know, on in races like these, I like to look at a horse who's maybe going to come into a good race, just sitting on a really good race. And yep. uh, it, Speaker's Corner already ran, has exactly. ran some really nice races. But, and this is one that you kind of scratch your head, you know, like, do you, do you take a, a stand in this race to start off your late pick four? Do you, do you single somebody or, you know, cause there's just so many other races you want to go deeper in. So this is a hard a hard race to kind of kick off the pick four with. Yeah, it is the the three speakers corner to me would be a, a must include. Um, the one I, I would probably use collaborate on on a lot of my tickets too. I just I love the way like you were saying with with the horse like speakers corner could is he the the most logical winner of this race? Yes, but you're probably you're kind of paying for some of his big efforts already. Maybe yes. we can get the next big effort from collaborate coming in here. Second start off the long layoff. He had trouble in that race. He showed, like you said, that he can come off the pace. He can sit off a little bit. Now he's going to stretch back out to a mile. He's been really good at this one turn mile. It feels like he's kind of the now horse and yeah. he's a, like a real fun, you know, where speaker's corner is probably the horse to beat collaborate might be the horse to bet. If you can get something over five, you know, in the five to eight to one range that that would feel pretty fair. And I, I would, you yes. know, I'd like to take a shot with him. Oh, for sure. And then the number five injunction, that's another one. Rosario lands on this horse. Yep. Rode him at Churchill Downs. Now, my only like notes on this last race he had run against at Tis Ride Time, like the the field he bet at the, the field he beat at Churchill that he, he won by over five lengths. Who who did he run against? Yeah. You know, and obviously there were some issues if they have we haven't seen him since late November. You kind of wonder bringing mm -hmm. him back. Uh, this trainer I'm not 100 percent familiar with, so I don't want to talk too much about him. But if Rosario's landing there, you kind of wonder if there's going to be some interest. When I printed off these PPs, I didn't have the morning line on this yet. I'll have to look and see uh, what they've got him at. But I'm, I'm curious now. Yeah, he, I, um, he is a, a for sure pace player in yeah. here right and yeah. that's my my only worry with him and in, in like you said when you when joel jumps aboard and and for these connections are very very logical capable connections i think he's what uh 20 to 1 on the morning line which just like that oh, feels yeah. a little a little high you know yeah. but i don't but i don't I, I agree with you he would be i would be fine using him in underneath spots mm -hmm. with feeling like okay he could be forwardly placed in here he could be part of the early pace but if he's forwardly placed and a little fresh and hasn't run in what now four and a half months, yeah. you know, we're getting to, he's going to have to deal with speaker's corner. Probably Girolamo's attack will be forwardly placed at least yep. from the rail to try to get some positioning. And, and then towards the outside, you know, a horse like collaborates, not exactly slow. I don't in New York trap NY traffic. He's not exactly slow. There could be exactly. a lot of horses up in that front group. It might, he's, 
he's the one of these horses to really keep an eye on for the rest of this year, you know, making his first start yes. at four. Yep, the second off the layoff or third mm-hmm. off the layoff. Yep. Next time and where he shows up again. But uh, the only other one that I, we haven't mentioned who I think is at least worth uh, worth discussing for a second is to the outside Diamond Oops, who he's really cool when you just kind of look back at what he can do. He can really run on anything. Yes. He can go long, he can go short, he can do it on the dirt. And I've, I've kind of gotten into playing him over and over again. And he's another who... Two starts back, he ran into a, a nice horse named In Love. He was against Grade One Company that day. He was uh, he faced Gear Jockey prior to that, and Gear yes. Jockey got really good at that point. It was excellent in turf sprints. You see, he was beat by the same horse miles ahead twice, and he kind of comes into this race nicely, second off the bench. He likes Gulfstream Park. He mm-hmm. wouldn't be a crazy shock in this race. Yeah, and the thing is, is this race we're talking about, you know, some some speed coming from the rail, coming from speaker's corner, maybe coming from injunction as well. Diamond Oops is a horse that loves the speed in front and closes like a freight train. I mean, he's just a big seven-year-old gelding. You can just tell he loves his job. I know his connections are uh, just infatuated with him. And um, he's one that the nine post position draw for him, I think, is absolutely perfect. Uh, but I just kind of wonder as far as, as he's gotten older, the class that mm-hmm. he used to face, what he can face now. But yep. like you said, the second off the bench, that's my favorite angle and we'll expect him running late. So it could be interesting to see how the race shapes out in front of him. Yeah, you're right. He, you get a little older, you lose a step, but there yeah. are still some versions of this race where all those combinations of horses go quick enough and he gets a nice trip. Yeah, and, exactly. And so, you know, depending on how you're playing and some exotics that you're approaching, if you're waiting on this pick four and you see him up there in like the 10 to one range and he's a horse that's forgotten about, you know, you might want to throw him in and, exactly. and just say there yep. could be, there could be a way. Yeah, there really could. And, you know, yeah, he, his last out was just going six furlongs and that was the first time since October we've seen him surface, but Patrick Biancone and a lot of these European trainers, they they are not afraid to train on one. And uh, this is op- an operation that I had watched train a lot while I was at uh, Palmetto's working for Brendan Walsh. And so we know he's going to be fit coming into this. So the mile is not going to be an issue at all for him if that's some people's worry kind of coming into this race. Let's move along from race number 10 to race number 11. We're going to go to the Mac Diarmida. We're going to be going long on the turf course here for four-year-olds and up. And we uh, we can start the conversation with the the really sharp Abon from the, the rail for Todd Pletcher, who has won three in a row, has won four of five. The only race in that stretch that he lost, he, he finished second by a, a half length. And what was, was pretty impressive last time out was just early, he didn't get the lead. He had to sit a little bit. And sometimes that can be a little different for horses when they're just used to getting out front. So he showed that he can sit a little bit. Um, and it's pretty tough to knock a horse who just continues to win, win, win. But from a, a betting standpoint, he will be a short price. And in a field like this, there are definitely some fun other horses to at least get, a, you know, talk about and to at least get excited for. Yeah, there are. And when I look at this race, like, I, I don't see... There are some fun horses, yes, but I just don't see anybody beating a bond, which is hard because in these turf races, I love I like to spread in the turf races and these like multi 
race waiters. Um, and there's one horse. Okay, so first we have to talk about the fact that Mike Maker has five out of the 11 horses in this race. <laughs> it's just, um, I mean, he's always just had a, a such a big turf presence. Um, and the number two, Kygo, a German bred. Uh, I think that this is his sweet spot for the distance because you go back to his races back in France where he was running a mile and a half and uh won and ran second now obviously the class there is a bit different but he hasn't been able to go that distance here in the u.s and i think i like that he's had two outs here one in tampa one in aqueduct back in november and i think that this could maybe set up kind of nice for me i think it will be interesting to see how he goes because this is i think his perfect spot for him we are talking race number 11 on that Saturday card at Gulfstream Park. It's a massive card, and uh, Abon is going to be very tough in a lot of the late exotics here. Um, it, it, you know, it, what makes it difficult is I just don't know if there's anyone even really quick enough to keep up with him early in here if they wanted to try to press. Yeah. You see, like, Tide of the Sea will try to go forwardly place, but I don't even know um if they can and and Saya seems to really be able to press the button very well i would probably um and this is a race where i'm definitely going to be shortening up with um with the bond and the one other horse who uh, i like and i think is a, a bit interesting in here is glen county and okay. uh, this is uh, on the trip one of the the was it 5000 mike maker horses we've got in this uh, in this race yeah, exactly. so many opportunities <laughs> in here and he was a step slow in his uh, in his race on January the 29th, and he hadn't raced for a couple of months uh, last since October. Then he moved kind of into fourth, and he settled. He was in the third flight, and what ended up happening is, you know, you're just stuck behind horses. One of the horses in front of him tired, and he just waiting, waiting, waiting. I think his race is a little deceiving because he was he had some run. By the time he got an opportunity, he moved up. He got up to second on the inside, and then he was kind of flat. Yeah, And for him, it's going to be, and for all of these horses that are going to be mid pack to deeper, it's going to be about the trip. They're going to yes. need the right trip. They're going to need some luck to hope that somebody can put some pressure on a bond or that a bond um, just isn't quite on the a game today. But for me, that was one of the the fun ones um, that I could maybe use uh, as a, a price underneath safe conduct has a little speed. Maybe he can push the one, but this is, yeah, this is a race that I was <laughs> impressed most recently just seeing um, what I saw from from uh, this uh, this likely favorite stepping up. That was a, a you know a race against tougher, um, a race where you had to sit off a little bit, and he kind of checked a lot of the boxes. Yeah, he did. I mean, if he wouldn't have won that race, you would kind of worry like, oh, okay, well this horse he's a need the lead type. But like mm -hmm. you said, he Sias didn't panic on him at all. He just sat there, and I was actually there that day for that race, and I thought when he didn't get the lead, I was thinking, oh no, this is over now. But it just just that's how you can see the you know, the training playing out well for Todd Pletcher and the horse maturing as a five year old, because I'll tell you, Gina, these will take charge horses. There are <laughs> they're a different breed. They uh, they, they can be a little bit nutty. Um, this horse is gelded. So that's a good thing for him, because I know the Colts can be a mm -hmm. bit ornery, uh, but he's just really shown how mature he is. And I just I can't see anybody beating him. I, I, I really cannot. And like you said, if you're really searching for speed maybe safe conduct but there's just nobody in here that looks like they would maybe and how much is really speed on a mile and a half turf race you know yeah. 24s i guess you yeah. know 
Let's uh, move to the back half of the uh, the late pick four. We're going to get to the Fountain of Youth, the face of tipped, uh, face of tipped in Fountain of Youth, grade two, four hundred thousand dollars, and Kentucky Derby points on the line here. We did find out that Mo Donegal was going to be scratched out of this race. Um, combination of a uh, little bit of a fever and i don't think they love the post <laughs> the outside trot either so yeah. uh, once the fever came up they said you know what let's really play it safe we won't push it still a lot of opportunity lots of races i think they're gonna head to tampa um uh, or the wood I, I think is what they said the wood uh, maybe so bl- plenty of chances uh pleasure you know can can ship him on over to any of these big preps and he will be live but that'll just open the race up even more because he would have been uh you know a major contender in here so who are some of the horses that you look at right away samantha so i'm going with some long shots in this race uh before we jumped on this podcast you know i was watching uh, the works leading up to this race and it it changed my mind about a lot of these that i had a stronger opinion on um i Really like the number four in due time coming from the Kelly Breen Barn. You look at this horse work and he's just a bit of a lazier colt by not this time. Um, he works on his, the, the works on uh, XBTV. He's working on his own. Um, the rider just kind of has to keep him at task. But the way he won going away, and now I know that was just an allowance race. Uh, with Paco, it was just so impressive that I think this is a horse that he's one of those horses that kind of saves his running for the afternoons um, and can show up. And at six to one on the morning line, I, I like that a bit here. Now, one thing that's kind of um, at least worth mentioning is that a couple of these horses have had some physical issues yes. recently, and now they may be a little bit better th- or kind of figured out. So First one, rattle and roll. He missed the Breeders' Cup with a quarter crack after winning that grade one Breeders' Futurity. So, bummer for him, but he's back and um, and he's ready to rock and hope hopefully he can get a couple races in and, uh, and head to the Kentucky Derby. You've also got Giant Game, who had a minor throat surgery after a displaced palate in the Holy Bull. And you could kind of see with just the way that he was running because, Samantha, he was sitting in a perfect spot. Oh, yeah. It was like a great trip for him. And then it was as soon as they asked him to sort of pick up his feet and run, nothing. Yep, and it, he backed up. Yep. And even if you don't like him and you as a particular horse or think the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile from last year was great, it hasn't come back very strong. A lot of the horses out of there haven't run well this year. He's not as bad as he ran in that race. Exactly. So there's more to him, even if he's not the winner of this race or he's not the Derby winner. If he, what was wrong with his maiden win when he beat Call Me Midnight, who won oh, the, yeah. the LeCompte? Yeah. And uh, the fifth place finisher in that race was also a horse who's come back and um, won a maiden and then uh, maiden special weight and then finished third in the Withers. So I think he might be a little bit sneaky here if they were able to get, um, you know, whatever issues they had fixed with him. And from reading some of the, uh, the DRF quotes in the article, um, I think Dale Romans had said, he was back training, you know, about a week after that. It didn't look like he missed a whole lot in his uh, in his preparations in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, we don't know. <laughs> Have we seen the best of these horses yet? You know, a lot of them probably not in a horse like High Oak. I mean, not High Oak, pardon me, Giant Game. Um, you know, that was a really impressive uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile third place finish. And he was a, 
bet down quite a bit in that holy bowl. And my only concern with that is when the horses come back after having um, some some sort of surgery or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, they're creatures of habit. And sometimes when they come back the next race, they'll have in their minds like, oh, you know, last time I did this, this didn't feel good. And I so, stopped. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so maybe I'm, I'm not going to. Especially one that's like that shows they're precocious at two early on because we see a lot of these horses in the two year old years. They'll win a couple races, maybe they're a little ahead of of some of the others, and then everybody catches up with them the next year and they're not quite the same. So, they're what's nice with the horse like, um, like him is there are some positives and definitely some negatives, but they kind of are built into the price. He should at least be a nice price if you're using him in uh, in your exotics. We, oh, yeah. uh, we must talk uh, about simplification who I, I think many people were expecting him to be right on the lead. It didn't look like there was a whole lot of speed in that Holy bull and he had a bad start and the horse who got the lead white Aberio, ended up going gate to wire at simplification was really impressive though. And sometimes Samantha, that can kind of be a blessing in disguise where yes. they would have loved to win that race, but now they've kind of found out that this horse has speed and also can pass horses. They've got some options now. He's got a little versatility to him that they may not have realized. Yeah, he does. And um, he's, you know, Antonio Sano has done a good job with him thus far. The only thing with him, Gino, is I'm going to go back to his work. I watched his work back on uh, February 26th. He worked five eights and 102, which nothing wrong. is just an easy maintenance. I, I just, I didn't really, the, his running style to me is very turfy. He's got a lot of high knee action and it's just that he doesn't quite stride out. You, you see these nice dirt horses and they just reach for the ground and he's not one that does that. Now that's not to say that he, that's just the way he, he runs and he is, but I would love to see that horse on the turf later down the road. Get an assessment and we'll uh, we'll keep uh, an eye on that for simplification. So, th- I mean, this is a, a cool race, though, because you can go so many different directions. It oh looks like from a pace standpoint, it looked like it should be really honest because there's a few horses with speed. But I, I don't know how many are just dead set on going. We could see maybe three, you know, three horses up pushing the pace. Emmanuel's been pretty quick. AP Secret's been pretty quick. From the inside, Mark Hamian's been pretty quick. And then a lot of pressers kind of after yeah. that. So yeah, any like others said, that you want to mention in here? So my bomb here, Gino, is the seven AP secret. This is, I think, b- between him and the Kelly Brain horse um, in due time, This, these are going to be my two picks. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Cupid horses. I was actually there when Cupid won the Arkansas Derby. What a... It was such a big, beautiful horse, but he was always so green and his babies have kind of shown the same thing. Just kind of don't have it all put together, just bigger bodied. And um, he's a big gray. He put on the blinkers last time Safi did and uh, just one kind of going away. His last two works that he's had have been just really solid, just Nothing impressive so far as like numbers go, but just the way he kind of would sit behind his workmate and then just kind of come closing. He's going to love every bit of these two turns he's going to get here. Safi Joseph, he gets it done. And I, Tyler Gaffleone, he stays. I mean, he comes to pick up this ride here. I think this horse is going to be impressive. I think he's sitting on a big one. 
We are talking about the Fountain of Youth, of many different directions to go in a fun Kentucky Derby prep race. And uh, Samantha's going to be talking about this race and uh, some of the other big races on the card at Gulfstream and at Santa Anita. They have a, a Kentucky Derby prep themselves in the San Felipe. So lots to discuss as uh, we get to the final race we're going to talk about here. The here comes the bride race number 13 will go a mile on the turf course. So if you're alive in some of these exotics, Samantha, if you're alive in the pick four heading into this last race, who, who would oh, you yeah. need on your ticket? How many are, uh, who would be the, some of the horses you really would feel comfortable with? Uh, this would be a spread race for me, Gino. I would want to maybe try to go smaller at the earlier races and spread mm-hmm. for this. These are nice three-year-old fillies that uh, uh, we'll surely see some of these in the Breeders' Cup uh, later on, that these are the way they're kind of um, sitting here. I like uh, Opalina coming from uh, the Roderick Rodriguez barn. Sayas had a chance probably with a couple of these horses in this race. He he rode the number five beside herself for Todd Pletcher last out. Actually, that horse's last two, Philly's last two outs, and he lands on this horse here who won uh, a grade three already here think that she just might be getting better now as far as price wise we might not get a very good price here um but also i like the number four spinderella for grand motion uh this horse is a half to spanish love affair who was a really nice uh, turf filly that mark cassie trained and um i know she's facing winners for the first time and this is but uh, i don't know grand motion he's he's sneaky with these kind of races he is well i think one of the more underrated kind of doesn't get talked about towards uh sort of kind of towards the top anymore but unbelievably capable in a spot like this he yes this is a horse who would be on a lot of my exotics uh closing here it's really tough to to put any knocks on that kind of an effort now yes if for some reason they do go a little quick and maybe uh, we see combinations of diamond wow spenderella being forwardly placed and uh some of the horses towards the outside uh, the two was a little interesting to me. Um, the the Mott runner, Mischievous Kiss, who has not raced since uh, the end of November at Aqueduct. But I don't really worry as much about it with a horse who's going to sort of drop back and really only have to run that last quarter. So we kind of know what we're going to get. I think she's going to try to save ground and hope they go a little quick early on and come running. She, in in her last race at Aqueduct, she was in a really nice spot but a horse from the back made an early move and it kind of pinned her in and she had to wait for a little bit. And then she had to move and make this four wide move. She kind of got shuffled back a little bit. You can kind of see in her running line, she went from sitting right there and she almost lost about two lengths of positioning and then had to come around that might've cost her the race. So I think, you know, I agree with you in that. I'm probably at least like three or four deep in exotics. Um, but, uh, but, but that one mischievous kiss will be on a lot for me and Spenderella. Those are, those are two for sure. That'll be in the mix. Yeah. They're then mischievous kiss, uh, Bill Mott and Junior Alvarado together do a, a really great job. I love Junior. I feel like is one of the best Gulfstream park turf riders. He's mm-hmm. very smart and obviously you're only as good as the horse you're sitting on but I feel like he makes some very strategic moves and you know being the two position I'm sure you know you don't want to get her trapped in a spot but like you said if the pace is a bit honest up front which it looks like the number five beside herself she'll be quick on the front end 
here because um, she, she's that's the way she won last time. I can imagine that Irad will kind of put her in the same place that it could set up well for Mischievous Kiss. And one other one, I'm curious what you think about this horse as well. And um, the number 12, Leah Marina, what a terrible post to draw. I know. But she's... what a, a really nice dam. Uh, she was a two-time stake winner. And Christophe Clement just... Oh, it's fantastic with these turf fillies. She, you're, you're really right. They're going to have to make a decision with her early on because if they want to get the lead, they're probably going to have to work a little too hard from out there. And if you take her all the way back, then you're going to be at the mercy. I mean, Joel is as good as anyone at whatever oh, you have yeah. to do. At whatever you have to do on a big day, I'll, I'll take him. You know, on the short list of any. But you hit the nail right on the head. It's just if she was. From post 10 anywhere in I would yes. like her much more I just yeah. feel like I could see her either Getting hooked a little bit wide Running really well and finishing second or third Or they, them going Okay we're going to take her back And then she has a little bit too much to do And she's on the scene late Another that yep. she's on my radar For the next few months and for this year But this yes. spot with that post She's going to have to really earn it and she might be good enough, but if she's like a shortish price and she's got that wide post, that's where I might, I, I probably won't be betting her to win, you know, in a pick four or pick five, I wouldn't talk anybody off of using her as one of the ones, especially in underneath and tries and stuff, but she might really need to be awesome in this race to, to win from out there. Um, we uh, just had a small technical difficulty there, but we're good. And we're finishing up here with the uh, the 13th race. And this is um, a race where I'm sort of along with you in that I can't be kind of singled in or keyed into one or two. I'll probably be spreading. Leah Marina has been awesome. And if she wins this race, that will really tell us how good she is because I, oh, she's just yeah. going to have to earn it from out there. Yeah, she will. And it's, it's such a tough task. For like, but like you said, if, if she can get it done – from that wow i mean watch out for her like the the breeders cup phillies turf i mean it'll be really fun to see what she does and i think it i think it's going to be fun to see diamond wow come back um as well you know she gets back on the turf she ran a huge race in the jessamine at keeneland uh like last october so it'll be fun to see uh her back on the turf as well just this is just such a, a good group of phillies and um it'll be a really fun race to to close out the card yeah, and with Diamond Wow, you can make a total legitimate excuse for her last effort. They, with a lot of these horses that are, you know, in their late two-year-old seasons or early three-year-old seasons, if they're good, they're going to give them a shot or two on the dirt. They always are. You yeah. just want to see, is this the type of horse that could be a Kentucky Oaks or a Kentucky Derby horse, especially with a horse like Diamond Wow, who was in a race that, at Gulfstream Park that was scheduled for the turf. It got taken off the turf, and she won pretty nicely that day. Yes. So then they go, okay, maybe she... She might be uh, okay on the dirt She didn't run all that well in the forward gal And it wasn't a, an awful effort And she probably needed the race Now she's going to add the blinkers She gets back to turf She goes second start off the bench Many positives She'll be in the mix for me too To try to close things out As uh, we will close out our conversation now With Samantha Perry As uh, Samantha, I have to give you uh, Again, uh, lots of credit Thank you so much for all of the work you put in And thank you for hanging out with us And give us your plugs We know we'll we'll be seeing you at at Monmouth Coming up in a few months But where can we find you this weekend And on social media Yep, so my Twitter At Samantha 
Grace Perry. I, I post pics on there, um, just some race day updates. We're doing America's Best Racing the first Saturday, uh, Road to the Kentucky Derby. That link is on the America's Best Racing webs, uh, website and um, on their Twitter and on my Twitter. We've got a really great uh, group of people to be joined. That's 5 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Just a lot on the line. A lot of great stakes races, and we'll just try to help you guide through it and uh, maybe make some money along the way. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll be uh, watching and uh, getting uh, some more great information from you and that crew. Give Samantha a follow on social media, and uh, she'll be back uh, with us sometime again really soon. If it's not before, we, um, I always do huge shows on the, uh, the Derby weekend where I have a, a different person to help us out with like all of the the races on the undercard and then everybody can give their opinion on uh, on derby and stuff so if i don't talk to you and have you back before then at least we'll put a, a check for uh for that weekend we'll have you on for sure and uh we'll be following along you do such a great job i'm looking forward to hearing you on saturday all right thank you so much i appreciate you having me so do not go anywhere folks we have a lot more to discuss on a big weekend of racing so we will uh, continue to recap this huge Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Big thank you to Samantha for helping us out. Now, I'm going to do just like a quick run through of the full card. If you want a little more in-depth, if you want to take a look at some video, I'll click on the charts. I'll show you everything. Go follow me. It's me, Gino B, and um, I'm going to go using all the DRF past performances. But we begin in race number one. Um, I'm going to go to the outside in here with a nine-friendly fella who got bumped at the start Last time out, was back to about 6, 5 off, moved inside, was behind horses, got an opening, and angled outside, um, angled outside about 4 deep and around, tried really hard all the way, just missed second there. I stack them 9, 12, 4 in race number 1 at Gulfstream on Saturday. Moving to the second race, maiden special weight, seven furlongs. I like the five, love to run. Toss the turf race, toss the race in the slop. Take a look at who this one ran behind last time out. October the 3rd, three next out winners. Sandstone won the rags to riches stakes next out by 10, then was third in the grade two goldenrod. Secret Oath, who was third there, has now won three straight and has won each of those by seven lengths in all three. uh, Two stakes races, one of them was a grade three. The fifth place finisher, Won a maiden 40, then went to a 50 starter allowance at Fairground. You're going to get first time Lasix. And Magic Circle, two starts back, was a horse who was the the Busondo winner, a grade two placed. Consumer spending from the debut race was beaten less than two lengths in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. Great spot for Love to Run, cutting back, trying the, uh, the dirt here at Gulfstream Park. Veterans Highway is the logical player in here. I'm going to go 5-6. In the Canadian turf, race number three, never surprised, very logical. I thought the three English B could sit nicely behind what looked like maybe three speeds on paper. And the seven in here, the wild card Moulage coming in from France for top-notch connections. Race number four, maiden special, seven furlongs on the dirt. The number four, Master of Arms, is the interesting one to me who broke inward, hit the gate in the debut and then moved up in between to second was inside and then in a tight spot. So had to kind of settle back a couple lengths and really kind of green and shifting around late, but was, uh, got a nice opening in the rail and it just, there wasn't a lot of passing in that race. I thought it was pretty good and one there. This one can take a step forward. Logicals of the nine, 10 and 11 that I'd be using, uh, underneath and along with the four. 
Moving to the very one, race number five. They'll go a mile and three eighths in here. I uh, I stacked them seven Family Way and the five Virginia Joy underneath Family Way. If you toss that October sixteenth race where she hit the gate at the start against Grade One Company, and you toss the July seventeenth race when she got caught up in a pace battle, now all of a sudden you're left with four really good races here in uh, it, you know st- stacked up in in recent runnings recent form the horse who she lost to in the EP Taylor won a grade three last time out and that was a and the third consecutive race I'm gonna use family way seven five if you wanted to go deeper I had eight nine and two as all horses to possibly use underneath in the six the Devona Dale I love the five sweet Danny girl this is a really talented filly who won her first two starts and then she just got hooked really wide on November the 27th at Churchill, and she kept trying. The wide trip just caught up with her. The two fillies who finished in front of her are nice. The winner, Marissa's Lady, is four for four, a three-time stakes winner. The runner-up, Madiera, just won a February 28th race at Fairgrounds, a February 26th race at Fairgrounds with a 91 buyer speed figure. Moving to race number seven, the Palm Beach. I thought the one credibility getting back to the turf would be really tough in here, tracking fourth inside in the two path three four off on the synthetic and got up late that was on january the 22nd now you go back to the turf second start off the bench toss the breeders cup toss the dirt race and this one's been really good race number eight mile one turn mile the three chocolate bar second off the bench coming off of a trip where he had to go really really wide after a slow start he was stuck towards the back five off behind horses nowhere to go Angled around widest of all, like five or six deep. Closed really, really well. Just losing the photo for second. That was in race number eight. Uh, I'm going to use the three and the two in a lot of the exotics there. Race number nine is the grade three Honey Fox. In in this one, uh, Gift List will be on a lot of exotics for me. Wakanaka is one who I really think will enjoy the slight turn back to a mile and the second start here in the U.S., I'll be using the 8, the 6, and the 7 alms in all exotics. 10th through 13th, we talked about with Samantha, but just to remind you one more time, in race number uh, 10, the Gulfstream Park Mile, I'll go Collaborate, Speaker's Corner, and Diamond Oops is my top three in there. In the Mac the Ermita, the 11th race, I'm going to go 3-1 with Glynn County and uh, Abon. In race number 12, the Fountain of Youth, I'll be using a Giant Game, along with simplification in all exotics. And uh, I'll be using Emmanuel, you know, AP Secret, maybe a, a bit underneath High Oak, but a lot of giant game simplification and uh, and, and Emmanuel. And then to uh, close it out in the 13th, Mischievous Kiss, 2, 3, 8, 10. In race number 13, I'll get you even more of an in-depth look. We'll show you some race replays, some chart work, and uh, a little bit more of the reasoning if you want to follow along with uh, with me on social media. It's me, Gino B. Check that out, and we'll uh, we'll take a deep dive at those DRF past performances. Now we will deep dive some Santa Anita. Before we get into Santa Anita, we have to remind you about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Check out the website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, connecting you to the right type, uh, right kind of vendors, uh, the right type of lenders. If you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan, Cindy Carava is 
the kindest and most genuine person you will ever meet. She's going to make your life a lot easier when you're in the process of moving, of relocating. CindyCarava.com. We head over to Santa Anita. We are going to talk Santa Anita Stakes with Chappie. We go over races 6, 9, 10, and 11, and then I will uh, do what I just did um, with Gulfstream Park. Following the, the Chappie conversation, I'll quickly breeze through Santa Anita, and then I'll also post a video on social media if you want some help deep diving those past performances for Santa Anita for Saturday. Right now, Chappie. It is a huge Saturday coming up deemed first Saturday, so we bring in the big guns, Chappie, Jeff Chapman, who you know from Santa Anita. Chappie does the uh, the morning line show uh, every weekend, does a great job there, and a very good friend of mine who I've known for many years. You've heard him on this show uh, a few different times too. Chappie, man, I'm my in a good way. My head is spinning thinking about everything that's happening this weekend and all the different contests, pick fives. Uh, Ultimate betting challenge, you name it, it's happening this weekend on Saturday. Yeah, you name it. I mean, it, it, it can't get any better than this. And, you know, I'll tell you what, hats off. You know, I, I work for Santa Anita, but hats off for them for coming up with the, you know, especially the two pick fives that are not only a, a dollar bet, but also a 12% takeout. Um, and I think the pools are going to be massive and the fields are big and it should be just a terrific weekend of racing. So if we go in order, you and I are recording this on Thursday night. On Friday, if you want to try to get into the ultimate betting challenge for uh for a little bit cheaper because it's 3500 bucks to enter if you want to enter on Saturday, you can get in by qualifying in the last chance feeder. It's a $300 entry and it's at Gulfstream Park now. It was going to be a Friday contest at Santa Anita because they canceled the races or they'd been canceled, they postponed them to Monday because of the rain. So now if you want to try to get in, in entered, which I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get in for 300 bucks instead of 3,500. I'd love to try to qualify for a lot less, and then then I can uh, take a swing on Saturday, and then later on Friday, you and I and Craig Kaufman and uh, Benny uh, South Street, Benny South Street, we're going to have a little Friday preview to go over a, a lot, like basically everything we're talking about now, like a lot of the important stuff for Saturday. We'll kind of tell you what the pick fives look like. We'll we'll talk about some of the big stakes races for Santa Anita and, and some Gulfstream stuff too. I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to do it at three o'clock Pacific on Friday. Um, so just after Gulfstream ends, since Santa Anita is not racing, and like you said, we're going to just kind of stick to those pick fives and hopefully we can nail some winners. The last couple times we've done it, I think we've been. We've been right on the mark, but but it, there, there's some tough sledding this weekend, which just makes for better payouts. So exactly, I'm ready good to roll, really good opportunity. So Chappie and I are going to focus on a couple of the really big Santa Anita races. We're going to talk about the San Felipe, which is race six for Saturday, and then we'll go to the final three races on the card. So uh, we'll hit on uh, four races, and they're all graded stakes races on a huge Saturday card. If you want to follow along, we're looking March the fifth. We're looking race number six, Santa Anita, and. It was pretty impressive for Forbidden Kingdom in uh, in the San Vicente as he he beat all the Bafferts <laughs> that day. It, it looked on paper like Baffert was going to have that race really surrounded. Forbidden Kingdom hadn't run since November, but I mean, he was in a small field. He was almost four to one. He took really little action in that race, and he was awesome. And so, you know, he comes right back, and off of that effort, he's the horse to beat in here. Yeah, you know what's what's I I, I want to kick myself 
for one thing, but I loved Forbidden Kingdom that day, actually. And and a lot of it was just off the XBTV watching that live. His work, he you know, he worked like a 47 and change. But, it you know, Mandela doesn't work him fast. And it was just how he did it. He just did it in hand and um, relaxed so well. And I can remember because my parents are actually in California in town right now. But I texted my dad before that race and I said, you know, if Mandela didn't draw the rail here, I would really pound him because I figured with the other Bafferts, they, you know, he was kind of in a bad spot on the rail, right? <laughs> One or two of them were going to press him and he was going right. to be in trouble. Right, right. And he just has so much natural speed. Obviously, that's the key, you know, first time two turns. But boy, mm-hmm. does this horse have some talent. He does. And he's drawn pretty well towards the outside now for that where he can kind of break and then look around and see what else is going on. But it's it's another situation where on paper, there'll probably be at least, you know, one or two other speeds pushing him here. We'd have to imagine that Baffert, who I, I think he wants to to, you know, to get a better race out of Doppelganger. I think you really feel like that is what he wants here. And I'd imagine Armaniac is going to be. Probably forwardly placed and ridden really aggressively to at least ensure that Doppelganger gets some pace to run at and to make sure that Forbidden Kingdom just doesn't clear this field. I think there's no question about it. Yeah, I just watched the replay of the three Armanac or however you pronounce that, and has a lot of natural speed. And I think you hit it hit the nail on the head that they're they're going to make sure that if Forbidden Kingdom is sent that there there will be no easy lead to be had here and and. Doppelganger will be the one sitting back And you know the other one that I'm just interested in Gino and I'm not sure what to do with yet Is Happy Jack the rail Mm -hmm. Um, If you you went back And watched the debut you and I Talked about before at about the Three eights pull that horse looked like he was all In and then turning for home about Midway down the stretch he looked Like he was just getting warmed up and he galloped Out a million in front and They put the you know last time Out you know, they went long, they went to the Bob Lewis, and they wheeled that horse back really quickly. And I, we're going to see what's under the hood, right? I mean, this it, is obviously the test. You right just here, put a line but, right through the last race, too. I mean, yeah. that was a race that Messier won by, what, 10 lengths? Uh, yep. 15, excuse me. <laughs> he won by 15 that day. So you put a line right through it. Like you said, he came back quickly. And if you were just playing him off of the maiden race— and we, when we were projecting going into that race going long, he looked like a horse who would enjoy going long. So if we have that approach and we go, we still think he should be okay going long. And maybe it was just a combination of wheeling back too quick. He just caught, he caught a horse that ends up, you know, airing that day. I, because when you go through the rest of the field, it's, you, you kind of eliminate a lot of horses that are, you know, okay. Worse Reed Sanchez I like this horse We've talked about him a couple different times But yeah. I don't know if, if he's quite good enough Going long on the dirt A beautiful art I, He'd sort of have to prove it to me Maybe he's going to be a little forwardly placed in here So you eliminate horses And our man our, our maniac, you know, Who feels like he should be forwardly placed But I don't know if he'll be able to battle With Forbidden Kingdom I kind of think Doppelganger's better And Happy Jack's kind of one that's still If you're just playing him off the maiden race He's He's not crazy. No, he's not. And, and and two other things about that race, too, is like we said, the quick turnaround. And even O'Neill said that they think they wheeled him back too quickly. And the other thing is, and maybe, you know, this horse might 
run nowhere and then he's off the derby trail also but if you go back to that race and believe me messier could be the best three-year-old in the country that day every horse ran on the one on the lead it was the no passing zone so happy jack had no chance whatsoever being a closer as it is you know on that day where every horse basically went wire to wire it was the biggest speed bias day of the year i think that's race number six on the Santa Anita Saturday card with some Kentucky Derby points on the line. We are now going to flip to the last few races on the card, the ninth, the 10th and the 11th, all of them grade one races, uh, really big races. Some of the, the bigger races in the Southern California calendar each year. Now we have the, the beholder mile named for beholder. We got the kill row mile, and then we've got the big cap coming up. So a really strong way to end the card at Santa Anita on Saturday in race number nine. Chappie, I mean, on paper, it sort of feels like it's going to be a two-horse race. I think the, I think Moonlight the Oro is is scratching out. I got, I'm going to confirm that right now. But at least on paper, it it does feel like you've got as time goes by, who's been pretty awesome. Um, and she kind of, she wasn't in the best of form for a string of maybe three or four races, and then boom, she had a couple monster efforts. And you got Envui Taunt, who got really, really good towards the middle uh, to the end of last year. Yeah, I think it's just those two. I mean, look, and and by the way, the um the Moonlight Dior is out. The two horse, that was the yeah. two, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I printed the PPs today and it doesn't even have uh, Moonlight Dior in there. So that okay. you take yep. take Moonlight Dior out. I think it's strictly a two horse race. Um, you know, you you go back and you you go, "Okay, well what's Varda all about? Horse hasn't ran since he was two or she was two. The only thing you can go by is on February 26th Varda and as time go by, goes by worked together and I watched the workout on XBTV about an hour ago and uh, as time goes by handled Varda very pretty, pretty easily down the stretch so because you never know those Bafferts can move way up and he's not sure. going to put a horse in there for no reason but um, small field, but I think you can't, you just can't get around the two no, favorites. In it's here. just hard. You, you start eliminating. I mean, Founders Day just looks like a pace factor. It looks like Varda needs probably needs this race. We're talking about December 2020 since the last time she ran, so it has been uh, coming up on almost a year and a half. And and Miss Bigley, while I really respect what she's done, and she's super honest. She just won the Bayakoa over at Oaklawn. She's got to improve on both in Vuitton and as time goes by. Who have been in front of her and pretty easily in front of her in different spots. Yeah. So no question about it. I just yeah, like I we're always gonna try to give you some prices and stuff in here, but if you're playing this race, if you're playing maybe a pick five or a pick six, I mean, those two feel like they'd be pretty confident, but I'd I'd just try to pick one and single them and, and make that be my bigger press ticket. I think I probably lean in Vui Taunt, honestly. I sort of like because I don't know. How great as time goes by is Or if it was just she kind of caught Some groups that maybe weren't all that Good and she ran pretty well that day Because her numbers and figures weren't even That gaudy for races that She won pretty easily pretty handily And Vui Taunt um, You know she You just wonder does she need a race for her best All of her wins are over a mile too And she's only got two races at a mile So maybe she's a little better going longer But I mean, it comes down to those two. I'd probably lean in Vuitton, but from a gambling standpoint, I, I just can't get to anybody else in here. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Let's get to the Kill Row Mile. We'll go uh, a mile in here, grade one. So 
at, at first glance It looks like there's I mean I think there should be a pretty honest pace in here Because you know when you have Beyond Brilliant That one's going to go Subconscious is at least a Is going to be pressing the pace and, and keeping the pace honest And then you've got the uh, O'Neill runner of team merchants Towards the outside Both Bob and Jackie and Vanzi Will probably be forwardly placed So uh, at first glance, at least a good amount of speed on paper. Yeah, it looks like it. You know, I mean, we'll talk about first of all the one to, that it points towards, and then we'll get into some prices. But the last time when Count again ran against Subconscious, I was licking my chops um, even to get five to two. This horse has just a giant turn of foot, and um, you know, seven year old, year old, years old. But I don't think Count again slowing down anytime soon with. The pace setup, it sure looks to be in his favor. But but there are some other interesting horses in here that um the one I wanted to ask you about before we got into a couple of others, which I did not watch the replay of yet, um, is Space Traveler, who actually added the blinkers last time and had some trouble. And I'm sure you've mm-hmm. probably seen that race. How yeah. how much trouble was there? It was it was pretty late. Yeah, it was pretty legit. So he got shuffled back. He drew the rail and he got shuffled back on the inside early and then well ran right into traffic going into the first turn. And so he ends up kind of about eight lengths off. He's about 11th of 12th. And he was just buried at the back with nowhere to go. And he weaved through some traffic and starts to fly up the inside. It was pretty nice. And the two horses who beat him are very good. Never surprised is running on the uh, Gulfstream Park card on Saturday. And Colonel Liam, that was his, his second uh, straight Pegasus World Cup turf. So that was a legit race from Space Traveler. I, and like you were saying with Count Again, from a pace standpoint, they should get pretty nice trips in here coming from off the pace with a, a good amount of horses in here who are at least going to want to be up in the early mix. No question. Um, a, a couple other ones I want to touch base on. Was, you know, we'll, we'll, going back to subconscious. Certainly talented. I mean, ever since that horse is gelded, he's done nothing wrong. He can sit off the pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last time it was a little bit, you know, a little time off the bench. This is the second time off the bench. Obviously, like Santa Anita, he moved you know, early. He Hal, Hal loved sitting. him that day, though. So that was the problem. That was why he lost because Hal, yeah. Hal gave him out. Right. He, <laughs> yeah. He, he gave him the old Hal jinx, that's for sure. And <laughs> exactly. Like I said, I loved Count again that day, but. It's funny how one bad race, or in this case, kind of two, but the race before that, the Hollywood Derby, you know, a horrible post, probably a little long for this horse. I think miles is a, is a better distance mm-hmm. and you know, a couple okay efforts. And all of a sudden you're, you're getting five to one, or it might even drift up. So almost just because of the price and a good stocking trip, this horse is interesting. And one that is, um, it, I was really curious where McCarthy was going to go with Law Professor yes, Because it was, it, it was here or it was in the, the big cap And if you look at the big cap He probably would have been the second choice in the big cap Coming in off of a second place effort Behind Express Train last time out And so they decide this race Which, which is, is kind of a I think you can take maybe two things out of it One, this race is probably more wide open and contentious but maybe he just truly felt like I don't think we are going to beat Express Train. I, may, right. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those two because I mean, Law, per- Law Professor Fitz. He is a really nice kind of cool horse because he can run on anything, and he's just a, a cool miler. He's going to yep. sit a nice trip. If it, he'll loom up, he just kind of continues to creep forward with each of his starts and get a little bit better and improve a little bit. And I think 
he actually looked in that San Pasqual like he was going to go by. I just don't think he wants to really go too much farther than a mile right now, you know. And and that may have been the the difference in why he picked this race and not the mile and a quarter with the big cap because that might have been too much for him go, trying to go that far right now because at a mile he's sharp. I mean, he loomed right up. I thought he was going to blow by and he was well clear of everybody else in third. His two grass races have been pretty pretty good. You can't really knock what he's done in his last what four or five starts. You can make excuses. They you, you can sh- it shows you how highly they thought of him that they went to the Santa Anita Derby right off of the maiden win. No question. And, and a few different points, and you made some of them. First of all, Michael McCarthy is a very um, patient guy, so he's not going to send a horse. Off of a maiden win into the San Anita Derby Unless he knows he's got some serious talent Because that's just not his M.O. And another thing is after that When when this horse went to the turf A couple things happened They took the blinkers off This horse ran a nice third against Hudson Ridge And Flashiest Then this horse comes back Off of a layoff from June to August And closes and wins Off of a little bit of Let's face it, it wasn't a graded stakes But it was against a decent group and uh, made up a lot of ground. So at that point, he wanted to stay on the turf. Well, lo and mm-hmm. behold, they get washed off the turf, mm-hmm. and the horse runs well on the dirt. So he goes back and says, why not? Let's take a shot. And here we go to, to the San Pasqual, where that's the day, like you said, he loomed. That's also the day that everybody on the front end was winning. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of things that point towards this horse, um, and maybe turf after the blinkers came off and, and a couple of experiments, maybe turf is where this horse belongs all along. Yeah, because he's just good on the grass. Now he's proven from a class standpoint that he can really keep up with the best. And and now he's good at a mile. And that sort of a now they may all come together. You know, it, it, you might see because some of his better races have come on the dirt as of recently, but his biggest figures and stuff. But his he's he may be. All along one that they had been wanting to be a turf horse Like you said And and then they popped up and ran that good race That was taken off the dirt Then you sort of got to take a swing It's no like doubt. oh well we're going to be in the big cap And we're going to be like 4 to 1 Well yeah we'll take a swing And it, it was I mean we're going to be in the San Pasquale We're going to be 4 to 1 And he, he was second that day It was a good effort And he would have been a live contender in the big cap as well But he's going to be a live contender in here um, I play uh, I, I've played Flavius a bunch He you know he wouldn't shock me, but it's not going to be the easiest post. He's kind of quirky a little bit. He's, you know, the last time he won, he was just handled and put right on the lead. He all, he sort of gets himself into trouble or he's burned a lot of money too. It'll be the day I don't play him that he jumps up and snaps me at a big price, but he was uh, at least worth mentioning. Um, and yeah, this is a good race. This is a cool race. It's the, a good uh, race. And, and I think it goes through count again, but if count again doesn't win, it's got price written all over it. And, um, you know, I think, I think subconscious will be around the morning line. I think law professor might be the one that gets away a little bit higher than we think. And I think mm-hmm. there's some hidden, hidden value in there. Let's close things out with the big cap of race number 11, a mile and a quarter here. And the horse to beat is express train. Express train has won back to back graded stakes races now. And express train was your runner up in this race last year. <clears throat> now, it is worth mentioning that he has not won at a mile and a quarter. He 
His three races at a mile and a quarter Where one of them was really really good Last year and two of them aren't bad He's he's never been in the winner circle there And I, the problem that I have with that Is, is just kind of going through this field I don't know in year if there was anyone that would really benefit all that much from it being a mile and a quarter. I wish there was. You yeah, know, I, I, I was looking. I'm, I'm, I'm so much with you because for some reason I'm not really on the express train yet. Dead I don't know who, who else to pick against express train because yeah. I'm, I'm picking holes through everybody else. I mean, the obvious one that stands out is just the connections is warrant because mm-hmm. it's. Brad Cox and and Pratt decides to jump on the yeah, mount, and you got but... second. So and there's, I, I'll I will be using him in exotics for sure. I, I I just the problem with him is that he's gonna have to improve, no doubt. He in his pedigree is really short, but from from the way he runs, it he seems like he should be fine. He's one at a mile and an eighth. Second start off the bench, second start versus older He came out of that race behind Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon Who are two of the best older horses in North America right now So that was like plenty of positives Warrant will be on a lot of my, uh, a lot of my exotics The one that I'm going to get a little bit crazy with here Is one who I do think distance may not be a problem for him Tapatio, I used to sing this song with B-Mart, Brian Martinez <laughs> Tap into the taste, Tapatio, soy Tapatio So this horse, um, the dam was, uh, this was the first foal from a dam that was that won a couple races And if you look at the last few, so the six and a half, this horse has been okay from the beginning And, and the essential wager race was good, and if you notice, um Disco Ball and Who's the Star were both in really live races. They came back. Then he ran into Shaz, who was the the really expensive Baffert horse that was going six and a half. And then you've got the January eighth race where you stretch out to a mile and a sixteenth. You go the farthest that you've ever been, and you know you just get on the front end and you go gate to wire. You beat Invisible War, who's a next out maiden special weight winner at Gulfstream. The February eighteenth race I really liked because he was a step slow. And he was taken to the back He was just wide, sixth, about five lengths off Three deep, he didn't corner all that well Going into the turn And they just, he he was handled like He's a one to five shot that they know Is just gonna swoop by the field And he did, he kind of just grinded all the way up And then he really got going late And kicked into a nice stride And the end of that race made it seem to me like He's a horse who should have no problem With the distance and he's kind of ex- like got a little bit of upside. You can see him improving in his last few since he's gone a little bit longer. And like you were saying, I start going through the rest of this field, and I don't, I don't love anybody else. I kind of no. know. I know what Spielberg is. If Y Paul Y beats me, he beats me. I mean, if he ships over here and he's like around five to one, and he beats this field, awesome job for Michael McCarthy and stuff. I just don't think he's that good. You know, I I think he was like beating up on some. Okay horses over there and and now he's going to go a mile and a quarter I like stiletto boy see I I, I feel like he's just going to be way over bet Because I just he, you know I don't know how good he is He's just kind of grinds it up and right. I liked him in third last time And I, and he's he shows up and he tries hard but does he want to go a mile and a quarter Right that I mean he's the one that you don't know right because first of all you could say uh, you know the, I don't know if the horse wants to go that far first of all he tr- I mean, he the thing he does have going for him is 
he's just faced monster after monster lately. I mean, you go, you life is good. Flight line, Nick's go Medina spirit. I mean, you know, there's nobody in here. They'd all be one to five. In this and he, field. So and he wasn't Nate, a sprinter ever. Really? Like all of, all of his head running has been going long. So it, it, he was someone who they figured would be a, a horse that would go long. I just, I, I would love him. If he was like five to one, I think because he's faced so many monsters as of late, he'll probably be a little bit over bet. Um, kiss today goodbye. I don't know if he really wants to go quite this far. He felt like he's kind of a nice late running mile, mile in an aether type. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you start eliminating it. The, one, the and, one you mentioned, the one you mentioned is, it, it, I, I, it, it piques my curiosity is is Soy Tapatio just for the yeah. fact that, like you said, this might be the one that wants to go longer. He's the one who's lightly raced that could jump way up. All the rest of him, you kind of know what you're getting already. That's the problem here. And from a and from if you're just playing this race off of like buyer numbers, which I don't like to do, but you know, like right. if you're just looking at and you're looking at okay, how do these horses compete and stack up with each other? If you take express trains Best race out or best races where he's the one that's like up over a hundred, you know, and winning. Even Stiletto Boy, like he ran a one hundred four, but like you said, how do we? We don't know with him. He might be good. He might not. That might just be a good figure because he ran behind a monster, right? And right. he was an also ran in the Life Is Good race, you know. If, like Soy Tapatio's low nineties to mid nineties are comp- are comparable with everybody else, and he's the one probably most likely. To take that step forward mm-hmm. and it and at 20 to one, it's worth taking the shot there because, you know, maybe somebody like Express Train or Stiletto Boy grinds it out and wins. And if that's the case, you know, we probably have them on our ticket anyways, because sure. this isn't to me certainly isn't a single race. But no, uh, no. Just something odd seems like it's going to happen in this last race. I just haven't figured it out yet. I, I agree I hate to say that, but that's it, where I'm sitting. It feels too easy for it to just be Express Train, who doesn't really love a mile and a quarter, right? You know, right. and and he's really honest. And if he wins this, he'll go up over the uh, the million dollar mark. So shout out to him. But maybe and we'll even be... the last time, Gino. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no. Please. Once again, when Law for Professor Chase, if you watch that replay of that race last time, Express Train, you thought, "What's Victor doing?" Because all of a sudden he's shoving. Well, guess what? That's the day that Speed was holding, mm-hmm. and he made sure he got up on that pace early, and Speed just carried along that way. So uh, there, there's just so many question marks in this race that I. You know, I, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm this race. I won't be, I won't be singling. And we should like, there are in the late sequence and stuff. There are one or two of the races, like we said, with the, the beholder mile, where maybe you key in there, or maybe if you like doppelganger or forbidden kingdom in one of those races, you shorten up here. But in this race, throw the, throw the Tapatio horse into some spots. You mentioned Warren, Warren will be on my ticket and, and probably express train. I'll use those three. And then Stiletto boy will be in some form, but they're, yeah, there could this could this is a race where I'm not I'm just not gonna do the chalky single here. I, I just I, I I think that something else might happen. Yep, no question about it. And, and the, the only other one we mentioned and I think is a toss is Spielberg. Yeah. Um yeah, third off the lay, okay, it's Baffert, but really two back. The horse got the ultimate setup. They flew early. It was a small field and it set up perfectly. And then last time he was a great bet against and didn't do much. And 
you know, by saying that I probably just put him in the winner's circle, but uh, I'm going to spread here, but I'm going to leave Spielberg off the ticket at my own peril. Me too. I think so too. He's a, He's like a grinder, but I don't really think he's a smile and a quarter. Yeah, you know yep. I think he's just sort of like a cut below, and he could maybe be underneath spot. We yep. are going to talk all about this uh, a little bit more on Friday at three three o'clock p.m. Pacific time, six o'clock p.m. Eastern time. You can find that on the Santa Anita Park Twitter feed on their YouTube feed. Also, I'll make sure I retweet that and post it when uh, when we go live, and uh, we're going to be hanging out talking about. The different there's an all dirt pick five between some of the races at Santa Anita and at Gulfstream. There's an all turf pick five between some of those races, Chappie. There is a contest that has a pick fifteen. It's free to enter. <laughs> it doesn't cost you anything to enter. All you have to do is just register, sign up, put your name in. And if you pick the winner of all of the fifteen stakes, fourteen of them are graded. And then one more <laughs> between Santa Anita and uh, and Gulfstream Park. You got a shot at five million dollars. And I think even if you don't, some of the people who finish towards the top are going to get some prizes for whoever has the the better finishes. But hey, you know what? Maybe it's your let it ride day, and you go fifteen for fifteen. Why? It doesn't cost you anything. You got to take a shot. Doesn't cost you a dime, so you got to take the shot. And kudos for everybody to 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 try in some different things here. And especially with those pick fives with the 12% takeout, you know, they're, that that's terrific. And, and there's going to be a lot of money paid out that day. So it's going to be a great day of racing. You and I are going to talk quite a bit tomorrow on Friday. And, again, and then Saturday morning. Join us on Saturday morning as well. Absolutely. Give us the plug for the, the show again. We can listen to that on the radio if you're in Southern California. Or you can watch uh, along on what, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all over the place. Yep. At TML AM 830. And we are on AM 830 on on the radio from eight to nine Pacific time in the morning. And we, we, we will be covering all of this. You'll be joining us as well. And I just can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be a long day, but it's going to be a great day. You know, a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll be pumping those pick them contests too at pick them. Those are free to enter that you can have some fun. There's some college basketball, NBA, and then all the, some uh, all involving the Santa Anita Saturday races, just so many different ways that we're going to be having action this week. It's going to be like, you know, some of those, it's like, Oh, I got to make sure to check this ticket, check that entry, check that thing. <laughs> like, what do we got over there? Oh, I got that one's a winner. Oh, that one's done. So uh, we'll be uh, screen to screen in with Chappie uh, all weekend long. Thanks, buddy. Go have uh, have dinner with the family. Enjoy yourself. All right, my brother. I'll talk to you tomorrow and uh, good luck to everybody. It should be a terrific weekend. Make sure to give uh, a Chappie a follow in the uh, in the radio show there. And we'll be pumping stuff all weekend long with Chappie and hanging out, doing some uh, some content with Santa Anita. Don't go anywhere. We're going to continue to recap this awesome Saturday card. Thank you, Chappie. Now let's uh, take a quick run through Santa Anita for Saturday. Now in race number one, uh, I like Adair a little bit. I don't love the post, but with the blinkers coming on, this horse has some sneaky turf form. Cane Creek Road, six and a half down the hill, should fit this one really, really well. You've got Gold Phoenix in here, who's obviously a major, major player. Moving along to race number two, I thought pioneering Papa, whose dam was a, a winner in one of two dirt starts, was one to, to possibly include for Papa Padromo. Taiba is obviously going to get a ton of money in here. Uh, Moritius for Baffert will also take a, a ton of support, most likely. So those will be three that will be in a lot of the exotics for me. In the third race, my little runaway 
was uh, was one to possibly include with some inside speed down low, but I like on purpose quite a bit. Who was in between horses, came from uh, two from the back, about six, seven off, and got a really nice split and closed well late. That was the first start on the turf. That was the first start um, in a couple months and just the third start since August of 2020. Savvy girl Sadie Bluegrass will also be underneath for me. In the fourth race, it's the grade two San Carlos here. Cezanne will be pretty tough. I thought Wicked Trick, if you were looking for uh, one maybe that's outside the box, has some form on the bottom of the page. You know, you could go back to from a class standpoint that would fit here. Eight rings will be a little better on the turn back and distance. And then what do you want to do with uh, Brickyard Ride from the rail in here? That's really what this race comes down to. We move to the Buena Vista, which is race number five. And it's a grade two going a mile on the turf course. I'm going to the outside with Mucho Unusual, who was a runner-up last year when um, out finishing going to Vegas. And back to a mile, this is where she is best. Mucho Unusual. Tony Ann down towards the inside has some good speed. Closing remarks will save all the ground and come running. Sixth race we spoke about with Chappie. Um, I'd lean Doppelganger. And if you're looking for maybe an outside-the-box crazier horse, it would be Happy Jack. Forbidden Kingdom's the horse to beat. Race number seven. The Maiden Special Weight going a mile on the turf course here. Let's win the day for Doug O'Neill. This one ended up stuck inside, kind of buried with nowhere to go on February the 13th. You go back and play off that January 9th race and just project a little improvement for win the day. They'll be right there. Got Thunder is a half to heart to heart, who was a 14-time winner and a multiple grade one winner. A couple other winning turf sibs. I'll be using both of them. Possibly Barnfeld, who's a half to three winning turf sibs. Logical Myth, one of them, who was a, a multiple stakes winner. The eighth race, they'll be heading down the hill. And Zydeco Mama, ultimate high, will be on a lot of my tickets. I probably lean ultimate high there and prefer that one. In uh, we move to race number nine. Spoke about these with uh, with Chappie, the ninth, tenth, and eleventh. I'd lean in Vuitton in the ninth, in the tenth, the Kilro Mile. I like Law Professor. Count Again's the one to beat, and we'll be using Space Traveler along with them, feeling just like they're going to get the trips in a race that feels like it has a lot of speed. Well, Express Train's the one to beat in the big cap. But I'm going to give Tapatio a little look. I'll give Warren a, a shot, Warrant a shot also, and then kiss today goodbye in some underneath spots. I'm not quite as high on Stiletto Boy, who I think just maybe a little over back coming out of those races where, yeah, he, he ran okay, and maybe he just keeps grinding up in here, but it, I think it's sort of tough to gauge, so I'd want a little more of a price on him. That's Santa Anita for Saturday. Let's head on over and get to some Sam Houston for Saturday. Race number one is Arabian, so let's head to race number two, 25 non-winners of four lifetime. I thought the six, it's my money. Second start off the bench, puts two together after some layoff lines. Could be a, a price to include along with Casey Tismoro, and then the seven, Sugarfoot and Bling, who Sugarfoot and Bling uh, is coming out of a couple of allowance races last time out, so I'd stack him six, four, seven. You wanted to go a little deeper. I mean, Wonders of His Love comes off that long layoff. He's really quick, but he might be worth playing against at a short price. The one eyes on red if you were looking for another maybe under horse. 
The third race, 5,000 non-two claimers. I would look towards the outside with the seven Istin Warrior, the five Warriors Haven, third starter of the form cycle, and the one Delirium is the horse to beat. I stacked them 7-1-5 in the third. Race number four, Texas bred maidens, three-year-old, seven furlongs, the distance at a price. The one Wit America on the slight turnback from a mile will be in a lot of my exotics. The one, uh, the, so you'll get the two-for-one action with the entry there. The number six, Bodymore Heath, feels like the one to beat on the drop-in class. You'll get Sport Coat trying to figure out where they really stack up. And 10K, the three, if you were looking to go a little bit deeper, sort of... Uh, Found a, an okay spot at this level last time out. Fifth race, Maiden Specials going a mile on the turf course here. The number eight horse, Levy, has a winning turf sib and jumps on the green for the first time. Blinkers coming off. I think he's going to run really well in here. We'll use him along with some of the other logicals like the two Brick Town. I stacked him 8-2 on top of the three Big Bernie, flashing some of that speed, and the four Brucella off of the turf runner-up last time out. Actually, Finished in front of Bernie. Eight, two, three, four. As we move to first level allowance company in the start of the pick four in race number six, we'll go six furlongs on the main track here. I'm going towards the outside with Oliver, who's going to take a, a nice step forward. You'd imagine second start off the bench in here, and you'll get plenty of time, about a month to recover from that race. Oliver faced first level allowance company, was battling, was involved, and finished third after just getting a tad tired that day. Should be much fitter with that race under his belt. 7-5-1 in race number six. As we move to the seventh race at Sam Houston, allowance non-three, a mile on the turf course here. I'm going to Pyramid Princess, and uh, I will also include Holy Creed there in a race where there's a couple short price horses. I will use those two and uh, try to beat Tahitian Breeze. I, I really like that effort from Pyramid Princess uh, on the turf debut on February the 19th. Just any improvement off of that would make her really, really tough. We get to race number eight, non-three allowance in here, six furlongs on the dirt. The six gets the trip. I just wonder if six furlongs could be a little short for a horse who seems to be figuring out as of late. The eight dial for Dial in for loot will be on tickets. The one Phil Bedo, Philo Bedo, and looking high. Uh, great name. Smoke them if you got them. As we get to race number nine, the ninth and final at Sam Houston on Saturday, a mile on the turf course for Texas bred maiden 25 claimers. The two Moro Savage has that good turf race against Open Company back in September of 2021 to take a look at. And you can excuse that February race. Maybe he needed it off of a few months in a, a tough spot against Maiden Specials. Claim Jumper. Missed that that place. One of my favorites. Ugh, no more Claim Jumpers around here. Great cheese bread and those cheese fries. We'll use Fearless Prince. Very logical. And then Vic Lincoln Lawyer uh, trying to grasp for another time. 2573 in Saturday's finale over at Sam Houston. A ton of racing action, and I'm going to have a lot of videos posted, a lot more content on social media. If you want some help, we can give you up-to-the-date information there. Give us a follow. It's me, Gino B, as we will take you through the past performances and help you out with these Friday and Saturday racing cards. Next up, wrestling with Chad Cooper. Uh, But first up, let's hear from one of our sponsors. So you want to set the mood, you're looking for 
for something all natural. Soy wax, non-toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby, just spell it out. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm -mm. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It is now that time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper and Koopa Loop. We have a really, really busy schedule this week. We are on the road to WrestleMania. We are on the road to Revolution. I guess we could start on over there with AEW because the, they had a big announcement last night on AEW Dynamite. <laughs> in, a, in a joking way, Tony Khan always has a big announcement. Every, every single week. Big announcement, another big announcement, another huge, uh, huge announcement. But this was actually, um, it's not going to be as big of a deal with the in-ring stuff for AEW right now, but Tony Khan has purchased Ring of Honor. And so I think the, the real reason why they wanted to do this was tape library, and now they actually own the footage to All In, the which was like the first show that kind of sparked AEW. So eventually, probably sooner than later, they're going to have a, a streaming service, some place where you can go watch all the AEW Dynamites, probably all their pay-per-views, and then they'll throw Ring of Honor <clears throat> on there. And they can use a lot of the Ring of Honor footage. I think I read like 40 wrestlers that are on the AEW roster wrestled in Ring of Honor, so I don't know if this is this definitely isn't acquiring WCW and this definitely isn't something of that magnitude but for some things that AEW needs to do you know this checks a couple of the boxes here it just seems like the the prefacing the big announcement all the time or, or what kind of gets us <laughs> laughing but I guess it's his job as a booker and a promoter right he's supposed to promote it is hey it pops the ratings for that week that's all that matters right I I am interested in um because, you know, as I've told you before, you know, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about from coming over from the WWE Network uh, to the Peacock app. I, I rarely turn the Peacock app on uh, except for WWE pay-per-views because it, it's, it's not the best user-friendly looking for older WWE events. So I'm not... Uh, my old school wrestling that, that I like was old Mid-South UWF, which is on the Peacock app. I, I'm not a big wrestling historian going back into the Ring of Honor days, and I know that's where a lot a lot of guys and, and gals got their start. So that is not as big as news to me. He's buying that library. It certainly helps AEW sell for a future streaming service uh, a deal. What I'm more interesting is, interested is um, I, I'm under all presumptions that Ring of Honor will go forward here. I don't know when, uh, under the, the Ring of Honor name, even they have a super card, super card of honor show. Yeah. There's already three matches booked on that show. I think. Right. So I'm interested to see 
what happens because not really anyone is under Ring of Honor talent. Look, we still have champions out there. Deanna mm-hmm. Perrazzo is the Ring of Honor women's champion. Uh, they have a television champion. Um, there's all kind of champions. I will be curious to see what all talent he signs. Um, if AEW talent gets shifted over there, uh, which I presume uh, it will be, does this include, does this deal also include uh, the television uh, television contract for Ring of Honor? Sinclair and stuff. Sinclair. I don't know. I have no idea. That's a great question. So that's the part I'm interested to, to seeing happen. Or will Ring of Honor be one of the things where you have to subscribe to? this AEW streaming service, wherever it may be to watch Does it. Does it just become like dark and elevation? It Honestly, could be. It could do you just well like be. put, put it under that name and sort of have it be like what WWE had, it has NXT be. Sure. Sure. You know, so that that's, that's what I'm more interested in. I did think it was, I'll, I'll you know, look, we, we give WWE a lot of crap and there's a lot of crap. I'm going to give them for some of these things that they've pulled over the last couple of shows. But and, and I give plenty of AEW crap, and there was there's plenty to give crap about. Um, but I, I did think it was kind of cool that they did right after Khan's announcement that you have Brian Danielson and Christopher Daniels in a match. That was I good. Had idea that they were involved in the first Ring of Honor. This is really game. cool. You know, I thought that was cool. Yeah, very cool. And if you're uh, an old school Ring of Honor fan, you'll likely have an opportunity now to uh, to. I think in the next few months there'll be a spot for you can where you can watch all this stuff. You can watch a lot of the AEW stuff. You can actually go back if like if you're in the US and you you know you can, if you just download the TBS or the TNT app, you can go back and watch Dynamites on those um, like all the old episodes. Or so if you ever miss watching it or you're not able to DVR them and stuff, you can go back and pull them up on the TBS or the TNT app. All you have to do is download them, and if you have the cable stuff, you can just plug your uh, your um, uh, you can plug your subscription uh, info in there. So cool, uh, cool for AEW who has a lot of the Ring of Honor ties, and we'll see if this will end up leading to a, a streaming service for them uh, sooner than later. So instead of just going through all of Dynamite, let's kind of go backwards. Let's look at the Revolution card. We'll okay. go through. We'll go through what they have uh, previewed for uh, Revolution for Sunday. It's going to be Sunday this week because they don't have a uh, football. So that's the one thing about uh, since since the cons own the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, they never program against football. So you never see them on Mondays, Thursdays. They don't run shows on Sundays when it's football season. And even if like there's Saturday games there. So that's one thing where they um, you, you don't see them doing, which is a positive for them, obviously, because football is king when it comes to ratings. So not running against football will always be a, a good for you. They'll be on Sunday this weekend. Uh, we have two matches that are listed for the pre-show, which uh, first up is Hook versus QT Marshall. He's another one where, man, about a what was it like six weeks ago? It felt like Hook was just the buzz. Everybody was talking about Hook. I think his shirts dethroned CM Punk as one of the top-selling shirts for a while, and and then you just don't see him or really hear about him at all for like a month. Yeah, that you know they they've been known to do that <laughs> quite <laughs> they, often. They do. Uh, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, that you know this this card on Sunday Revolution, um, <clears throat> from top to bottom, uh, if you take the two buy-in matches, which are the pre-shows, um, 
You've got 11 matches. <laughs> this this I, show could be so long. It could, it's I'm like, expecting it, and I'm expecting it to be Hook and QT Marshall. Um, you know, the match should be fine. I just, there hasn't been a lot of interest for me sitting there. And I'm sure that, look, AEW crowds, we, we, we say it every week. You know, for the crap you and I both get from AEW fans, uh, we give them that their live audience, their their in-house crowd is, is about as hot as you can get now. They're awesome. Yeah. They have, they have tapered off. Insert, they're not hot from start to finish because now AEW is taping matches before Dynamite goes live and they're taking they're taping matches after Dynamite goes live for AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation, Elevation. and Rampage even Rampage. some weeks too. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. So it's really, really long, even though I think this week may be live. I'm not sure, but I think it is. I think it may be live. Nonetheless, I think it is because they're doing the, the like the build to the pay-per-view. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause they got that title match, the, the triple threat, which it, that can't, they couldn't a, even fit that on this show. The TBS title match. Yeah, There's no we, way. Yeah. And we have a face of the revolution qualifier. So we still have one more, one more person to get in that match. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and then you have what Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. Scott I gotta Lander. say the the three. So there's this show has the right to be awesome with a it lot does. of these matches it that does. can that can hit. But the one thing that positive, there are three women's matches listed on this show. Negative, all three of them are bad right now. The feuds are bad. They're not hot. Yes. None of them feel like a big deal. So, well, while it's great that last night on Dynamite we ended up getting. Back to back to back women's stuff all in a row. I gotta say, none of it came off all that great. It did, and I don't, I don't know exactly why that is. But Britt and Thunder Rosa, they had an incredible feud months back. Sometimes it's hard to go back to it and get it revved up again the way it was. And their their in ring work last night. You and I are sort of not a fan of. We talk about this too. We're not as much of a fan of. Them having a match, even if it's a tag match, right before they wrestle in a big pay-per-view match, because then you know, you know, hey, you know, WWE does it all, all the time, the time. and, and we rip of them all, all the time. They did again on Raw this week, so you know, let that be known, uh, AEW fans that that give us crap. But yeah, no, this the the tag match uh, that you're speaking of on Dynamite, it, it it wasn't there. We've been missing something. We, we talked. Look, last week we talked about how Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa probably put on one of the most memorable women's matches uh, that we've seen in a long time. Any any wrestling organization, when they had that brutal match, it's just, as you said, it's hard to ignite it. And I don't think this, look, I, I'm going to get negative here. AEW has not booked their champions right. They haven't. No, no. Amen Page, no. Uh, Britt Baker, there was nope. how many weeks did we go without seeing her in person? These taped backstage vignettes. I, so I'm assuming, I'm assuming, and I don't want to make an ass out of you and me, Gino. I'm assuming that Thunder Rosa goes over here. I, do, but, I am too. But I kind of feel like if this is WWE booking, you know, their champions are it, the old WWE booking was on television as right before. The pay-per-view, if you lose and you're back in a match on the pay-per-view, you're probably going over. So Britt loses. Does she go over? I just feel like they're going to turn to Thunder Rosa because 
I'm not saying they're not they're mad at Brick for God knows they're they're not, but something has has been way off here. It's you can feel it. You can feel it. She felt like a lot bigger deal on the shows. And her promos, her promos weren't as good. Uh, she wasn't in the ring. Uh, she didn't work hardly at and, all. And when she does, I gotta be honest, I'm it's not sloppy. as it's it's been sloppy. It's Last been night, sloppy. and and you, and you could say, hey, well, she's on rampage, Gino, and and Koopa Loop, she's on rampage. It's, well, not only four hundred thousand people are watching rampage as opposed to a million people on Wednesday night. Put put those people, and, and, and you were putting Jade Cargill. The last two or three weeks, she's been embarrassed on TV during live matches, and she's got a championship match with Tay Conti, who, if you don't watch the promos or, or follow on social media, which not everybody does, even though most a lot of people do, you wouldn't even know they're in a feud. I know. You got you it. Know? That's the thing. And I was um I was talking with a fan um of uh, someone who's just, I think, really into AEW because we're fans, sort of everything. We recap all the shows here: WWE, NXT, AEW, and I think that the the problem that we're getting is we're not they're not like developing and improving all that much. Like Britt feels like she was a better wrestler like six months ago than she is right now. I don't know what absolutely what it was like last night. There, her and Ro- Thunder Rosa had a was really awkward back and forth for people who have worked with each other a lot and who have had some incredible matches. It was, it, it was like really um, like slow. You could see they were setting everything up. It kind of felt like choreographed. Like, oh, I'm gonna swing and miss. You're gonna duck. I'm gonna duck here. It wasn't, it wasn't like really flowing. And I will give, I will give credit. Um, the the Jade Cargill when she came up and she inter- interrupted uh, Ty Conti and she says, nobody cares about that karate shit. That made me laugh. That did make <laughs> me laugh because she was talking, they're all talking about her. She's got a, a belt, a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and she's got this and this. And she just, nobody cares about that karate shit. Get out of here. That, made, <laughs> that did pop me, but um, I don't, it feels like they went, okay, we don't have enough with the women right now. So let's throw, a lot of the stuff on the women for women out there, but let's not. We didn't really build any of it up all that well. Yeah, especially Statlander and Hirsch, right? You it know, that's like a double of, turn. It, it, it does. So if you go to Cardgill and Conti, it's. It, do you think they're taking the the title away no. from Cardgill this quick? No. 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 So that goes to the. Let's go to the the third match, uh, the piece de resistance. Uh, the women's championship match, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, and it definitely feels like I think you and I are both in agreement that Thunder Rosa is probably going to be the champion here. Yeah, I think so. I think there's been very little buzz for Britt, and maybe, maybe if they want to turn Britt into a babyface and have her chase the title, maybe that would be more interesting. Because, like you said, it got boring. What, what Britt was really hot, really buzzworthy, but what what is there to cheer or to get excited about what she's done in the last few months? There hasn't been, and no, I don't nothing. think I don't in, in AEW. I don't think that's their mo right now. Is for someone to lose the belt and chase after it. I think it's the next person up, and that's that's the one thing that that I've kind of I I, I don't like. I, I look, we don't want to see the same matches over and over because we WWE beats that into our heads a lot, and the, and and they and they do, and it seems like it's really safe. We talk about that. I don't like WWE being a safe, but that's their MO. I don't get the feeling that if Hangman Page loses the title, 
or if Britt loses the title or if uh, Sammy Guevara uh, loses the TNT championship, that these guys are in a program chasing. I, I, I'm not saying that Britt Baker is going to get knocked down the, the ladder. Uh, uh, she's not. But in past you know, experiences with AEW, when somebody loses the title, look at Christian Cage. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's got a qualifying match with Ethan Page on Rampage for the face of the Revolution match that's on the pay per view, but we, we don't you don't see or hear from these people much anymore. He, I he believe would, he's had one he match on TV you know? in in 2022. Yeah. Um, so I, I, one of the I, for me at least, just one of the gripes um, or one of my critiques with AEW is. We we kind of were calling this as it was happening. You you can't keep bringing everybody in. You can't because and, and that's you, what they're going to look. Do you have to sign Cesaro? Would you uh, look? I know we're we're getting no, but we're talking go ahead. about the yeah. Would you sign Cesaro today? If would you absolutely one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But here's 100%. the problem: you've done you've already done this the past. Eight or nine people. Let's Isn't, let's start back to Ruby Soho. I know. Okay. What about no Andrade? He was that guy too. Where did no he go? to be found. Uh, uh, Malachi Black was the guy who looked like he was going to be a title contender. Now he's so there was, Black, look, He was in a promo this week. He's not even. You know, it, he it's lost just, clean last week. He hadn't been in. They didn't go into either of the tag team. Battle Royals to get a shot at the tag team titles. Why don't they care about winning any of the titles or win? So I understand creatively, he probably gets to enjoy what he's doing. But this is another one of those things where the mystical, sort of dark, spooky Undertaker kind of Bray Wyatt stuff is is cool for a little bit, but it sort of has a shelf life because then after a while, it sounds like every promo is the same. It does. You, you kind of get to this like, oh, okay. You know we're we're the real scary people, and we're evil. You know, just it's kind of the same thing, and you you sort of need to be grounded a little bit more. So I'm, um, that's a that's a major concern that I have is that Tony, from everything we hear, Tony Khan seems like a really good dude and a really good boss, and that he wants to make this a place that all the wrestlers want to come and work. And have a good working environment And he wants to treat them really well You're not going to be able to do that with everyone But I think he genuinely feels like he tries Like you hear him talk and you just listen to what Vince was saying And Vince has been doing this for so long He said, you know, we're public now I'm not worried about if somebody's child is sick And if they have to pay the bills I can't really have to worry about that when I'm running a business right. I've got to worry about what's What's going to be best for my business on TV? Who's making money? That sort of thing. Whereas Tony is the opposite. And of course, who would you rather want to work for? I'd want to work for the guy like Tony, who's going to care more about you. The issue is now kind of creatively, you bring all these people in and they're all awesome. Like a lot of these people should be stars. They should be top guys or gals. They should be winning all the time. That's why when they don't, it's like, uh uh-oh, there's the same thing that people were saying in WWE with them. Well, how come this person's losing or how come they're not on TV as much or wow, I can't believe they're not getting more time. We're starting to hear that a little bit on AEW and I don't it, you and I unfortunately have to be in a spot where we're kind of like, "Oh, look, I told you so." And it's not because I'm like I don't want to see good wrestling on my TV. It's because we could see the same thing happening. You get into a situation, this is what WCW did years back, and I don't think AEW's got a money problem or anything, but I don't I think if they would have just taken 10 to 15 people initially 
And for a couple years, those are the people that we do everything with and we build around. That's probably the best way to do it instead of just bringing in, bringing in, bringing in, bringing in, bringing in all the talent. You're never going to be able to get them all on TV. You're never going to be able to get them all really good storylines. Dude, when they do good storylines, this MJF Punk stuff we're going to talk about in a minute, it's fantastic. It's great. That's what what concerns me about this Ring of Honor deal. How we much? were we're probably going to see some AEW rosters uh, roster spots on Ring of Honor. There's no way that they're going to be completely separate either, right? There's I mean, no way there can't be. They were doing all the Forbidden Door stuff with all the other companies. How? It, and here's, not, what's, it, here's what's even interesting. You have Deanna Perazzo as the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, who is under contract at Impact. And look, Impact did have that agreement with AEW. You know what does she do? Um, this is, uh, you know, as you look at the state of wrestling now heading into this big weekend, because I know Impact has a show on Impact Plus. Uh, you have the big revolution pay-per-view. Rampage is live on Friday night. Um, the WWE is gearing up for Mania. They have a big Madison Square Garden show coming up here in, in a week or so. You have to start asking questions when is enough enough? And as we've seen, one company, WWE, just start, just start cutting, cutting, releasing. And I hate to, I'm not saying fat as these people were legitimately fat, but they started cutting like there was, there was no tomorrow. And then AEW is just doing the opposite. They're just buy, 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 buy. And you start looking at supply and demand. And I'm talking about real world stuff in wrestling. You just said it. There's not enough hours on television. For these guys and girls to be in because we're starting to see most of them on both shows. Um, but they do they look when they I'm sure they're invested in a lot of things, but you can tell when they really, really have something. Mm-hmm. And this show, I'm looking at this at this show. I promise you right now, the biggest thing on this AEW revolution card, and if I'm speaking out, I want you to say I don't, you know, because you and I are in agreement a lot because we're, we we kind of come from the same mind frame. Okay, mm-hmm. but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. The most I'm looking more forward to the Punk MJF match than anything. Now, look, I'm not the hundred percent. I'm not the biggest dog collar chain match person in the world. I, I used to see those matches a lot in the in the Indies because they were real gimmicky. But the storyline and this past, you know, last week when we were slamming MJF for this stupid promo, he swerved us. Yep. We gave we we gave you that option. He swerved us, and now they're going to do that. It, that is far more important than Hangman Page and Adam Cole, and it shouldn't be. I'm not saying it shouldn't be on the same level, but it shouldn't be. You know, Brian Danielson and Moxley is probably going to tear the house down, mm-hmm. right? But the one thing I feel more invested in is CM Punk and MJF. MJF. They just been and, doing such a spectacular job with it. I th- and right, this is another one of those situations where I think. I don't know how they get there or what they do, but in the next two to three months, MJF's got to be the champ. He has to be. It it just opens up so many other interesting doors. Like where you think about Hangman Page right now, and you sort of slot like, okay, let's say he beats Adam Cole. If it's not MJF, what else is out there that really, really gets you all that interested? I mean, is a Punk Page cool? Yeah, I guess, but. MJF going over, blasting Hangman Page, taking the title there, and then you've got MJF 
With all of the other baby faces Think about all the guys that MJF's already got crap with You can go back to CM Punk With all the stuff that you've built You can go back to Darby Allen. You've got all of these baby faces That just make a ton of sense For MJF Moxley Wardley, his own guy Moxley, obviously It feels like a really big baby face Who's got a lot of, you know, a, a lot of steam right now There are a, a lot more baby faces That you feel kind of Coming up the ranks that f- that would be a good foil for MJF. I think MJF should win this thing. I think MJF should go well, and win the win the title. Honestly, he, he has to go over CM Punk then. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I do, and I, mean, I wonder. And, I, and it concerns me. It concerns are me. Are we? Are we with the Wardlow stuff? Is this all like going to be another big swerve? Is Wardlow in on it again? Are we going to find out that it looks like Wardlow is going to come out and help him? Help CM Punk win, and then he's really there for MJF because that I I feel like telling the Wardlow turn would be better when MJF was the champ. Yes, and then that could get you a bigger guy as a a hot baby face. Mm-hmm. You could have the moment where MJF says he fires him, and, and then, then it, it's an automatically storyline. That's your first. That that's your that's your first storyline with the champion. Yeah. You can finish up what you've got with Hangman Adam Page And then you know you're out there Flaunting your stuff and Wardlow gets pissed off Or there's a match that you have and he doesn't help Whatever it is but that's easy built Right there you've got boom Punk, Wardlow, Darby Or guys that you can throw right at him Sammy, there's another one, boom You can get a lot of the young guys a rub in a title match Against MJF It just feels like that's that's the way to go You can get Hangman Page Kind of back into the stuff with the Kenny and the Bucks And they can tell that story a little bit more Because right now unfortunately he just He doesn't feel nearly as hot And that's going to be the main event They've said that I believe that's going to go on last Hangman Page versus Adam Cole And it should because it, it, it's the AEW World Championship I just hope we don't uh, You know If CM Punk does go over I don't think it really does anything for CM Punk, but I don't want MJF the following Wednesday, you know, saying, um, you know, I'm done with CM Punk. I lost, you know, now moving on to the world championship, because if if is there any any inclination at all through your mind that Adam Cole wins this title on Sunday night? He's more over than Adam Page. I'll tell you that my if. It doesn't feel like it. It, it doesn't feel like does it. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. The only thing that, if he does, I will just keep going back to. Why did you have him lose that match to Orange Cassidy? <laughs> if this is the guy that you're going to have pegged for your title, and then the rebuttal will be, well, that match was a non-sanctioned match. It's like, well, we saw the <laughs> match. It was on TV. It was the main event. We all saw it. Please don't. And like, this it schmozzy at the end. Yeah. Or does it? Or does it? You, because you. That's the thing about the the the. So some of the matches on this card, you look at and you let's go. Let's talk about the tag team championship because that could be you, really schmozzy. You and I are both into agreement that the young bucks need to have these titles again. Don't you? They got to be having them or in the title feuds, or else they just don't feel. I, poor Jungle I, Express. When it, uh, what have done. we seen from them lately? I mean, they're we. Done. I'm under the impression it, it it might be Red Dragon, so this drags out with a I few agree. Young Bucks. That's it feels like Red Dragon wins, yes. and then Young Bucks and them end up battling over these titles for a little while. So, so those two teams get involved in this main event. Yeah. 
it, it's got to be I, I I think so And I think that leads to something more With them down the line So that's what's The tag team match Maybe Christians They're on the side But I don't know how how much schmozzy That'll need to be That'll get Because you've already got a three way And so you've already got the six there But as far as the main event is concerned You could have combinations of any of them Hell Kenny Omega Even sure. if he's not ready to wrestle If he is what, Does he pop back up And I don't know On one one side or the other For the Jericho Kingston match I mean that could be really schmozzy With Santana and Ortiz out there The Punk MJF with Wardlow and Sean Spears That thing could be schmozzy So this is a company that doesn't necessarily Have a lot of those on their pay-per-views They usually try to have kind of cleanish finishes But we'll see if they'll be able to do that With with the way a lot of these matches And and the the card is sort of booked So we hook QT um, QT, which I heard the other day, he's like Tony's right hand man. I didn't ever, I didn't really, really know that. He's like oh, one of the uh, the Stooges. He's the Briscoe Patterson. You know, he's going to be out there in a bikini at one point. We'll see QT Marshall uh, doing his thing. Statlander and Layla Hirsch. That's on the pre-show. Jade Cargill, Ty Conti. We went through that one. The six man tornado tag team: Andrade, uh, Cassidy, and Matt Hardy versus Darby, Sammy, and Sting. I think just a way to get these guys on the card, right? Because at the moment. They just don't seem to have a whole Sammy sort of doing the uh, the TBS title thing, but Darby and Sting have they've noticeably felt a little bit. Oh, yeah. And you know we don't have a whole lot for you right now. We're just kind of going what's through in, the motions. Yeah, what's interesting is Darby is in the triple threat for the TNT Championship on Friday, and Sting, Darby, and Sammy are tagging. Uh, you know, do you see Sammy keeping that title? The TNT championship on Friday night Yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel like either of them Have been sort of built enough to win it I mean, it's a bigger It's the biggest deal on Darby I think if he won, it would feel like Oh, okay, Darby's got the title back And it would be a big deal again I mean, maybe Like, Andrade still just doesn't feel like Like anyone that they've Got a real reason to get all that behind I don't know if this is something that people have said Maybe this is teasing the way Jeff Hardy Shows up on this show and maybe he's in there For Isaiah Cassidy at uh, at some point I don't know if that's a plan But there has been talk about When Kenny Omega returns About um, they're going to add a trios Championship I was hearing Uh, Trios titles So we'll probably get another Which you know what I will will say This is one company that actually It's not that bad to have another title Because they got so many people that They They got so many factions right Yeah, They do they have tons of factions they could have a lot of those. Uh, I, I don't. Re- I don't remember the promotion. Uh, it was years ago, but there was a faction that owned the tag team championships. It, but, you know, the Freebirds could have done this multiple times, and I think they did throughout the territory when when the Freebirds were Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and and Buddy Roberts. I remember if Michael Hayes couldn't be at Mid South this Friday. Um, Buddy Roberts and Terry Gordy would defend the yeah the they did the, the Freebird rule they do the the any two yeah, of the three yeah I think so de- I, I think that, Demolition did that a little bit too yeah and, I, uh, I I yeah. like that and you too. have so many you have so many factions and teams that's that's one thing I would suggest them do so it, that will not be a problem at all the triple threat tag team title match Jurassic Express I mean Jungle Boy was it like a year ago he was getting a singles match against Omega for the title in a main event it was. And it was like, oh wow, they're really And that's unfortunately the problem is that When you keep signing all these new And 
the people they're signing are talented, right? I'm not saying it's a it's a a bad idea to sign them. It's a bad idea when you have a lot of other really good talent that you want to push and then you sort of can't because now Darby, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, they're not getting nearly as much TV time as they did before because when there's a new person that comes in or you know someone that you want to start to build, you build you got to bring them in, you got to give them a little bit of TV time and so it takes away from some of those guys. I think you got to be careful because those you want to keep those young guys happy. Those were the dudes that made your company a little bit different and unique from the beginning. MJF's getting all the time in the world and all the focus in the world, but Darby, Sammy, Jungle Boy, be careful with them three because I'm sure WWF, WW, I say WWF, I was doing a Summer, <laughs> SummerSlam World 97. Fund? I was the doing way. SummerSlam 97 the other night. So we were. Uh, <laughs> the World uh, Wildlife Fund, Gino? The pandas, the pandas. Yeah. The pandas it just said, the panda you know, me. Uh, you talk about young people. There's 11, there's 11 matches and you have 34 of your roster working this pay-per-view. And I don't have time to count it now, but there's a lot that are not working this pay-per-view either. And that 34 is a lot for a pay-per-view. And if you just take the, you know, just, I I can think of 10 off the top of my head um, that are on the roster that are not on this pay-per-view. So, you know, it's, uh, look, we know the show's going to be good. It's just, there's a couple of these matches that are going to be really Really, um, and some of these matches should get some time. Uh, Moxley, you know, let's talk about Moxley and Brian Daniels. Yep, yep. So, this match has to have time, right? You and 25, I, 25 30 minutes, it, it's got to have time. So, um, I, I think they've done a pretty good job here. Um, I didn't kind of like Danielson, hey, we need to be a team, and Moxley saying no, but regardless, those two guys are so good at what they do. It doesn't matter what kind of storyline build they have coming into this. Um, they're going to put on an excellent, excellent show. I don't know if it's going to have a lot of blood and guts, deathmatch stuff. I don't know if Danielson's into that. I know Moxley is, but I well, it's weird because they said they've been mentioning blood, blood with, with this feud. So how can it not? Like they said, we bleed together, we bleed, and then we bleed together against each other. So that, um. It feels like there should be blood And with as hardcore and aggressive as Brian Danielson Has been, this should be a win For Moxley, yes. it should I mean, yes. Mo- Brian Danielson doesn't need The wins right now, and I don't Think, I don't think they're gonna end up Teaming together, I think that was, that's kind of Just sort of, maybe down the line, but it was sort of Like a, just a way to, to ignite This feud, but this should be fun This should be really good, and unfortunately again Like this feels like a bigger Deal than the title match Absolutely, one hundred percent and Moxley is more over right now I think Moxley is kind of in that spot where People want to see him do well right now This guy just went through some struggles He had a lot of personal issues and demons He came out, he was honest with everybody He told everybody what was happening And so And he's hot, you know, he's hot again People want to get behind you It's um, It's hard to To sort of Fabricate something like this You know it's not then the natural Storylines are the best ones in wrestling When sure. when you, when it just gets this Hey we're gonna we're gonna try to get you to like Roman Reigns but you know what 
we want to go with Daniel Bryan instead. That's when it's the best is when the fans just sort of feel like, okay, we're going to get behind you for whatever reason. And right now it's a real world reason that the people are, are very much behind Moxley. This should be a, a great match on the card. Jericho Kingston. I'm, I'm not sure how great the match will be. The, the promos have been kind of fun um, back and forth. I I'm more interested in this now than what Jericho was doing for a couple months. Some of the Lambert stuff. Wasn't all that great It kind of was These two guys cutting promos on each other are cool And you you feel like Santana and Ortiz have to have some Kind of involvement in this right Yeah that was this would be a schmize uh, Finish to a match uh, I don't see this one going More than 10 minutes um, I, I just don't Because If you look at I, I don't know how it's going to be laid out I, I don't know the tornado tag That was put in here that's to get Everyone a match. We still have the face of the revolution ladder match to talk about. Um, they've been entertaining because both of them are very well on the mic and they'll do fine. This will be the smile, a, a schmaz finish. Santana Ortiz gets involved here. Um, I don't, I don't expect it to go long. I don't expect it to go long. Who goes over? I don't know. I don't think it, it should be. It, it should be Kingston. I think, it, I mean, and if I think for, so too, because I think Jericho's at the point in his career where he can lose every match and people are still going to love the guy. Yeah. And he can help put, put get these guys still. over. Yeah, yeah. Give him a little bit of a rub, get these guys over a little bit. That'd be a big win for Kingston. It, it would be anyone weeding Jericho is a big win. Even at this point of his career for a lot of these guys that are coming up that have never been in that, you know, Big promotions and against the top top stars, getting wins against guys like Jericho are are, are huge for them. So uh, let's see if they uh, they give the ball to Eddie Kingston here. We've got the face of the Revolution ladder match: Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Wardlow, and then it's going to be Christian or Ethan Page. Okay. Now, before we talk about the match, who's it going to be? Christian Cage or Ethan Page? <laughs> say that ten times. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I mean. Does it matter? It it doesn't matter. Um, Ethan Ethan Page in this match before. Remember yeah. his debut. Debut. He lost. And Christian feels like it should be Christian with the ladder match stuff. You know, right. like he's got the whole background there, and he can be the veteran worker. There. The problem is there are two guys in this match that shouldn't lose. Wardlow and Keith Lee. Keith Lee. So now, first of all. With Wardlow, you can you can tell a story with everything he's got going with MJF. Hell, Sean Spears can be a part of this, and maybe he is the reason why he doesn't win. Something like that. If you don't have Keith Lee win this match right away, he's done. I'm telling you right now. This thing we did the, we said the same thing with Ruby Riot, and and it was the it was opposite. So right. It was the opposite. So right. Because yeah. when she did get put in that match to win that match. She won, and then she lost immediately to Britt. We knew that was coming because she wasn't going to lose to Britt. Keith Lee either has to win this match and go win the TNT title immediately, or he shouldn't have been in this match. Yeah, because MJF's already told told Wardlow, you know, I'll take that, you know, I'll take that title away from you. Yeah, and yeah, that's what he said last night. He was like, okay, if you win, I'll let you actually keep it. You know, like you're gonna. And then he made that comment. Like you're gonna win, you know, so, and then he, yeah. he gave him a and look. So that kind of led me to believe that hell, he might win this thing. Me too. You it know, sh- it should be Wardlow. It should be. And look, I, I look, I'm not one to judge by any means, and I will get some hell for this. It's coming. Um, you know, Keith Lee's only been on our TV in the ring how many times? 
once, unless I'm mistaken. Okay. Um, Keith Lee, Keith Lee just, uh, Something looked off with him and his promos. He looks bigger. And, and look, it yeah. happened. And it Wade happened Keller's been talking about this too. It, look, it happens in life because believe me, I, I, I was 305. I'm tall. I'm 6'5. You know, I hold it well, but uh, I was able to lose a lot of weight. But as I get older, I was able to lose, you know, 60 and 70 pounds three years ago. Now I'm 47. Keith Lee's not. But man, just something, something just didn't look right with him on television. I know TV adds a lot of weight, even though it never did with you, Gino, because you look like Harvey Whippleman. You're so skinny. You know, you, I, did, the, I do got the Harvey look, yeah. yeah. Just, well, I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying, you, you know, you, you're you're going to be skinny for the majority of your life. You have those genes. I, You know, I we, we eat pies and chicken fried steaks down here in Texas and, and, and all kind of stuff, but something just... I don't know. I, I would think going into this match, I'm with you. Wardlow should be the winner. And if Keith Lee doesn't win, he's going to be in trouble. I'm just telling yeah. you right then now. We're, we're already seeing like, again, I have no, I like Ricky Starks. I think he does a good job. Oh, I, I'm his number one fan. I, I think he's a great promo. He's really good in the ring. I loved him when he was doing the NWA stuff before he came into AEW. And I think he does really well when he does uh, on Rampage. He's on commentary and stuff. He's yeah. a good He's a good like heel commentator on there, but he's not positioned all that high on the card. And so now you've got Keith and him interacting with each other. I'm a little bit worried that something happens and we end up going, you know, Wardlow wins this and we end up going Keith Lee Starks, Starks. which they've laid that foundation. And they now all of a sudden it. it's like, uh oh, where does Keith Lee feel like he is? Because this was uh, the complaint for Keith Lee. When he got pulled up from NXT was like This guy's a star he shouldn't be losing to anyone He came in right away and beat Randy Orton In like five minutes right. In one of his first matches And then he had some physical issues He had uh, injuries There was a bad COVID stuff with him That's another thing that's at least worth mentioning Remember sure. he had a lot of like Health issues So it might Everything that we're saying could be very correct, and we're not saying it in like, oh, hey, Keith is fat. We're fat shaming oh, no, the guy. Absolutely not. The guy no. might have been having some problems in the last year, getting back into shape physically, like getting back to the place where he was because of some of the COVID long haul stuff. Because of, I think it was heart problems that yeah, he was had. It's hard to do at any age, man. I don't care if you're an Olympic athlete. It's just hard. It's hard. And then to you do. get a little older, and then you get something like that in the back of your head when you're pushing. Uh, you know. Uh, now he's married and he's got a things are a little bit different, a little bit more important. I'm not saying Keith Lee's done or he can't have a run. No, no, but but, but we we you and I both know, and it's out there. WWE has a different regimen than AEW. I'm not talking about these guys and girls don't work out because they do work out. But I tell you, I, I've talked to many that's there now that used to be there. Um they put you through the you have you have stuff you have to do every day in that company. I'm not saying you do the same thing or they don't have that that regimen, that plan in AEW. It may not be as important to go do this or go do that. And there's a lot of things. Look, it's coming out that Samoa Joe had a, a lot of his issues was COVID-19 related mm -hmm. that, that yep. we're just hearing about. So you have you have a very valid point. The point we're making is here. If there is some underlying condition and he doesn't win, that's one thing. But if he loses and you and he goes by the way of Ricky Starks, 
we're in trouble. And I yeah. love I'm his number one fan. Because if he, like you said, Tangman, uh, Ethan Page came in, lost, boom, he's never really, On. you know, yeah. he wasn't quite as big of a guy as Keith Lee or a big of a star coming in, but Andrade was a guy. On the circuit, you know? Yeah. How about Andrade was someone who people thought should be the face, could be like a top, top guy in the company. Why isn't he someone that can be wrestling for the titles? He was an NXT champ. He came in, nothing, very little from him. He's got a couple good matches with Pac, but Malachi came in. Malachi could be a top-tier championship guy. How about Kyle O'Reilly? He doesn't get treated well. Bobby Fish, they don't get treated well. I mean, they're a tag team. It's the same thing they're doing here as they were before. But look, Malachi Black's not even on the pay-per-view. And that's so frustrating to me. Don't give because me that. They can't give me that. Okay. He was one that right when he came in and did the stuff with Cody, he felt really yeah. hot. And then as soon as Punk and Brian and Day came in, it was like, oh, he's old, old news. <laughs> old news is uh, we get to, well, we mentioned Brit and Thunder. We already talked about that one. We both feel like it, it does Feel like the time for Thunder, unfortunately, yeah. and we're the biggest yeah. Brit fans in the world, but they have not done a great job with her over the last few months. And um, the Punk MJF one is—I'm a little—we might get a lot of blood on this show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this match is going to be like I was a little nervous with um the MJF Punk stuff was fantastic. Uh, the, oh. the the storyline the A plus. Uh, his, like MJF, I'm I am the devil. The, the greatest thing the devil ever did was convincing everyone he didn't exist. You know, and I am the snake, and I am gonna show you all. Like it was great wiping the blood. That, I mean, in the COVID era, that's a little, uh, you know. But he's wiping Punk's blood across his chest. But dude, I can't remember seeing someone be that bloody it that quickly. I thought that like I was worried that they gashed an artery or like something got hit. Punk yeah. was crimson mask within 30 seconds. It wasn't like it had been a match that eventually he's gushing blood. He went from, oh my gosh, he's bleeding to where he's just drenched in blood. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, you, <laughs> uh, uh, with a dog collar match, there's going to be a lot of juice. There just is. Um, and we've already said Brian Danielson and Moxley, uh, we're going to have some juice. Um, somebody in this ladder match, uh, may get some juice. I, who knows with hangman page and Cole, I mean, we've seen hangman page, just crimson mask multiple times. Um, I, I did not like heading into this. I did not like hangman and dark order losing, uh, on dynamite going into this. Does that tell you that the opposite's going to happen? If you know, well, you got both of your you got your women's champ and your men's champ losing. both getting pe- both so, teams losing. I don't want to hear it anymore for anti WWE people that say, "Oh, this how ha- you know, blah, it, you know, because it just happened. It just yeah. happened." So th- this is again, we always talk about you know things are important uh, for you know we talked about NXT 2.0, you know, War Games, how important of a of a pay per view. We're getting to the point now. Look, we're not. I'm not saying we're not saying AEW is done and all this. They're not growing. No, they're not growing. You're not. You're. You're seeing eight hundred to one million each and every week, and they're not really growing. And I'm not saying that they want to grow, but th- we're not seeing. We're seeing them sign people. They come in, then they get put on the back burner. Watch them on YouTube. 
Maybe watch him on Friday night. And now maybe watch him in Ring of Honor. I don't know. I, I just feel like um, we've given them a lot of free passes now. And I feel like this is a very important pay-per-view for AEW. Yeah, honey. Again, honeymoon period sort of over. You know, Cody left. People yeah, are going to start to leave. Cody, We're going to get Cody leaving. That they jumped the shark. That that honeymoon period is officially over with him leaving. It's going to signal a little bit of a change. And the one thing where I'm, if you're a really hardcore fan of something, and you are going to always watch it and support it, it doesn't it doesn't do that product or that company the best if. Even when things aren't great, you tell them that they're great because then they think that they're never really doing anything wrong. It's it's actually good. Like, I love horse racing, but I I critique it all the time when there's things that are wrong because I want it to be better. And when we critique AEW stuff, it's not because I don't like it. It's not because I don't enjoy watching it. It's because I look at what they wanted to do to be something different than WWE and – when I see that they're not and that they make some of the same mistakes that WWE might make, those are the things that we're hitting on. Because I, consistently, when I'm watching wrestling, if it's AEW, WWE, NXT, New Japan, Impact, whatever company it is, any independent, the same things are going to either excite me or bother me. I don't care what company I'm watching. I think there are too many people that are watching right now and they're really excited about AEW because it's new and they hate WWE for what. Whatever reason and it probably is a valid Reason for why you don't like WWE Or you got sick of them or tired of them or whatever It was but one thing That you'll get from us on this show Is that if there's something done on Mondays and Fridays And then AEW does it I'm going to either like it or not like it It doesn't matter what the company's Name is that that put on it like I'm And you're the same way like we're we're consistent About the way we like wrestling presented Booked um Basic really simple formulas You know I think when it gets too Too convoluted that's the things Where we're like ah, I don't know if everybody can Follow what's going on and so that's You know for all the the critiques And all the, the gripes that we'll have I think we have them ab- about both And we praise them about both I think we Just sort of for me at least I sort of hold AEW up to a little bit higher of a Standard right now because they kind of came In going hey we're going to be different Yes right we're going to be different than them We're going to be better than them we are going to be the best So when they do the things that you're like How is that different That's where I'm Because that's what they said from the beginning They said we're going to be the alternative We're going to be better We're going to be the one The place for all the real wrestling fans So Good point. You, you, you've opened yourself up to a little bit more criticism um, that, That's you know That's A-E-W A big weekend coming up for them With uh, With Revolution any last thoughts on the card uh, before we shift over and start talking some WWE? No, you know, I, I, again, I think it's a pretty important, not, not to saying that not all pay-per-views are important because they are, because you want as many eyes on it uh, and they're doing it uh, in perfect timing. I don't know if there's any award shows going on Sunday night. That's not the wrestling crowd. Um, they will dominate social media. Um, I, I think we're, we're getting here to a, a, an important part of their, as we're in year three, I believe, for AEW, where some some changes uh, need to be made. And I think they start here. Um, if they don't, I, then it's just something we're just going to have to cope with and uh, and deal with AEW. Um, as we go into WWE, I do think it's interesting that, you know, we talked about this uh, 
before today with Vince McMahon, you know, being on the Pat McAfee show. This was what his first sit down interview in how many years? You know, 25, this, yeah, 25. 30, this thing 30. is trending number one. In and the Pat McAfee's going to have a match. And, you know, we, we kind of felt that he, you know, look, whether you like McAfee or not, you have to respect what this guy has been able to do for himself. It's mm-hmm. like Matt Cardona, who was fired from the WWE, right? Zack Ryder. This guy has, he's done everything right. And look, whether you Pat like, McAfee makes more money a year than AEW does. He got a deal look, for his podcast. With, like he yeah, is, is, his rights yeah, deal yeah, is for more than what AEW makes for Dynamite and Rampage. Yeah, and look, FanDuel. <laughs> The guy has a massive following now. He he's he's trend setting. Uh, every day he's having. There's people going on his shows, pro athletes, uh, and breaking news what they're going to do and do that. So, look, you've got two two nights to sell out AT and T Stadium in Texas. And uh, is it something that wrestling fan, pure wrestling fans, are going to like? No. Entertainment, absolutely, and I guarantee it's, you know it's kind of like the barstool sports people. You love them or hate them, they draw a crowd. You know they draw a crowd. And, and McAfee, we've heard that he was going to be involved, and I think it's pretty cool that that Vince McMahon, uh, you know, is going to let him have a match. Now, who's it going to be? You know, I have is it Triple H? I mean, remember he he had his feud with Adam Cole. Yeah. You know, Austin I, Theory. Austin Theory. He's got be, the ties you know to Vince, Shane O'Mac. Austin Theory, you know, that interesting on Monday night, you know, Theory asked, do you need security to go on this show? Mm-hmm. It was perfect, right? Look McAfee at you. Could, I like right? this. Big bucks, you know. That's why, that's why I make the big bucks. I'm a, side, big bucks. I'm a side consultant for WWE. Didn't you know that's why you and I always talk such positively about WWE? <laughs> or such, so we're such why. WWE homers because I'm getting paychecks from all them all the, the time. The is out. The work <laughs> I've been worked. We've been worked. Uh, we've all been worked. I've outed it. I've outed everybody. Back down from uh from last week. We uh we got Ronda Rousey early on. Uh Ronda Rousey came out. She's gonna be in the babyface Ronda and her and Charlotte set up the continue to set up the build for their Match, but we're actually going to get Ronda versus Sonya Deville coming up this weekend. Uh, this week, I believe, right on SmackDown. Yeah, and I like that. I think it Me was too. a good. Op- yeah, I thought it was a good opening segment. Uh, you know, the crowd was hot. That you know, lo- again, love or hate her, what she, you know, what she is or what she's not. Rousey has she's brought a lot of eyes and ears uh, to the wrestling world, and uh, the crowd was hot for. Her. And I-, I think it's going to be a hot. Smackdown crowd for her and Deville It's going to get schmozzy But anytime you have Ronda Rousey in the ring Anytime she's she's Booked in a storyline she needs to be on TV and she needs to be in the Ring whether it's wrestling or cutting a promo Not backstage right Not not doing tape promos absolutely It, It was a hot start to the show Yep this was good really good stuff there We found out that we're going to get Ronda and Charlotte Main eventing Saturday night Night one of uh Wrestlemania uh, wow, um, Los Lotharios versus the New Day. Um, Look, <laughs> the match was great. The match is really good. These the guys have chemistry. Is it's like, yeah, what are we doing here? Is this been the <laughs> third we, week in a row that we've done this? Yeah. Do we? I, and look, it wasn't this. It look, it may have been better than the previous two, which I think it was. 
again, it just feels like we don't have anything for these people heading into WrestleMania, and we should. I know. Co- Kofi, Biggie, even Drew, you know, who, yeah, feels like Corbin. You have a couple of your, you know, you, a lot of the SmackDown stuff, which is really interesting because we sort of could sense that when they made the, uh, the, the, the shift to the, yeah. to Raw, you know, when they had the, um, the, the brand split or when they, when they did the, uh, the draft back. But yeah, this is a bummer. Kofi and Biggie get the win. They celebrate. And, um, wasn't somebody almost getting ran over by an ATV? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, that was. And then we got the kiss cam too, right? Did we get that too? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Lothario's kiss cam. So <laughs> we checked in with uh, Nakamura and Boogs. We checked in with the Usos a little bit. Um, Sheamus and Ridge Holland feel like we're getting a little. Maybe we're getting something there with the New Day. Right. Sheamus and Ridge Holland, but I mean that's a WrestleMania match. Ugh. I don't, I don't know. Um, we have nine or ten each night, maybe eight, eight to nine so matches each night. Um, maybe it is. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, just a bummer because it it feels like, and like, what are you gonna do with the Usos? Yeah, because we we've got another match with them that was supposed to happen at. Elimination Chamber, they're defending the titles against the Viking Raiders on SmackDown Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, look, man, it's look, SmackDown used to be the show. Regard I know Raw is the flagship, but SmackDown has been very disappointing since the, they they got they got they got shafted with this draft. Yeah, there have been a the we you could you could sense it when you looked at the card and that they were gonna have to really do a good job. You know, making some people feel like they were a big deal and sort of rehabbing them, and they, and they unfortunately haven't done that. Um, no, look, there's been a lot of you know, other than the Roman Reigns, you know, that storyline is is just been phenomenal. But if you go and look at at the rest of the roster and the rest of these shows, you're only having three or four matches, a lot of promos. I thought Zia Lee and Natalia, I thought the crowd was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Zia gets the win. We well, again, it's. This was, this she this felt yeah. like how they would book someone like Tony Storm, where it's like Zia Lee would come out for a few weeks, look awesome, have this incredible entrance, and then where's Zia Lee been for a month, right? Month and a half, six weeks right. we haven't seen her. But one thing they have done good in is freaking Sami Zayn. Man, Sami's been the so crowd good. was hot for Johnny Knoxville. I thought he would get booed out of the building. This was this was that was a hot segment. It and, really was. You know what? And so move I mean we're we're going to get a Sammy. Do you think we're going to get a Sammy Knoxville one-on-one match at Mania? Well, it probably so. I just hate that out of, well I don't hate what's out of this, but if you are uh we know Ricochet's not going to win the title, but you're you're getting a Ricochet Sammy Zayn. I love that. Championship match on Friday night and you it look that will get some time. If that, that will get time. A good solid 15 minutes. I don't know what will. It, and you know what See, it would be the best if it was like Johnny, if it was like a ladder match. Sure. It's Johnny Which and, it it, it and maybe be. maybe it is, and, and you have him have a spot with Sammy, but then you don't have to have him worry about winning the match or being involved in the finish of the match whatsoever. You can ha- you can have them have the fun spot, him have him have a WrestleMania moment, get pushed off a ladder through the table or whatever you want, you know, take his big bump. And then you could actually have like some of the guys we're talking about. Maybe you have like, man, how cool would it be if it was like Sammy, Kofi, Big E, 
um, Ricochet. I'd, I'd rather Drew McIntyre. Drew, Drew, Drew in the mix. Drew, Sheamus, and Ridge. Like all of those guys. That's a ladder match right there for the IC and title. Look, and not every baby face can go over and have their mania moment. But if you if you're going to do something, have Johnny Knoxville be the reason that Sami Zayn drops the title to one of yep. these. Guys, yeah, you know? he. This could be the Matt Cardona moment for Ricochet. True. You know, like, or he wins the t- the IC title, you lose it to a few days later to tell your story, but maybe you give a babyface a big moment. Think about it. You could have Boogs and Nakamura involved in some way, shape, or form. There's a lot of people on that. And even if you wanted Corbin and Madcap, you know, like, those are people that are all in that IC range. Give them something to do, something that's interesting. And maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the ladder match there. But I am pumped for Ricochet this week because you know why? I don't think he's going to win, but Ricochet is, has won two or three matches recently. Yeah, and it's going to be a good match. You're, look, SmackDown, regardless, uh, uh, well, as I'm looking at some of these times, you know, the tag team match got 10 minutes. Zaya and Natalia got four. Uh, Sasha and poor Shotzi, who we were all pumped about, only got two minutes, and I was disappointed. But we, at least we got something out of that, which we'll get to in a second. I think this match will be good, and I think it goes 10 to 15 minutes on SmackDown. Because you got Sonya and Ronda, which probably won't last too, too long. I assume Ronda would just, you know, Sonya may schmoz it a little bit, you know, and jump out of the ring or whatever. Charlotte's going to be involved. Uso and the Viking Raiders, you know, this will be their blow-off match, you would think. I don't think the Viking Raiders are going to win. Um but Sammy and Ricochet could main event this show and tear the house down. That'd be give a, give them a shot. Give them a shot there. Yeah. Give them a little time. Why not? Um, you you hit on the uh, Sasha getting the win over Shotzi, and so now it looks like the uh, Sasha and Naomi are going to be heading for the women's tag team championships. Which it's funny. I don't know why. Like why can't they? Put their women's tag team championships On the show they just don't know what to do With them this happened all the way back with the Iconics every team that Wins the titles it was then it Was Alexa and it was Nikki and then They lose the titles um, For a while it was Rhea and Nikki they weren't doing anything and then they lost To Selena and Carmella now they Never wrestle they never have matches On TV you've got a loaded Women's roster why not give Us Five or six tag teams with a lot of the women that you have doing nothing. Just put them in a tag team. You've got the titles. It makes sense. Why can they do this on NXT, but they can't on the main roster? I don't help know, me out here. I, I, no, I can't help you. And Queen Zelina, <laughs> Queen Zelina is having matches on main event. You know, uh, Friday night on Peacock app. Um, here's what's what's mind boggling to me. I, I thought this would be good to get. To, to get the titles over to Carmella and, and Zelina, good hills. And here you are with Carmella and Corey Graves, who they've been just pushing and pushing for this, for you to go to WWE's YouTube page to watch these shows, which have been really, really entertaining. Especially last week, they were trending all day on Twitter. And then Carmella's not even, she's not even on the shows. Her, you know, Corey is because, you know, he's a play-by-play guy or a color commentator. I don't. But Carmella's not even on wouldn't, the show. Wouldn't you want her to be sort of focused in a match, like defending the titles, but, and you can yeah, play you can a little package? Yeah. I don't. Oh, you have to do. I don't know. I, I just they overthink things, and it sucks. Um, but Carmella and Corey have been, or Corey and Carmella have just been. That, that's great getting to see them two interact. It's funny. 
it's funny. It, it really good. And uh, but if this is a way, we're gonna again. I feel like Naomi and Sasha will win these titles probably at WrestleMania if it doesn't take, you know, in two weeks though. I, I, yeah. They may win next week, um, and then you'll you know you'll get them going on Raw and SmackDown. So it'll be, uh, you know, at least you're putting somebody together, and it's good to see Sh- Sasha back and her be healthy. And Naomi's kind of now outside of the Sonya Deville thing, so maybe she's a, she feels elevated now. Yeah. Naomi, she does. Yes, you know what? Does. They did a good job. The what they did with Rhonda and her, it worked how they wanted it to work. It I think did. it helped her get Rhonda over a little bit more as a baby face because everybody loves Naomi. There's nothing not to love about Naomi. She's been sort of in a st- in a storyline where the boss is treating her like shit. She's she looks cool. She's like beautiful, and she's got this great colorful. Like she's really athletic. It's like. Why wouldn't you like Naomi? She's a perfect baby face. So you you stick Rhonda with her. Rhonda gets a little bit of that baby face rub. But what it does is it pulls Naomi up. It's like, oh yeah, she was in there with Rhonda and Charlotte. And you know, remember that match she had with Charlotte a couple weeks ago? You know, she feels like a big deal now. And maybe this eventually leads to a Naomi Sasha. Yeah, you know? and, I'll, and I'll tell you this: if they win the tag team titles, Sasha Banks ain't going to be held off TV. No, that and that's no. that's what's good for Naomi is yeah, that. Not- they should get a good opportunity to to go back and forth and, and get on the TV quite a bit. So uh, good for them. We saw Drew get the win over Madcap there. We, they, we've had them uh, go at it quite a bit now, and I like Madcap. We do. He's been growing on us, but we've had a little. We've had enough with the uh, the Madcap Drew. It feels like four or five times they've uh, they've continued on. And uh, how do we finish up? Well, yeah, with the uh, the the Brains bloodline. Bro- yeah, yeah, the contract signing. Um, this stuff has been good. I mean, the Roman Brock, it's really interesting. And it, it all comes down to really to me, Brock, because Roman's been good for a long time, but you can tell, we can tell for the last six months, Brock has been really into what he's doing. And you he, can't, hate on him. you can't hate and say, Oh, this is a part-time guy. Well, maybe he is after he wins these titles or whatever, but he's been there every he's week to build this. He's all been the it. last three, four pay-per-views, you know, every he's there weekly. All of the gripes we had about Brock before, they're not really gripes anymore. No, it's not guy, like he'll do longer have, matches. He'll do main thought, event matches. Gino, do you really – who would have thought – we know Brock Lesnar is bigger than life, so he's going to pop wherever he goes. But didn't you think without Paul Heyman, he, 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 you thought maybe for a little bit he would feel a little bit less important? This he guy is taken off as a baby face. It's the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite. He, when he came back with that mullet, I'm just like, okay – this, or, you and, know, this and the is, cowboy like, hats and stuff that he's in, he just he he feels for the first time in a while like he's having fun, and you can f- you can feel it through the TV with him. Like he's smiling, he's walking out. If the guy's not enjoying himself right now, he's doing a fantastic job as an actor. Because yeah, but when we see angry Brock, it looks like we're going through the motions. Yeah, just, you know, getting his paycheck. Suplex City, and then we're going to the house. This right doesn't now, feel like that. It, like he looks like he's having fun getting. W- one of the cool things I talked with Kurt Angle about. Um, it reminds me a little bit of this. Was Kurt said, you know, when I came into WWE, I, I wasn't funny. I had no sense of humor. I didn't joke. I didn't cut jokes. I was serious. I was a wrestler and stuff. And and I just would watch. I I just had to. I just, I just had to be a jokey guy or else it wasn't going to work. Like I had to show this different side of myself. And then you watch Kurt Angle. He's hilarious. 
It, listen, I listen can't name dropping. Name I know. Look at me. You know when look, I was talking to Kurt. Style. You know what? You know what Kurt told me. Uh, you know, Cuba. Yeah, look, yeah. look. You know, Mr. Angle. Mr. Angle. Blood, spoke. sweat, and uh, blood, sweat, and tears every week for that's what. <laughs> what that's what oh yeah, when I talked to uh, uh, the Olympian, you know, who, who broke his freaking neck. And, oh, uh, <sighs> in a community, you know. Hey, speaking of cowboy hats, how great was the opener? of raw oh with, my god with, with kevin owens hey him and him and seth as baby faces this week they, were they just they're doing nothing wrong so that that opening but, segment with those two and for the record chad gable man dude, he, he, he could be i don't know what his ceiling is right now but if you told me in six months from now that Chad Gable was like the Intercontinental champ or the U.S. champ with Otis in the background and he's doing the heel shtick, I don't think that's weird. You know, maybe if he's if you said he's the world champ, I'd say ah, I don't I still don't know if they are. But you, they don't let guys or people on their roster open shows with mics like that, talk and trust them. They trust week, him now. Yeah. Week after week. Dude. He's doing the shh, 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 the shh, 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 and then you know he does the you know, and Kevin Owens kept saying, "Can't you tell what you're doing there? Like you can't tell what you're, you know, that's pretty, it's pretty annoying, you know. You see how you say it in a weird way. It's like a shh, 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 you know. He's doing that. It, it's funny, and it's one of those things where this is it's Gable. Like this is material that you could give to other people that wouldn't work. Seth and KO are great, but in this. In that scene, Gable stood out. Sure he did. He was the one that I'm like, wow, you know? Well, it's all about this comedy. You have to – look, five-star matches are great. We talk about it week in and week out. And, yeah, if you're in person, you want to see that. You know, you don't capture someone. We watch shows. We watch reality shows, movies, whatever, to be entertained. And I'm not saying five-star matches aren't entertaining. But for the crowd that WWE wants, they want stuff to be very entertaining. And this guy has been very entertaining. Great stuff. And I think they mentioned, I think they had him mention that he has never had a WrestleMania match because he's going to. I can't imagine that they don't have a match in some way, shape, or form. Maybe he's not winning or whatever, but they'll either be defending the titles or fighting for the titles. Because I think we're all sort of assuming that next week, KO is going to be split off into a feud With someone from Texas And that would leave Seth Rollins open for Possibly a Cody Rhodes or whoever, Yeah you know. it, 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 was, it was an interesting night for Raw That segment, you, you know, you had KO We can dissect everything But KO, who's been Absolutely fantastic um, He mentioned uh, JBL And HBK you know, and we we seen JBL talking a video, and I think Booker T, who's from Houston, Texas, talking a video. Listen, guys, they're throwing you off, okay? Unless Randy, and we'll talk about this match of Street Profits with Randy Orton and Riddle, which did not end. That the Street Profits were not supposed to go over in this match. We, no, that was a botch. It was unfortunate. It, a botch, and we had an injury. So, if I hope or, Randy's okay, I, fingers crossed. And yeah. I haven't heard or seen anything. By now, you would think so, and. By next Monday, we'll know. I I wouldn't think that if they if if Orton is out and we had to go the route where you know 
Seth and KO are in this tag match. It's a bu- I think they're throwing you all off. There's a reason why he hasn't mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin yet, right? You know, you want to wait. You want to delay it. You want to wait. You want to bring it on a little bit more. We still have some time before WrestleMania. I thought it was a little early to have Brock and Roman um, uh, sign the contract. Um, but there's a reason why that Kevin Owens hasn't mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin yet. And I think he Absolutely. will relatively soon. It'll be after this, after this, what we're having a, a, a triple threat, a three-way for the mm-hmm. titles uh, next week on the Raw. I, I think it'll be the week after that when we go our separate ways. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's really interesting, but the players have been fantastic there. We got to look at uh, Omos. Omos uh, uh, backstage. Poor T-Bar. Uh, Omos gets a squash and because T-Bar is good, man. Yeah, he like is. Dominic Dijakovic, like he was the, fantastic in Ring of Honor, and he was a stud on the Indies, and he had a really great match with Keith Lee and NXT, and the guy could go. He just got saddled with that ridiculous retribution gimmick, and it'll take him a while to get out of there. But the, he's good in the ring; he can go. And you know, Omos is probably getting set up for a, an Andre the Giant Battle Royal win, right? <laughs> probably. 39 seconds here. AEW fans, you know, stick with me here. Guess what? This sucked. I hated it. Yeah. There you go. Just, no, no no, good here uh, on that one. And that's probably where we'll see a lot of those guys that we were talking about oh, on yeah. SmackDown in the in the Battle Royal, you know, the which is unfortunate. We, uh, we got Becky, Dewdrop, and Nikki versus Bianca, Liv, and Rhea. Now... Here's what's weird about this. I get it, right? You know, but this is why it, it's weird when you book Becky and Dewdrop as heels against each other. These two just fought a few weeks ago, <laughs> right? And right. over and over, and now they're teaming up here. Um, and somebody said, "Oh, it's her. It's Becky's stable." No, no, it's not. What? I, what I, I, yeah. One of the one of the one of the announcers, one of the guys on commentary. I, it wasn't Jimmy Smith. I can't remember who it was. It, this is not a stable. It's not. And it's unfortunate that they look. The match was fine. Um, I I thought they pulled the ending off. We knew Becky wasn't going to take the pin, but I love the spot with Bianca. With the hair, man, dude, that was her. A well, and what's good? See, I didn't mind that interaction as much as I did with like the the Brit Thunder yeah. stuff. One yeah. because that match is coming up immediately this weekend, and two. We got very little of the Bianca Becky stuff, and it was that's how it's supposed to be the the heel running away afterwards. Like I don't yeah. want any more of this. Not like a standing tall back and forth in the ring that sort of takes away from the match. This makes me more excited to see Bianca go crazy and whip Becky with the hair. That was a fantastic spot, and yeah. that was there was nothing fake about that. What do we get next? Rude Champa. That's where we were, I think. And uh, look, hey. Uh, Tommaso with uh, with new music. I, I would assume this guy is about to be a part of the main roster for good, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's um, going to be in. I don't know. If, does he have a match maybe with Finn Balor, or is he their U.S. title something? You wonder if he's in that range because it's well, sort of you yeah. Know? And, you know, he's got this next week on NXT. He uh, he's in this this triple threat with with Dolph Ziggler and Braun Breaker for the NXT title for the championship. So, um, Tommaso and Rude, it was short, but it led to a, a pretty darn good opener on NXT 2.0. That was one of the best tag matches I've seen in a long time. It was just and it was cool seeing Ciampa oh, in the Steiner oh, in the Steiner gear in the not, 
that and you talked about it a couple weeks ago. We got Rude's glorious intro we, on it. Oh, it was How really well was done. That? It was a yeah, great, great start to the show. We'll talk about NXT in just a few minutes, but Ciampa picked up the win there. Uh, Dana Brooke and Reggie get the win over. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no one meaner than Tamina and Nakira, and Tamina's putting some smooches on Takira. We got a lip lock here. Her hands were bigger than his face, and I'm like, oh my god, this is <laughs> it's like keep the, uh, up with who's on on screen dating between NXT 2.0 and, and Raw. You know, there's everyone, someone's dating someone. Then Dana Brooke put a smooch on Reggie. That's yeah. what set off Tamina. She goes, well, I can do it too. Like the episode of Seinfeld with the woman with the lobster, the man hands, and oh, she's the cracking man. the man oh, hands. Yeah, I she's, saw that the other night. It's fantastic. She's cracking them there. Jerry's <laughs> oh god. Oh <laughs> Tamina and uh Akira Tazawa. Here's the thing. I never like this kind of stuff when it's really quick, it doesn't bother me. No, it like, doesn't bother me. It doesn't that's offend what, me. When it you know, takes 30 minutes, that's when it bothers that, 100%. me. Hundred percent. When it feels when it like it's a waste of segments. Multiple yes. segments, but you have a three hour show. If you're going to have five to ten minutes, sometimes one segment where you have these people come in and out, Reggie's kind of entertaining, it's goofy, it's nothing great, but it's it's a wrestling card. You're supposed to have a little bit for everyone. This is yeah. one of those things that that is sure. sort of that. The Mysterios versus Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, and uh, Shelton and Cedric end up getting the win because of the Miz distraction there. And Shelton ends up rolling up Dominic. So the the um, Mysterios were in the ring, and Miz is kind of taunting them afterwards. So yeah, I, I mean they're continuing to set up this feud with them. This, like we said, two nights. You you probably need fifteen matches. You know, fit between fifteen to twenty matches on those two nights. So we know what they're going to have here: the tag match where we'll get to see Logan Paul. Uh, out there and and I'm sure we'll get Dominic and Ray doing the 619 And having their cool moment where they uh You know they they are the baby faces And they get to uh to have their little uh Little Wrestlemania celebration Moment together yeah since they're not Going to turn on each other I think Wade Keller Said this I he pointed it Out um it was cool because Monday night uh during This match or was uh, uh With Shelton and Ray Mysterio In this match it was 19 years ago in 2003 when Ray and Shelton first wrestled each other for the first time on TV. And it was in 2003 when Team Angle, which was Shelton and Charlie Haas, beat Ray and Billy Kidman on SmackDown. Let that take you back to yesteryear. Wow. So pretty cool. Wow, that is pretty cool. Yeah. We, um, we then got the Street Profits RK, bro. You mentioned how we had to kind of have a... An audible at the end of that because Montez Ford, when he does the leap on the uh, the uh, frog splash and he gets incredible air, he got so high that he, he couldn't really control himself when he came down. He landed on Randy's shor- uh, shoulder, and oh, so yeah. You know what? What's what I like too? I I did like that it was just hey something's weird, something's goofy. Um. We got it. Like, let's just call it here. Don't don't put him back out there to to try to finish the match and get hurt. You know, like everybody sort of could see that something goofy happened. So don't throw Orton back in there and have him over and over. Like, you know, put himself in in jeopardy again. I don't. It's his wrestling. You can call it the match if someone's hurt. We can re, we can explain it away next week. 
AEW got in trouble almost got in trouble a couple times with this with the uh the match with Sammy and Matt Hardy. Remember when Matt had the bad fall? Yeah. But it was like it was part of the story that they couldn't really have him lose, so they had to finish it off. So you you can't worry about your stories if it's gonna come down to someone's health. We can always go back and and retcon if need be. And the final two things that happened on Raw, I liked. I liked a lot. The problem that I have, they shouldn't have put them back to back. You got two back to back heel turns. We did. It seemed really weird. Why don't you just put one of them? Earlier in the card, in like the middle of the show, and then one at the end. That was my my and only I, real. I, and look, I loved the Damian Priest. Me too. I, I thought loved, it was great. Look, we we we've been asking for it. They've been teasing you with it. Remember, they call you Damian one week, or they call him Damian a couple of times in a match, and then Damian Priest, then Priest. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you get him. Uh, he he's kind of been kind of stuck a little bit. He wasn't as hot as he was last year with. With Bad Bunny coming up from NXT, even though that was kind of laughable. Bad Bunny's an international, you know, star. But I thought this was fantastic for them to do. I hated the placement because it kind of took away from Finn winning the title a little bit. You know, I I thought that did. I thought it was, I was fine with the turn, but I thought immediately going into Edge ending the show and by God, what what he did to to AJ, I'm with you. This I thought this could have been kicked off the, you know, it could have started the show or right after, you know, the, uh, the, the and, mm-hmm. yeah, with Seth and KO. I'm with you. Yeah, that was my, bo- I like both of them. And it's great because now you got Edge, now AJ and Edge will have, instead of just having the respect match, we'll get a fun build for the next month between the two of them where they can sure. really get evil and go at each other. And Damian Priest, like you said, he, for whether it was his fault or the whatever when they started doing the Damien stuff, we could tell that they were gonna go in this direction. He is a bigger guy and he kind of feels like he'll probably be a better heel anyways. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He, you know, he, just yeah. it, it kind of just fits his body type, his who he comes off as. And this is great for Finn. This is perfect for Finn. Finn needed something. Finn, if you don't want Finn to be your guy, Finn should be your Bret Hart or your Shawn Michaels mid card champ. And this like, guy is going to give you quality matches every time he's in the ring. And he Absolutely. will be one of those guys that does the U.S. Like, I guarantee he'll be doing the U.S. Open Challenge at some point soon, you know, after WrestleMania. That that, that should be a perfect Finn thing. Bring a bunch of guys out. Let every week people know that Finn's going to have a cool 15-minute match with someone that you may not have expected. You know, oh, and so that would Gino, be great. If If Damian and Finn is not a rematch at Mania, which I don't think it is or it should be. What are we doing at Finn at WrestleMania? Is this kind of a plan B for someone? If they can't, if somebody gets hurt or can't do it or whatever, do we see a KO and Finn uh, type deal? W- what would you like to see? What would be your ideal booking for Finn Balor with this with this title going into WrestleMania? Yeah, if, if Finn and Damian isn't a match, I think Finn and I think putting Ciampa there, who you've been sort okay. of building, building and just letting. That's Even if he show. doesn't win and like they two can have a really good match, that's fine. I don't mind. Like, give him a WrestleMania match. Um, sort of looking around the rest of the card, I wonder. Like you said, the KO and Seth balls are the big one that need to drop because those two guys. When we figure out next week that okay, they don't win that tag match. Now it's probably going to be Riddle and Orton versus 
you know, Gable and Otis at Mania, and then we know that uh, KO and Seth need places to go. Well, they probably go to Austin and Cody, but you're right. One of those guys could be perfect here. Like Seth Finn would be fun again. Yeah, and and KO. Look, KO and Finn have a lot of history together. So So Seth and Finn. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a plan B there, and it you know a letdown on paper. If we look, we may not get Cody Rhodes. I I don't know. Okay, we, we may not. If you don't don't feel bad, it's like oh we're getting Seth and and Finn, or if Austin doesn't come around, oh we're getting Kale and Finn. That's that's a that's a show stopping type match for me. I, I I think that's that's a match where if you're you want a five star match, those guys are going to give it to you. Let's do NXT 2.0 We head on over and we will Kick things off with Braun Breaker and Champa versus The Dirty Dogs is, uh, <laughs> You were right this was, Dude this was great this was it fun was You had some cool things here Just Ziggler being in NXT Makes it feel a little bit bigger as a guy who was A world champ who's uh, who's Down here and you've got The, the fact that they were wearing the Steiner Um Singlets were fantastic. The and barking, you know, the barking, the 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 entrance song, glorious. They were just this checked a lot of boxes for a really fun tag match to open the the show. I, I'm actually, if they wouldn't have done this match here, I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have put this on one of the WrestleMania cards, even on like you know on Saturday in the card early or Sunday early in the card to get another match to fill. You get. You know, a couple of your guys from NXT up on the main roster. You get people a little sneak preview at Braun Breaker. It helps bring Champa up onto the main roster with a couple of guys. I think it would serve a, a lot of purpose, but they probably don't do it now since they've already done it. This was good, man. This was a really good start to the show. It was the the crowd was hot. Everything checked every proverbial box there. Um, I, I'm a huge Dirty Dog fan. Um, you know, Ziggler is so good at what he does. And you don't mind him him losing these type of matches because that again that's what these guys are there for. I'm not saying there's there's not a whole lot left for them to do, but if you are under contract and you want to put on a good show, it, it, we talk about Brock, you know, ha- having tons of fun. It looks like Dolph Ziggler's having tons of fun too, and, and that's what you want to see with, with guys and girls on your roster. You want a chance for them to shine and have fun, and uh, it, it was a hot start to NXT. I agree. He looks just a little rejuvenated now. There was a lot of stuff on the show that I liked. L.A. Knight, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> so great, man. He's such a star. Uh, we're gonna get a last man standing match next week. This will be. This is the blow off, right? Yeah. This is it. We talked about it last week. These two probably not gonna wait till till Mania weekend. Stand and deliver. I, I think L.A. Knight. I'm not saying. I have a feeling he goes over Grayson Waller. I kept thinking, okay, Grayson's going to, you know, bury LA Knight. LA Knight goes up. I kind of look, I want LA Knight to go up. I Me have too. a feeling that maybe Grayson Waller goes up at some capacity because Austin Theory has, has, you know, hasn't been in a ton of matches, but he's done a lot of good things. This thing with McMahon has just been, has been really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be the blow off. I don't know who goes over. But whoever does it, I could see them going up and having something on Mania Weekend uh, outside of an, the NXT Stand and Deliver show. I could see one of them being on the Saturday or Sunday card. Absolutely. And 
keep in mind at the end of the show, Carmelo mentions that there's going to be a ladder match for the North American title. Maybe we get we could I could very easily see Grayson and LA Knight being in that match. Yeah, and I could see either of them win it. I could see hundred percent. Sure, they, and, Car- and Carmelo again is is another uh, uh, playmaker. That guy is ready to go up. Dude, he's a star. He he's a he star. Just, he he comes uh, every week. You feel like he's making huge strides, and he's Dude, growing. Remember the first week, it was like it was um, this, this is tough. It was bad. the whole show was tough. Even though he I was the premise, he, this guy's two, a star. The two that stand out are the toxic attraction promo and the one with Trick and Carmelo, and they Absolutely. were. The, they cut those promos in the ring where they were they were standing out there, which for felt like thirty minutes, and and they were like kind of lost, you know. They they kind no of were crowd their, reaction. When the crowd is dead, you're in trouble. Yeah, right? they were kind of losing their train of thought too. It's like they were kind of going around in circles. But give me, give me Carmelo, Trick, L.A. Knight, Grayson, Pete Dunn, and um and uh, and Carmelo or, or Pete Dunn and uh, Grimes. Yeah, Grimes. That's it. Yeah, Cameron Grimes. Toss. That's fantastic. That's that's a that's a hot start to put him in. The, give me the ladder match there. And the reason why I don't mention Tony D because he seems like he's going to have an opponent. He, yes. he mentioned an opponent that he will be wrestling someone, and they're going to be sleeping with the fishes. That's what they're going to be doing, <laughs> sleeping with the fishes. So, uh, Tony D, man, um, good to see Tony D cutting a little a uh, little promo, a little vignette. We'll see him coming up in the in the next few weeks. We got the women's dusty first round match, Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai versus Indy and Persia. I kind of get a kick out of Wendy and, and Dakota <laughs> Kai. I do. I do. This like crazy Dakota Kai who sort of doesn't know who she is. I'm liking and Wendy <laughs> Chu is, you know, Wendy I'm, Chu. <laughs> I'm a fan of funny, goofy stuff. When it's in addition to being able to flip the switch and go and work in the ring, absolutely yep. not. Not when it's if you don't instead have the other, of it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Because then when the person has to go and they can't, it's like, oh, okay. You get you sort of get annoyed by that. But like, I like the Wendy stuff because when she has to get serious and she does her, you know, she starts to get working. It's great. It's really funny. And I, you know, this I think this is, has been pretty good. And I think they've done a pretty good job with the women's dusty. Tag team classic for a division that didn't have a whole ton of natural tag teams right now that were in there. They had, and I felt bad with Indy because I thought after Gargano and Candice, um, you know, stepped away, I thought, okay, she's this girl's going to get lost. And now we kind of have Indy and Persia, um, and then there's Duke Hudson, you know, who's making out with Persia while he's doing it. He's looking at Indy, who we find out. On screen, they once had a relationship, and Dexter now has gone pouting, you know. So he, you know, I'm sure we're going to get a, we may get a, you know, mixed tag match with those with those four at uh, Stand and Deliver, or we could get two singles matches out of it. So yeah, I, I was going to say that. Had that in my notes. They've done a very good job with putting certain people together and them working out because the ones that didn't work out last week. Lash Legend and Amari Miller, uh, that was tough to watch. And she was stretchered out. You know, I didn't know this. Uh, Amari was stretchered out. This match should not been a should have been on the show. No, this was this was bad. I I didn't like this. It was really it was really clunky. It was um, 
unfortunately, it did. There, the one thing you can you can sense, and when any wrestlers aren't like fully comfortable, you can see them like planning out what's about to happen in the ring, right? Like sure, you can sure. you can watch them and you can see them thinking about what they're going to do next, and it should it's never feel that way in yeah. wrestling. It's too telegraphed, right? You, you can it's see like, them waiting, or they like slow up the, their steps, or like you know, my I'm not moving as fast because I'm a little bit concerned. I don't want to trip and fall, or I don't want to really hit this person, or like I got to make sure I can do what's coming up next. Like you said, choreographed is exactly telegraphed. It's like a dance where you could see people practicing their moves. You know, like what 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 the routine is, and in with. A lot of times, I feel like it happens with the women a little bit more than it does with the men. I think um, I get that you, you know, Ty Conti has some matches that are like that, where you kind of like, you can see that she's got like plotting out what's about to happen. This is exactly what Brit and Thunder sort of looked like the other day. Sure. Um, on Wednesday night, it was like, oh, they're they're this is a spot they want to do or they want to try that, but they want to get it. Just and um. This was really bad. You're right, uh, Mari and Lash. This was this was this was brutal. We did get um, a match. I'm really getting into Solo Sokoa. Yeah, I like this and guy, I was, man. I was concerned about this particular match. Me too. How they, I, I, I didn't want it to be schmazzy. Um, that's the word of the day for me. Um, I, I didn't I didn't want this to get hanky panky, and I was concerned who was going over and who may get buried. And I didn't feel that at all after this match. I thought it was good, and it sets up for, you know, a possible rematch that I think they can they could go with. I I, I like both these guys, but I'm really I'm really impressed with Solo. This this is a guy that's got a. Uh, it's just man, it, it's crazy. These wrestling families, you know, go all the way all the way back, especially here in Texas, with the Von Erics. You know, Carrie Von Erich. Uh, may have been more talented on screen, the better looking one, but all the Von Erics, Kevin, Mike, David, I, I, I know they, some of these guys had a tragic ending to their lives, but all of them were very talented. And this family um, is just freaking talented, man. They're just freaking talented. He's got the look, he's got the it, there's just the presence, he knows what he's doing in the ring, and it is, it does help him that he looks like the Usos and stuff, you know, you kind of like, it it does, I think it helps him, and like, we, we have some familiarity with them, and I'd imagine Gunther, is this the next, uh, is, is it Gunther versus Braun Breaker, do you think at Mania, at Stand and Deliver? It's gotta be, yeah. He feels like the main, it's gotta be him, right? It feels like he's the guy. There and maybe you have Champa doing something else on the main roster, in and maybe that's maybe that's what you do. But um, he feels like he should be the one, and that could be a really fun match with those two guys. We uh, we checked in with uh, with Dolph again. He, he mentioned uh, next week the title match, and that's when they made the uh, the match a triple threat. We got Harlan versus uh, Draco Anthony here. We've been seeing a little more with uh, with Harlan and uh, Joe Gacy. Harlan gets the win. And you did mention the Persia indie Duke Hudson, Dexter Loomis. So those they're getting a lot of uh, time with that, and it's love connection on NXT. Yeah, because then you had Brooks and Dunn, right? They were back. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going on with this. That I will say they're horrible. Most weeks they're horrible, and and like I did laugh 
when they were looking at the, the they were looking at the car and they're like, man, look at the rear on that one. Or what did they what did they say? Look at the trunk on that one. Something one of those. And, and it was when Electra's walking by and it looks like they're talking about her butt. But it was goofy. It was like an Austin Powers sort of a thing. This you know, one, I'll say this. Look, they, they've been bad. This one was better and it was more funnier. And if if we get something out of this where these guys are more likable, they'll be more tolerable in mm-hmm. their defense. I don't think we got enough of this. What we got was remember them training at the farm in the woods and the country. Them making fun of themselves is going to be. Yes, this I this will like be better. When they play into the the they're fact more that they're likable because yeah he said what do you mean I've room. never been I've never been with a woman so take that and it's like <laughs> yeah they're kind of like you know you, we've all got a friend or we know someone like this so if they right. can, if they if they can keep coming off this way they'll be more yes. likable it's and relatable more, it's more authentic you you hit it exactly like this is so, this feels better than the country concert thing they were sort of doing a few weeks ago. Where he's like just a loser with girls. Everybody's got one of those. But they just they just strike out with the girl, and you're it's like your friend, and you see them. They're trying to go talk to a girl or whatever, and, sh- and they just keep getting. Pla- this is funny. It's it's good, and um, I, I chuckled here. I thought this was a I thought this was good this week. We got Raquel and Cora versus Valentina and uh, Ulisa, and man, those girls have a lot of chemistry. Raquel and Cora, they. They seem to like like each other a lot. They came out, and I liked uh, the entrances where Raquel's out first, and she does her back, you know, her pose, and then Cora skates on out, and they sort of look at each other, and they go in the. It just feels like it does feel like a goofy coming together of friends. So I I think sometimes these can be bad when you try to throw two people together, and it's really cringy. But I thought what they've done with these two girls so far pr- feel pretty good. I think they feel like they should be the winners of this thing. Yeah, and I, it's it's going to be interesting because uh, if you win, uh, you're you're going to okay, get a. So let's say right here, one of them or EO and Kaylee is winning, right? Yeah, because look, we we've got to get someone for Mandy, for Mandy. So and, so one of them wins, feels, the other it, one doesn't, and it, go ahead, Gino. And maybe is it like toxic attraction gets involved in the match? For whoever loses and then that sets up You know maybe the two Of them whoever the two From the losing team to go face Mandy In a triple threat do we get that again Do we get like in the finals Of the women's Dusty is it EO and Kaylee Ray And is it against uh, Gigi and uh, You know the what's um, And uh, JC is it JC and Gigi I think You know we get that Tag team match and then It's Mandy Cora and Raquel again in a triple threat Or vice versa Is it you know JC and Gigi Versus Raquel and Cora And then is it Mandy Kaylee and Io in a triple threat There kind of would make sense I, I, I would rather See Raquel and Cora with I would too Mandy in I the would match too. Then 100% Cora could steal the match You know Raquel could do all the dirty work And, and She could pin Mandy when maybe Raquel's going for the pin, something can happen there and Raquel can't be mad at her. But they sure are pushing Raquel in court. But maybe they're pushing us to tell us that story. I, I don't know. This this is interesting here. I, 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 I don't want Mandy 
to give the title to EO. Maybe it does. Maybe maybe it goes no, that way. It shouldn't be EO and Kaylee Ray should be in the tag finals against GC Gigi and JC. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And then you get because Cora or Jade feel like they could actually win the title. Yes. And from Mandy, and it makes sense. EO. I mean, EO obviously could, but she's not been sort of built as the main no, single star. The only a- problem, yeah, no, the only problem is, you know, she's come out there a couple of times, you know, a couple of weeks ago, she came out there before this tournament started and had words with Mandy, and I think they, they traded blows. Um, I, I don't, stand and deliver, EO and Mandy just doesn't do a lot for me. It's more compelling with Raquel and Cora, but if they lose in the, in this in this tournament, it would have to be because toxic attraction makes them, as you said, and they have to get involved somehow, some way, at least Mandy does. But I think the story is better with, with Raquel and Cora in, in this triple threat, because I, would I agree. Think, I think Cora can steal the title uh, in that match. I think so too. I think that would be good. And it feels like those six women, or I guess, was it seven? What was it? Two Two and then three, you know, combinations of them should be the major women's matches. I think, I think that's the best way to go is, you know, the triple threat and then the the tag match. That feels that feels great, and I hope it's uh, I hope it's Cora and uh, and Raquel against Mandy in the triple threat. Let's see if Gigi and JC, you know, cheat to help uh, EO and Kaylee win, and and then that ends up being the uh, the tag match there. That could be good stuff. It, it really could. Dude, how about they got the they got the banner for Chase U to run through? They <laughs> got the Oh my gosh. That was <laughs> it's something that's so little. How has nobody done this before? I don't know, I was but it's thinking fantastic. about that. It's so easy with the way that the entrance is. How have we not seen somebody do that? I don't know if maybe they have and I can't remember it, but I can't think of anything in like the last 30 years where someone has run out through and it, with a gimmick like this, with a football gimmick, like that would have worked for the Steiners. You know, like yeah, it works for the through. Spears, the Spirit Squad yeah. could have done um, absolutely. Varsity Club, popped. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good. I, I, I popped. I marked out. I, I'm, I'm an Andre Chase you guy. I just am. I am. He lost, but I am. <laughs> I, I like but it's okay. Gimmick. It's okay for him to lose matches like this. Oh, absolutely. Von Wagner's like probably higher on the card. They, they want to push Von Wagner more, but Andre Chase. He should be a middle card, lower card gimmick. Um, dude, how, like in six months, how is Andre Chase not like the 24 7 champ with all the Chase <laughs> people and they're doing some funny stuff, right? With it, like it feels like he could do it. You could have a six or eight months of him doing a bunch of different stuff in the classrooms, people coming in. You got them, R Truth and them, they're dressed up in their Chase U stuff, trying to hide out, you know, and, and they come and get like he would be perfect for that. He would be great yeah. for it. Our truth dressed as the mascot. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> and, Who invited uh, the bear? <laughs> you got a, you got Akira and Tamina, you know, all in the marching band stuff, you know, yeah. pretending and um. You got to get out. That's a mania moment, man. That's right, a mania. And shout out to uh, I believe I read that Drake Maverick has been hired back by WWE, and he's doing backstage stuff. He's yeah, working. and, and I, I've known this. For, for a little while and you know uh I, I wasn't going to to break a and and 
make someone mad, but I, I was told this um, in j- early January. Uh, uh, I knew that he had been hired back not to be on the roster, but they he, the guy is so talented. Um, he's got great ideas. Um, I, and I think he, he's a guy that that will will help WWE tremendously, especially with a lot of this young talent coming up. The guy has always been entertaining. He, he's not bad in the ring. He's just been, he's small. He's undersized. And go back to the TNA Impact days with him and Dixie Carter had all those. Remember, he was he was running TNA Impact with Dixie Carter. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic what he was, he was doing. Great. In the ring. He's very good. So it's good, star to spud. See, uh, yeah, it's good to see old Spud back uh, um, with the WWE. Uh, regardless, uh, if he's behind the camera, he, he's playing a big role in, in some of the success, the on-screen success he has with writing some of this stuff you gotta think man there's only for and now with AEW that's a big positive but for a lot of these people if you love wrestling and you want to make a lot of money wrestling there's not many places to go there's and only- look, look that's what makes former jockeys great trainers uh great agents you know once you get up there and hey and i you know i kid with gerard Malonso all the time man um Look, you've won five thousand, pal. It's time to go be a trainer or a jockey agent. I know you, you know? got Jan- you got Jansen over there who can pick up the the slack for you, and you can put him on a bunch of horses, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> we can work on the the march to five thousand. But you know, you, you take guys like this who are probably not going to get a lot of more opportunities uh, in the two big companies, whether you think Impact's big or not, um, or NWA. Um, look. You make good money on the indie scene. You also have to travel. You know, you also have to fly two or three, four, six, eight places mm-hmm. a month, you know, to keep that income going. And you have to work. And it's a lot, even though it's fun and you're used to doing it. You know, Aerosmith don't want to, th- these guys don't want to put on a show, you know, 300 nights a year. They want to be able to tour one or two months a year. And they so, don't want to miss a thing, because even <laughs> when I dream of you, <laughs> every look, every week it has to be you, one of us have to break out in song. We whatever have it to. Is. We have That's to. That's one of the boxes. That, you know, and you did it, so it starts to run out. But no, it, it, it it's great value. It, it's it's it, it's hard to get because some guys and girls have it. You're you're able to make that transition to backstage. Some can't do it. Their egos are too big. Uh, they want to do other things. They want to get out of it. But good old rock star Spud, it's, uh, he always seems to stick around, and he's one of the good guys. Yeah, happy for him because he's someone who you feel like can really help you. He, he knows wrestling. He gets wrestling. He's not – he never made it anywhere because of what he, like, looks like. It's because of the talent that he has and, and what the guy can do. He's an incredible performer. So love, uh, love seeing him um, helping out at, uh, at WWE. And the main um, – was cool. We we checked in with Nikita Lyons. They showed all the uh, oh. the, the headlines and how everyone was buzzing about her. Coop, and she this got a lot you, of buzz. This, this is what you do when you're not going to have a match. She got a lot of buzz last week. She had a good good debut, and this is what you do. This is what don't forget about her or do like a 10 second vignette. Do something like this. Show the tweets. Show all the website and, show and all the move buzz. forward, and then you move yeah. to next week where we're going. Lash lashing out, boom! I'm gonna have a, a we're gonna have a little session there. I'm gonna it. You hit it perfectly. It's hey, doesn't have to be a 10 minute segment. 
But it needs to be more than 10 seconds Because there are just a few simple things you need to do Hey, let's go back in time real quick For anyone that didn't watch And let's show a little bit of the buzz she was getting A lot of people on That's one of those things where People like Nikita Lyons or like the Creed brothers I don't think they understand sometimes When you put someone out there That they're going to get this really cool buzz Sort of like a cult classic hero You know, people just for whatever reason, sometimes it happened with Hook, like we joked about. The sure. crowd, the, the internet, or wh- whoever, people will get behind someone, and then they start to get this this buzz. And who would have known that it was Nikita? She's good. She's like good looking, but I think what people like about her is that she's not some really thin, good looking girl who comes. In. She's thick. She's she's got like she looks like what a a real woman looks like, and she comes in and and she's. Dominant in there she's a little bit different she's a little Bit exotic she just doesn't look like the exact Same person you'd have out there All the time people like that and They got behind her so don't Wait two or three weeks boom All it took was flashing A few tweets on the screen talked about How what you know what we did next Last week where you want to go next week Hey lashing uh, lash legend I'm Coming after you simple coop simple But it works that's it that's all You have to do that's all you have to do And uh we talked about it last week. She is a uh, she's a big time player. She she's got a uh, she's got a look. She's got a feel. I think they'll work with this gimmick. Like I said, I'm not sold on this. You know, I toured with rock you know bands and all this stuff, but she has the natural talent to be a big star in the women's division in WWE. We finished up with a really good match. As you had oh. mentioned, Carmelo, man, he just keeps knocking him out of the park over and over. Carmelo and look, Hayes. And look, look, let's 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 not forget he looks good too when you're working good talent. Pete Dunn is really good. Fantastic. Pete Dunn is great. He is one that you know you sort of forget about. You wonder you wonder sort of what what they want to do with him. You yeah, know? because I'm kind of torn, you know, because they've been bringing him and Tommaso up on main main event. event yeah, you know, and, and and Tommaso got the first call. Um, you know, he's been on Raw. He got a pretty good, you know, pop when he came on Raw Monday night. Um, I mean, heck, he got a win on Monday night Raw, which is hard to do even if you're on the roster, you know. Um, yeah, that's my kind of my head scratcher here. Um, he's so valuable in NXT 2.0 because not everybody can have a great match with Carmelo. As good as Carmelo is, there's going to be some people he 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 steps in the ring with and it's not going to be a quality match. But a guy like Pete Dunn, do you bring him up, you know, or do you, you know, do you keep him down there to have I mean, you can't lose all the time, but he's a valuable asset wherever he lands. So if he goes up, he's going to be really missed in NXT 2.0 or if he stays down, um he just still he he put he gives you these quality matches every week every week. I think he could be a great kind of badass bruiser baby face. He doesn't need to be this hill guy. I could see him being a hill, but man, I you know he's not the biggest in stature, and that kind of worries me because you always hear that Vince likes these bigger wrestling looking guys. But Pete Dunn is really good too, man. We'll see what uh what the plan for Pete moving forward is. Yeah, he. Because he's he's still so young, but he's been around NXT forever. I think he could probably be in this ladder match too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, be perfect. Yeah, he'd be perfect in this ladder match. We will continue the build 
to uh, NXT is it Stand and Deliver that's going to be on uh, WrestleMania weekend in Koopa Loop. I'm going to give you some homework for next hey. week. For hey. uh, for next week, I want you to have a, a play or two for me in some of the uh, the uh, college college bracket. Uh, Conference tournaments. Well, uh, next week I we've got a con- the conference tourney tourneys start. They're actually already started, but yeah. this weekend is the final games of the regular season for everyone. And then next week we get conference tournaments all throughout. And Sunday, the thirteenth is Selection Sunday, so we're just ten days away from Selection Sunday. So I want a couple from you next week. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, maybe a team or two that you think can win their their uh, their tournaments or their brackets when we. Uh, their conference tournaments when we talk next week So we'll see how your Houston Cougs are doing And uh, we'll check in Maybe if you have a, a Big Ten or a Big 12 Or a Big East play or any any of those How's that sound? You got it my friend Koopa Loop my man Thank you so much buddy And it it's, it feels over the last couple months It's kind of funny how it's been With the, the roller coaster When we talk every week you can feel Certain weeks right around the summer Man, wrestling was hot and, and all the ratings were awesome Everything was going great And then sort of the fall started And during football And then the new shows came in And wrestling was qu- not really as buzzing And now the last couple of weeks I think right with all the rumors of Austin and Cody And what's going to happen here And it feels like wrestling's now For both WWE and AEW Sort of back on a, a real positive trajectory For the next couple months yeah, and uh, look, if Major League Baseball sits out any longer, uh, uh, that's a great you know, point. You know, wrestling wrestling could uh, could could be the the show once the NBA playoffs. Uh, You're right. Wrap up in July, but you, you can tell in our voices when wrestling is down. You and I are down. We, yeah, we, we are. We have our shows go longer. Our, our, when yeah. when it's not as do. exciting, we go a little shorter. But when yep. there's more to talk about, we're excited about it. We're talking about it. We're just about two hours on this episode, yep. you know, because it's when it's buzzy, we're more buzzing. Positives, uh, negatives, critiques, good stuff from AEW as they uh, head towards the revolution. And uh, WWE and Raw in particular have been much more entertaining as of late. NXT keeps doing a good job, and SmackDown is top heavy. They got to work on uh, building the middle of that program a little bit better. Coop, my man, thank you so much, brother. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. I look forward to uh, talking to you next weekend. We'll see what went down with uh, with AEW, and we'll start. Ta- we'll get a little college basketball thoughts from you. You got it, Gino. See you next week, bud. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on that's what G said. Thanks to Koopaloop for helping us out with another uh, edition of this week in wrestling. A big thank you to Eric for checking in again with us and uh, and keeping us updated on everything happening in the NBA. Samantha Perry doing a great job over at Gulfstream Park. And uh, thank you to Chappie as uh, we took a, a look at Santa Anita and some of the big stakes action over there. I'll take even deeper looks on uh, on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. We'll look at those DRF past performances, stable dual live streams all weekend long, tons of content. Don't forget, if you're NBA fans uh, or uh, NCAA basketball fans, we've got preview shows for Better Than Vegas Saturday and Sunday mornings. Follow me on uh, on social media. I'll give you all the great details there. Joey, my friend, let's close this thing out.